dude, have you heard about the coronavirus? Yeah, yeah hysteria, miseducation, racism. Nobody understands how to cough right. It's so hot right now. Let's go to China and shoot a video. What the hell are you talking dude, about? Dude, let's go. Everyone's going the other way. I think you need to pump the brakes, Tom. Tickets are going to be so cheap, my bro. They're so cheap. I'm glad we came to China. You know, you got to wash your hands, cover your cup, don't eat feces. You know, it's really transmissible. I, I learned a lot, too. I learned a lot, too. I learned that you can get a whole Civic Cat in the Wuhan meat market for 17 yuan. I also fell in love with an Asian lady playing monster. Ow! Absolutely not. This is the epicenter. You're really going to get infected without a mask. Yeah, man, I'm a white American. Nothing bad ever happens to us, you know? Oh, yes, sir. He died because of the racism. Okay, that was my Corona. A viral video on YouTube, obviously made pretty recently, February 28th, 2020. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. I am Todd Dandruff. Well, tell us this is being recorded live and broadcast live on March 14th, 2020. Right now, the time, 10.04 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Every week, it seems to change. In fact, every day, it seems to change regarding the situation with the coronavirus. And last week was a corona-heavy show. This is also going to be a corona-heavy show. Part of the reason for this is because not much else is going on in the world of poker and gambling besides the coronavirus. In fact, we have coronavirus-related poker and gambling news that has developed in the past eight days since I did the last show on March 6th. So I'm going to have a lot of talk tonight about the coronavirus, a few other topics that don't have to do with it, but most of the show will be about the coronavirus 
And some of these topics will be directly about poker and gambling and the way coronavirus continues to affect it big time. And some will just be general conversation about the coronavirus. Now, I won't claim to have all the answers, but I think there's some things that you guys should learn about it. And you can learn about it by Googling the stuff I talk about. So if you don't believe me and you want to see for yourself, you can go look. But at the same time, I will admit there's much I still don't know. There's much that nobody knows right now. But it is important to understand some things which can be answered by cold, hard facts and cold, hard numbers. We'll talk about all of that tonight. And I have to imagine that uh, maybe the numbers for this show will go up during the coronavirus scare. What, what is this? It's not going to go up. We have things like this. What is going on here? We begin with breaking news tonight. Breaking news. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Long lines, hours-long delays at O'Hare Airport as new screening That's... procedures for COVID-19 are put in place. That's Follow- terrible. That's absolutely terrible. Long lines at O'Hare Airport. This is what happens when you have stuff coming up online. You have something on your screen for like an hour, and it doesn't make any noise, and then it just decides to autoplay. I don't know why right now. I just decided... After an hour, very quiet, very nice, something I could just read, just pops up with a video an hour into it. I I love websites that do that. (laughs) Okay, let's move on here. This this is what happens with live radio. This is what happens sometimes. So anyway, as I was saying, we're going to have Trey Ruski on tonight, and we're going to talk about the coronavirus and all of its implications and... Maybe you'll understand some things better when this is over. And maybe you will have even more questions and understand even less. That's possible, too. I can admit that may occur as well. If you want to call the show tonight, the phone number is 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. We also have the Mount Charleston line. It's an old 70s rotary telephone located in a cabin on top of Mount Charleston. I remember discussing the Mount Charleston line with my father, who listened to this show uh, more often recently. In fact, he's listening a lot these days. And uh, he said, is there really an old 70s rotary phone on top of Mount Charleston? And I showed him the phone. I eventually showed him the phone, the physical phone. It's a, a black 1970s rotary phone that's since the top of Mount Charleston. And he came to understand. And I hope you do too. 702-430-1808, 702-430-1808 is the number of the Mount Charleston line. Separate line into the show, but there's a difference between the main number and the Mount Charleston line because the Mount Charleston line, being an old 70s rotary telephone, cannot receive text messages. It's not a cell phone. It's not a VOIP phone. It's just an old 70s rotary phone. So you can't text that number, but you can text the main number, 775-372-8355, and your text will pop up on my screen on the computer I'm using to broadcast the show. You can also text that number at any time because it is also connected to my cell phone and I get those texts right on my cell phone. 775-372-8355. Text me any time of the day or night if you have something to say and I probably will respond to you. You can text during the show and I may read your text on the air unless you ask me at the beginning of the text not to do so. The call to listen line is a phone number you can use to listen to the show you just call up and listen. It does not require a smartphone, does not require an app, does not require a data plan, does not require a computer or the internet. No, it's just an old-fashioned phone number. You call up and you listen to something. In this case, it's the show. 
605-313-0736 is the main call to listen line. But we actually had a problem with it like about a week ago. It just wasn't working well. And that is why we have an alternate call to listen line. So if the main call to listen line is not acting right, if it's just not working, try the alternate one. 641-741-1095. 641-741-1095. These are tough numbers to remember. I will admit that. But just go to the radio tab on the top of PokerFraudAlert.com, and every phone number that you need for this show, everyone I've just listed right now, is listed up there. Even the alternate call to listen number is listed up there. So that's uh, a lot of phone numbers. There's a lot of phone numbers associated with the show. I sometimes marvel at the fact that uh, four different phone numbers are devoted full-time to this show. For a once-a-week show, we have four different phone numbers that are only for the show which I would not have dreamed about many years ago when phone numbers were hard to come by. Some of you probably remember that because we have an old audience here. I can't talk down to the kids here. I can't say, you guys don't remember. You don't know what it was like in the 70s and 80s because many of you are older than me and know better what it was like in the 70s and 80s than I do. So you guys know what I'm talking about, most of you. We have a few young listeners here, a few young listeners who don't remember those days, but many old ones. But that's fine. The average listener age to this show is right around my age. So you know what that says? That says I am relating best to my own age group. Okay. We have a chat room. If you're listening live, you can go in the chat room. You need a forum account in good standing to get in there. Also, no iPads, no iPhones, because they don't have Flash. You need Adobe Flash installed on your device to be able to go into the chat room. Only for the live listeners. If you're not listening live, there will be nobody there. There's no point to go in. We have a free roll tonight that started at 9.55 Pacific Time. I should have mentioned that earlier, but you still have eight minutes left to get in. Late registration open until 10.20 p.m. Pacific Time. First place gets $27. Second place, $18. Third place, $10. 27 18 and 10 No fraud online poker room is where it takes place, as always. Four people donated to this free roll to add up to the $55. River Brad, who I have met in person. Nice guy. $10. Sanomar, $10. I have not met him in person, though I'd like to. I am Greek, $10. I have not met him either. The side dish who I have met, $25. Thank you to all of you guys for donating to this free roll. 27 18 and 10 are the prizes. I can pay you by Zelle, by Cash App, by bank transfer, by Bitcoin, and one other method where money can be sent online that has been used to pay for things on the internet for about 20 years. Hmm, what could that be? If you can think of what that method is, I'll pay you that way too. To collect the money, email dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com or the preferred method, PM me on the forum, Dan space Druff, or even text me 775-372-8355 and you'll get paid. Maybe not all that quickly, but you will get paid. And I am tracking everything in a very public thread of who's getting paid, who's not getting paid. So there can be no accusations that I'm stuffing these unclaimed prizes into my Jew wallet. There's even a plan for what happens when people don't claim their money. It rolls back into the pool. It's all right up there in black and white now. Uh, let's see what else we got before we're starting here. Oh, yeah, pokerfraudalert.com slash free roll. Those are the rules for the free roll. Make sure you know. Okay, let's get Trader Ruski on here. Then we will get going. By the way, if you call into the show, make sure that uh, you don't just hammer the show over and over with phone calls because uh, if I'm not answering, there's a reason for it. It means we're, bu- we're busy here. Trader Ruski, hello. Well, what's happening, John? Well, Trader Ruski, uh, 
Um, crazy times here we're living in in 2020. Uh, I had a discussion today with Benjamin's mom about uh, how memorable will this be in years and decades to come? In 20, 30 years, will people look back on the 2020s coronavirus? And I think yes. I think this is going to be something that is discussed and looked back on. And uh, the kids today who uh, are too young to be able to remember this, like very little kids and kids who are not born yet, they will hear about the 2020 coronavirus. And hopefully they will not hear terrible news like what happened with the 1918 flu. But we will actually compare coronavirus tonight to the other pandemics that have happened and the other diseases that have come recently. Because that's there's a lot of comparisons of coronavirus to the swine flu to uh, just the regular flu we get every year, to the 1918 flu, which was a terrible flu, to uh, SARS and MERS. And some people are saying, why are we making such a big deal about this when all these other recent diseases, we have not made a huge deal, even though they killed more people? That's a good question, but I have an answer for you guys. I have an answer why this one is a big deal. It actually makes sense if you think about it. All right, so let's talk about the coronavirus and uh, all the many developments here, there's a lot that's happened. There's a whole lot that's happened. And uh, before we get to any of this, I want to give you guys an important warning if you take blood pressure medication. And this is one thing you can't Google. If you Google, you're not going to find very much. If you really dig, you can find something. But this is not something you can just Google and, and, and read a mainstream article about this and go, oh, okay, Druff's right, I just hadn't heard of this. If you try to Google this, and maybe if you ask your doctor, they will not know what I'm talking about. And I will sound like a fool. But trust me, I am not a fool. I have found uh, an article to back up what I'm going to tell you. And I'll tell you how to find this article, even though it's not easy to find otherwise. But I actually reposted it on Poker Fraud Alert because I feel it's important. It's advice that I am taking myself. And it's something that actually could save your life. And I'm not exaggerating here. I do want to start off by telling you that this is only a possibility. It's only a theory that has not been proven yet. But it's one of these things where it really is a smart thing to do. It's a, a better safe than sorry sort of thing. So let me explain what's going on, and then we'll have the rest of our coronavirus discussion. But this hasn't been publicized enough, in my opinion. This has really not been publicized at all, and I think it should be. Just because it hasn't been proven yet doesn't mean... You shouldn't be aware of the dangers. So I have high blood pressure. High blood pressure is mostly hereditary. Many people don't know that. Many people think it's because you eat salty food, you eat too much fat, or because uh, you're too stressed out, you're too anxious. That's why you have high blood pressure. Not true. These things can contribute to high blood pressure. They can make your existing high blood pressure higher, but they do not cause high blood pressure. If you have high blood pressure and you eliminate all these things I talked about, guess what? Your blood pressure may be a little lower, but it will still be high. The only way to get rid of high blood pressure is to take daily medication to do so. Now, fortunately, there are a number of very effective high blood pressure medications out there. And this really has increased human life expectancy a lot because high blood pressure is a very dangerous thing to have long term. It is connected to stroke. It is connected to heart disease. Big, big killers of older and even middle-aged Americans. And not just Americans, really. 
everywhere around the world. And the fact that medication exists now to bring your blood pressure down to normal levels is huge and really adds years to people's lives. And these drugs are cheap, too. That's another good thing. Most people don't have side effects on blood pressure medication. Or if they do, they're fairly mild. That's another good thing, is that you take these meds and if you're like me, you don't even feel them. Like, I can't tell if I took the meds or didn't take the meds by how I feel. There's zero side effects for me. That's great. But what's not so great is that two classes of blood pressure medications, very common ones, might be connected to the coronavirus deaths and severe illnesses. I'm not saying this is the only cause, but if you take these high blood pressure medications, there is a chance, in fact, a decent chance, that these greatly raise the risk you have of dying or getting severely ill from the coronavirus. These will not make you catch the coronavirus more often than if you're not taking them, but if you do catch it, you have a much better chance to fight off the the virus and have uh, mild symptoms if you are not taking these medications, according to this theory, which has not been proven yet, but is considered a credible theory by many very respected doctors. This is not something that crackpots came up with. This is something that uh, is a theory that is being taken seriously by many in the medical community, but has not been well publicized yet. So this may turn out to be wrong, but there's a good chance it'll turn out to be right. So I want to put this warning out there, especially as I mentioned earlier in the show, we have a lot of older listeners, a lot of middle-aged and older listeners who probably take blood pressure medication. Trader Risky, do you take blood pressure medication? I I can't hear you now. Can you hear me now? Yes. That's rough. It's it's still not very good. Is that better? This is better right now, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Do you take blood pressure medication? I, oh, I do not. You don't? Okay. Well, you're fortunate. This doesn't affect you. So here's, here's the story. Uh, something that is certain is that blood that people who are dying from coronavirus around the world, the most common factor that they have as far as their health other than the coronavirus is high blood pressure and what's known as baseline high blood pressure, which means that without medication, they would have high blood pressure. They have high blood pressure that's either been treated or not treated. That, but, but for sure, people who have dealt with high blood pressure are ones who are dying the most from the coronavirus. And that's been known since January. But this has been dismissed for a while that, well, okay, it's well known that the older you are, the more susceptible you are to death and serious illness from the coronavirus. And older people have higher blood pressure. That's definitely true, too. So if it is mostly killing older people, it would make sense that many of them have high blood pressure, but that has nothing to do with the fact that they're dying from coronavirus. It's just that they're old, and a lot of old people happen to have high blood pressure. But as this was looked into more, there were two things that really bothered uh, researchers about this. Number one, high blood pressure really seemed to be the factor that was most commonly found 
when looking at health history of people dying. So was it the high blood pressure itself that was contributing to the deaths? Or was there something else involved that wasn't being looked at? Well, what a researcher noticed, and this is Ralph Barrick, a PhD researcher who uh, was a, an early researcher in the current version of coronavirus known as COVID-19. He noticed that uh, the virus enters the lungs through what's known as ACE2 receptors. And lo and behold, the medication that you take for uh, coronavirus actually does deal with those same receptors. So he said, hmm, that doesn't seem like a coincidence. What if it's not the high blood pressure itself? What if it's not the age itself that is causing these deaths? What if it is not all, but what if it's partially due to people taking certain classes of high blood pressure medication? What if these medications are causing increased susceptibility to coronavirus? Now, again, not everybody who died from this was taking the medication, so that's not the only cause, but what if this is something that has been greatly increasing the deaths? So they started to research it, and they're still researching this as we speak. So there is no definitive answer yet. But it has been theorized that two different classes of high blood pressure medication might be greatly increasing your susceptibility to a severe illness or death from the coronavirus. The first type of medication is known as an ACE inhibitor. And the second type of medication is uh, known as an ARB, an ARB, which stands for uh, angiotens- angiotensin receptor blockers. So if you're taking ARBs or ACE inhibitors, you may be at much more risk of dying from the coronavirus or having at least a severe illness from it than if you were not taking those. You may wonder, are you taking an ACE inhibitor or an ARB? Well, I'm going to tell you all the different medications that are ACE inhibitors or ARBs, and then I'll tell you an easy way way to be able to tell, even if uh, you don't hear your medication on this list. But this is almost all of them. ACE inhibitors include Acupril, known as a Quinipril, Acyon, which is also known as a Perindopril, Altase, also known as Ramipril, Capoten, which is Captopril, Lotensin, which is Benazapril, Mavic, which is a Trandilopril, sorry if I'm not pronouncing all these right, but some of these I hadn't heard of before, Monopril, which is also known as Facinopril, and then there is Prinivil and Zestril, which is also known as Lucinopril. So what I'm telling you first is the brand name and then the generic name. So those are ACE inhibitors. So if you're taking any of those, you're in danger if this theory is true. The ARBs include Azelsartan, which the brand name is uh, Adarby, uh, Atacand, which is generic uh, Candesartan, Tevaten, generic being uh, Eprosartan, Avapro, which is Erbisartan, Micardis, which the generic is Telmasartan, Diovan, which is Valsartan generically, 
Kozar, which is Losartan generically. That's what a lot of you take, Losartan, including me. And Benicar, generically, which is Almasartan. Now, I'm sure you're noticing a pattern. The ARBs all seem to end with Artan in the generic version. And the ACE inhibitors all seem to end with April in the generic version. So you're taking anything for blood pressure that ends with Pril or Sartan, and that's bad news. And make sure you see the actual medication name, not the brand name. So anything I listed there, or if you're taking anything that ends with Pril or Sartan, then these are the medications to watch. Again, this is not known for sure. This has been poorly publicized. Many doctors don't know about it. You may go to your doctor and bring up what I'm talking about, and they're going to treat you like you're crazy and say, keep taking your meds. I'll tell you my suggestion, and I'm not a doctor, okay? So take this advice with a grain of salt, but this is my suggestion. This is what I'm doing for myself. If your high blood pressure is not dangerously high, meaning if you can go a few months without taking meds and not really cause much harm to yourself, which if your blood pressure is just high but not dangerously high, you can do. So for example, my blood pressure without medication is around 150 over 90. Not a great blood pressure, but will I die if I go three, four months without taking medication with 150 over 90? Very unlikely. 150 over 90 is a bad blood pressure to have long-term unmedicated. That could cause me all kinds of problems. That could lead to an early heart attack or stroke if I were to go years and years and years without medicating that uh, type of blood pressure. But going a few months that way, totally fine. So at the very least, quit it for a few months if you have a blood pressure like mine. Now, if your blood pressure is 180 over 120, don't quit because there you are in the danger zone. There your blood pressure is so high that quitting the meds will be an immediate danger to you, in which case it's worth taking the chance even if this is true, that the coronavirus will have a higher chance of killing you, if you don't take the blood pressure meds, then that might kill you. So if your blood pressure is very, very high, again, like something like 180 over 120 or something similar, then yeah, keep taking your meds. If it's 150 over 90, I'm telling you, you're much better off not taking your meds, or at least not taking these meds. Now, I'm actually taking three blood pressure medications because I, after experimenting through my doctor, it was found that this combination worked for me, and that's also common. Uh, I, I'm taking Losartan, something called H, HCTZ, which is a uh, water pill, and uh, amlodipine. And the combination of those three brings my blood pressure down. I have a feeling that once I take away the Losartan, then the other two together are not going to do it, because I needed all three of these, and when all three of these were not part of the equation, it just wasn't working for me. My blood pressure was not going down. So I'm going to keep taking the other two. The amlodipine is fine. The HCTZ is fine, but it also may not help me. <laughs> like I, I may still have uh, high blood pressure despite that. But if I do, I do. I would much rather have the 150 over 90 type blood pressure for a few months until this is figured out than uh, risk that if I get the coronavirus that I'm going to be one of these unfortunate guys in the late 40s who dies from it. So because so little is known about coronavirus and why certain people are dying from it and not others. We know that older people are dying at a much higher rate. We know that kids are not dying from it. But there's so much that isn't known. And if this is a big factor that is killing people, then you'd be a fool 
to be taking these two medications, either of these two medications right now, unless you need it in the immediate future. In most cases, blood pressure, high blood pressure is a cumulative problem where over time a high blood pressure can kill you, can cause conditions that kill you, but not over a short period of time. It's kind of like um, if you were to smoke cigarettes for three months, only three months and then quit, which is very hard to do. It's very addictive. But let's let's take out the addictive part of it. Let's just say you could smoke cigarettes three months, quit cold turkey, and, and not have the urge to do it again. Would that have a long-term effect on your health? No. You'd probably be fine. Cigarette smoking is something that is a cumulative effect that will eventually cause you problems. Lung cancer, emphysema, heart disease, things like that. But if you were to only smoke for three months and quit, it it wouldn't be very harmful. Again, that's not easy to do because of the addictive factor, but I'm just comparing the two. It's A a lot of things are long-term killers, not short-term killers. But this may be a short-term killer taking this medication. And there are theories about coronavirus that it's going to spread big time and that a lot of people are going to get it. There, There are some people who are claiming that maybe more than half of the U.S. population will eventually get it, but that most will show mild symptoms and it won't be a big deal. We still don't know. So the last thing you want to do is take medication that might be causing complications and killing people who catch coronavirus. So if you can do without those meds for a few months, and if you talk to your doctor and then they poo-poo this and say, oh, come on, this this isn't true, this is this is nonsense – Ask them a question. Ask them, okay, let's say I quit anyway. Let's say I disagree with you and decide I'm going to quit, which you can. You, you don't have to do what your doctor says with medication. They, they suggest things, but you, you're not forced to take meds they tell you to. So you can ask them, okay, well, if I choose to do it anyway, with the unmedicated blood pressure number I have, if I quit this for three months, is it likely to cause me any immediate problem? And if the doctor is competent, he will say no, if your blood pressure is kind of like mine. If it's super high, then he'd be correct to say, no, do not quit. That's It's a huge mistake that, that can kill you. But if it's kind of medium high, then uh, you probably want to quit any of those medications I listed. It's one of these things where the downside of quitting is not very much if you quit only for a few months. And the upside of quitting could be very much if that's what is the difference between you living and dying from catching the coronavirus. You may say, I'll just be careful. I won't catch the coronavirus. Yeah. How does that work out with catching colds? Have you had it before where you try to be careful with not catching the, a cold? A cold's going around. You try not to catch it, and then somehow you get it anyway? How many times has that happened to you in your life? I bet a lot. I know it's happened to me a lot. You've, you've heard how many radio shows I've missed from colds. You can try not to catch a cold that's going around, and then often you get it anyway. The coronavirus may end up being like that, where it's going to be very hard to avoid catching. And even if you never leave your house, then even people who you encounter that live with you, maybe they'll leave the house and catch it in some way. Maybe something you order to your house will be infected with the virus, and you touch it and you'll catch it. So you don't want something in your system that there is high suspicion at the moment is greatly increasing the rate of death and severe illness when people have it. You just don't want it. It's a, it's a Really, this is important. This isn't some hoax or conspiracy theory. Please look into this if you're taking any of those medications. I will tell you that I've quit Losartan. I will tell you that other members of my family have quit Losartan because of this.
and I urge you to quit Losartan or any ACE inhibitor medication unless you absolutely need it in the short term. The good thing is this is being studied right now, and within a short time, we will have an answer. Within a short time, we'll either hear, no, this is a bunch of BS, and you can go back on your Losartan, or we may hear, oh, wow, yeah, this is true. Yeah, you better get off this right now. Because if this is proven true, believe me, everyone's going to be instructed to get off it except for the very extreme cases where, where they can't get off it. So you might as well do it now and then wait until we get a definitive answer because it won't be that long. You're studying it right now. Don't wait until they finish studying it because you may catch the coronavirus in the meantime and then it'll be complicated by these meds. And I believe if you get off the meds right now, Within a, a pretty short time, like within days, you won't be in that increased danger anymore if there is an increased danger. It's not like – I don't think you have to wait months for the, the effect of quitting to help you. I believe this will happen within days for the same reason you have to take the high blood pressure meds every day or they stop working for you. So that, that's really a strong suggestion on my part, even as someone who is not a medical professional. That is what I'm choosing to do. And you know, by all means, ask your doctor, can I quit this for a few months without any kind of real dire consequences? At the very least, ask that, even if he doesn't agree why you're quitting. Say, if I'm going to do it anyway, will there be dire consequences in most, in most cases? Now, he can't guarantee you. You could run super bad, and then you have a heart attack. <laughs> it, but it probably wouldn't be from that. Like, if you have a heart attack while you're off this, it's probably one that was going to come anyway. I want all my listeners to know about this. It hasn't been publicized well. Now, where can you read an article about this? Because you probably want to see something to convince you other than what I'm saying here, especially because I'm not a doctor. If you go to the Flying Stupidity Forum on Poker Fraud Alert, there's a thread called Warning Common Blood Pressure Medications Rumored to Lead to More Severe Illness from Coronavirus. If you click on that, first you'll see my summary and a list of medications. In the second post in that thread, I copy and pasted the article about this. This article was actually not made public. This was something that was on a uh, a medical journal site where you have to log in and be a doctor or other healthcare professional to read it. So I obtained this anyway. It was not a pay site. I didn't steal pay content, but it was a it was it's a free site, but you're supposed to be a doctor or healthcare professional to access it. So I uh Let's just say I got access <laughs> by uh, saying I was one, and I copy and pasted it to Poker Fraud Alert because I think it's very important for people to read. So you can read this article, and in this article, for example, it says that uh, data show, data was showing that more than 40% of people with severe infection had baseline hypertension. also says the safety and potential effects of antihypertension therapy with ACE inhibitors or Angiotensin receptor blockers in patients with COVID-19 should be carefully considered. Whether patients with COVID-19 hypertension who are taking an ACE inhibitor or ARB should switch to another uh, drug remains controversial. Further evidence is required, but we may be able to reduce the risk of fatal COVID-19 courses in many patients by temporarily replacing these drugs. So there you go. That's right from the article. I wanted to make that the very first coronavirus topic because nobody else is talking about this except me. Go, go look at the web. You won't see any discussion of this except for me. So be ahead of the curve here. Because imagine if you don't listen to me and you keep taking those meds and then you 
end up having severe complications from the coronavirus and you're on your deathbed. And then just as you croak, you see a report on TV in the hospital room. A new study has shown that uh, blood pressure medications have been linked to deaths with the coronavirus. And the last thought you will have before you expire is I should have listened to Dan Dreff about this. Don't let that happen to you. But the other blood pressure meds are okay, by the way, just not an ACE inhibitor and not uh, an ARB from that list I gave you there. Those are the ones you need to not take. Okay, so let's move on to the stuff that is being talked about on the web. But you may not know of all this. You may not have heard. There's so much news coming out, it's kind of overwhelming. Remember in late January, I announced that I'm not going to go to commerce anymore. Remember that? Remember when I said that commerce is done for me, even though I was doing very well at commerce in recent times, I was on a a streak where like nine out of 10 sessions, I had good wins there, which is a pretty good record short term. And it was hard for me to stop going to commerce and playing limit hold'em there, but I said I must. I must do that, and I also must sit out the LA Poker Classic, which I've been playing like two events the last few years. I, I, I must skip those as well, I said. And some thought I was being paranoid, but I said, Commerce Casino, the dealers there, are mostly Chinese nationals. And that's really the worst place to be. If you don't want to catch coronavirus, given where it originated, and given that these dealers, while they probably have not been in China terribly recently, they encounter many who have. Friends, relatives, any of them. There's Think of all the different people who have traveled from mainland China that they probably encounter in daily life. So I said, this seems like a very bad idea. The last day I was at Commerce was the same day Kobe Bryant died, to show you how long ago that was. Late January. And I decided, I am not coming back to Commerce until this is over. I'm not coming back to Commerce or any L.A. area card room because they're all very similar with the Chinese national dealers. And furthermore, just in general, a card room seems like a place that uh, you can pick up a virus very easily. In fact, I have picked up viruses very easily from card rooms, just from the nature of card rooms. The chips are going around everywhere, and there's so many things you're touching that everybody else touches. It's not a surprise that illnesses spread very quickly there. So I thought, that's a good place to avoid. So I stopped going to Commerce. Well, guess what? Today it has been announced that Commerce Casino had an infection that one of their employees has been tested positive with coronavirus. Who saw that one coming? Ironically, Commerce, which had been resisting any kind of closure, even temporary, during this entire coronavirus situation, had decided prior to that employee being diagnosed with coronavirus that they're going to shut down. In fact, they discussed this with three major competitors in the L.A. market, and they all came to the conclusion that it's best to shut down for some time and uh, see what happens. So that uh, I, I think they all did this together because they, I think they were afraid if they shut down, then the business is going to move elsewhere. And the last thing a card room wants 
is for the momentum to go towards competitors. And I think that's what some of them were afraid of. Going back to the early 2000s, Hollywood Park used to be the big place to go and play. And they had so much action in Hollywood Park. That, that was the place to go. And then Commerce built their new high limit room, which is a big, big room. It's not like a little high limit section like in most casinos. This is a big room that's bigger than most card rooms itself. This is just the high limit room. They built this huge high limit room, and they built a new hotel uh, along with it. So Commerce really expanded. Well, a lot of people weren't happy about a lot of aspects at Hollywood Park at the time, and Hollywood Park did nothing to address these issues people were unhappy with. And a lot of the action moved to Commerce, and Commerce quickly eclipsed Hollywood Park. Hollywood Park still operates, but it's kind of a has-been. Commerce is much, much bigger. Commerce has since grown to be the biggest live card room in the world, not just L.A., but the entire world. There's no place with more action than Commerce. So nobody wants to have that situation occurring. Nobody wants their customers to flow to another casino because what happens is that people are creatures of habit, and once they get used to going to a casino they're happy with, they forget about the place they were going before and barely go there anymore. So I think all of the major L.A. card rooms were worried that if they shut down, that people will start going to their competitors, and then if the competitors never shut down and this whole thing passes, then by the time they reopen, they're never going to come back from it. And that's the last thing any of these places want. So Commerce, the Gardens Casino, which is in Hawaiian Gardens, the Bicycle, which is pretty well known, that's the second biggest L.A. card room, and Hollywood Park all got together, and in a rare form of cooperation, these casinos pretty much hate each other, but they cooperated on this one. They came together and said, okay, let's all shut down together so this way none of us will get the advantage from this. So it was announced today. Here's a statement. The Commerce Hotel and Casino, the Gardens Casino, the Bicycle Hotel Casino, and Hollywood Park Casino continue to monitor the unprecedented and ongoing situation as it relates to the COVID-19 outbreak. As the largest card casinos in the state of California, the health and the safety of casino patrons, visitors, and employees are of the utmost importance, particularly at this critical time. Governor Gavin Newsom has issued an executive order further enhancing state and local government's ability to respond to the COVID-19 pandemic. The governor directed Californians to follow public health guidelines, including canceling large gatherings of more than 250 people and ensuring social distancing of six feet per person. In light of the governor's directive, as well as the nature of this unprecedented threat to public health, the casinos will close operations beginning this weekend. The closure will be temporary and all plan to reopen as soon as possible based upon the best available information. By the way, Commerce, prior to this joint statement being released, had said they're going to close down and then reopen on March 29th. They were, they were going to close, close down on March 15th and, and reopen on March 29th. Uh, this superseded it, so they may not reopen March 29th. This, now they're just saying, we'll reopen when it's safe to reopen. They're all saying this together. We believe that every business should put out, should put public health and the safety of people above profits. And that is why we fully and actively support the governor's executive order. At time of heightened uncertainty and anxiety, every casino or location that attracts large crowds in California should take the steps public health experts believe can slow the transmission of this virus. Now that's BS. They, they, they would have shut down a while ago if this was the case. They kept going because they wanted to make money and then they realize it's getting more serious and they've, they've got to do something. And it, it could be very, very bad optics if 
a ton of people come down with coronavirus there and die. So they they were all afraid to close because of each other. So this was all of them getting together saying, let's just all close together for a while. With approximately 8,000 employees, more than 20,000 patrons per day, and over 300,000 square feet of casino floor, we must make the decision to prioritize the health and safety of our patrons and employees over everybody else. Now, I'm not sure if they're talking about uh, just commerce or these other card rooms. This is a, a commerce statement, but this may be the joint statement. That, it sounds like a joint statement, So I, unless they customize this part for themselves. It doesn't matter. Card rooms are undoubtedly strong contributors to our state's economic engine. However, this fact should not take precedence over the well-being of our visitors, staff, and the general public. We remain in daily communication with government and health officials and are ready to implement additional changes to our operations as necessary. We will continue to monitor this evolving situation closely, and we thank our guests and partners for their patience during this unprecedented time. So let's look at the list again of the four that closed. Commerce, the gardens, the bike, and Hollywood Park. What is missing? Hmm. What is missing from this list of major L.A. area card rooms? Can you think of one, Trader Ruski, which is not on this list that's kind of a major L.A. area card room? Is Trader Ruski still with us? No, we lost him. No wonder he's not answering. Try to put him back on. I want him to answer this. Trader Risky, let's try it again. If you can, let's see if you can hear me. Even though I was listening on the radio, I was trying to talk. You're trying to just uh, to... hustler, <laughs> right? The hustler, the hustler is not closing. The hustler, despite this statement from these big four, is refusing to close. The hustler said, "Hmm, this is an opportunity. Imagine if we could get all the action from commerce, the gardens, the bike." And Hollywood Park. Wouldn't that be nice? Even if we have reduced action of our own. Imagine if we can get all of their customers that want to keep playing poker. All these degenerates that just want action and don't care about the risk of the virus. Or might be, might be in denial about the risk. So the hustler is refusing to close. They are putting out just nonsense statements like every company is these days about, uh, we're taking the virus seriously. Here are the measures we are taking to keep everything sanitary. Blah, 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 blah. I've gotten so much junk email from every company I've ever dealt with, even like online banks and things like that, that I'm never going to be going in to see in person. I'm still getting their stupid statements about how they're handling this. It's so annoying getting this crap. I, I don't think anyone's reading it anymore. Like everybody's getting like 50 emails from every company they've ever dealt with about how they're handling the coronavirus. All I want to know is like, if you're closing, tell me. If you're not closing, then I'll just assume you're open. Now, I can understand if it's something you'd expect to close, like a casino, but but I don't want to hear this from banks or get this from uh, fast food joints or anything like that. Just don't bother me with this crap. I, I don't need to hear you're taking this seriously because it means nothing. You can say you're taking it seriously. Maybe you're not. But I'm getting so much. I don't even read them anymore. I, I, anything I get with that, I just, I just delete. Like Trader Risk, I imagine you're getting a lot of this crap in your email, too. Oh, yes. Yeah. Everybody. And they're all basically the exact same thing, just with a different logo on it. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like At first, I was dumb enough to read them. I'm like, okay, this all says the same crap, and it's not really saying much. It's just saying we're being careful. So I'm like, okay, this is junk. I'm deleting it. I, I don't even open them anymore. But yeah, the hustler definitely wants to try to grab the action of these other four. 
I have to imagine they were asked about this as well. And they said no. Now, yes, there's other card rooms in L.A., but the, those are really the big five. Those are the, the big five that are in the L.A. area, and the Hustler is missing from this list. <laughs> Commerce, they didn't have a choice after one of their employees had it. They would have really had a hard time staying open after that. That would have looked really bad. But they, they swear that they came to this agreement before realizing that this employee was uh, tested positive. Now, it's possible that they were suspecting an employee was going to test positive, and then they quickly called the other card rooms in the area and said, we might get a positive test here. Let's come up with something. And then it's possible they put this out before the test was confirmed. Whatever. But looks like I was right about not playing at commerce anymore. And the rumors are that the employee in question was a dealer. That is not confirmed, but that is the rumor I am hearing. That's exactly what I was worried about. When I said I'm not coming back until this is over, that's exactly what I was afraid of, that a dealer is going to bring the virus to the casino. I was worried about the patrons too, but more the dealers. So now I feel good about my decision to quit commerce. Maybe I saved myself a lot of money. Maybe a losing streak was like right on the horizon and I quit like at the very end of my winning streak that would have ended after that night. I did win in my final session. It's always harder to quit when you're winning. Like if I'd been getting beat over and over and over again, I would have quit for a while anyway. Because I always do that. If I'm getting beat over and over, I will take a break. I'll take a Phil Galfin-like break to clear my head and not play scared anymore, not play with a negative attitude. But uh, this was the opposite. I was Every time I was booking a win, and like every time it was a good win, it wasn't like I'd, I'd win like $50 and book it as a win. I mean, every time it was, it was a good to excellent win, except for one. There was one session where I lost like 3800 bucks, but uh, like the other nine out of the last ten were all good wins. So I was very happy with my performance at uh, Commerce and the bike and my visits to them. But uh, I had to stop. I've shifted to online, which is not as busy as I would expect. Like This hasn't really helped the games at Ignition, which surprises me. They're going at about the same rate as they were before. So Commerce and these other rooms are shut down. Now, uh, what about other card rooms in California? Well, in Northern California, there is Bay 101. Bay 101 was rumored to have uh, a coronavirus case there, but that seems not to have been true. However, posted yesterday, March 13th, at 6 p.m. Pacific time, this was what was posted on their Twitter. Notice, we are grateful that to date there have been no reported cases of COVID-19 at Bay 101. However, we have been carefully reviewing the guidelines of the Governor of California's executive order, as well as the Santa Clara County Public Health Department's recent announcement. That is that uh, gatherings of more than 1,000 people were now illegal in Santa Clara County, where Bay 101 is located. With abundance of caution and in the best interest of our guests and employees, we're temporarily suspending all casino gaming operations effective 12.01 a.m. Saturday, March 14th, which means it has already happened. The closure will last at least three weeks until April 4th, but as this is a very fluid situation, this could change. Please check bay101.com for updated information. So no more Bay 101. 
the California card rooms are dropping like flies. And this makes sense. This is the right thing to do. And what about the other ones up there, Druff? Is like Artichoke Joe's staying open like, like a hustler is? I have not researched that. Let's, let's look it up. Artichoke Joe's. Uh, Artichoke Joe's Casino. Let's see. And then there's the one across the street. I think it's called The Matrix or something. It doesn't look like they even have a Twitter. I can't find their Twitter. Uh, let's go to their main webpage. Uh, so COVID-19 update. I'll click on that. Uh, yep, they're, they're closing too. 12 1 a.m. Saturday, March 14th. I wonder if they did the same thing as Commerce or like made an agreement with the other ones in the area that they're going to shut down. Sorry. Probably. So what's the other one you want me to check? Oh, Matrix. I was just trying to look it up, but go for it. I think it's called Matrix. Yeah, Matrix Casino San Jose. Let's see that. Um... Their webpage does not have anything about this. Let me look if they have a Twitter. They should really just put it on their webpage, like either way. Okay, Casino Matrix Twitter. Does not look like... No, they don't even update their Twitter. They're like... I don't think they've updated their Twitter in like two years. <laughs> yeah, they haven't. Okay. Well, I don't know about them. It looks like they're still open. But uh, and Was there a lot of action at Hustle last night? Or I guess it would be... Oh, yeah. when was it? So w- were they all on that? Uh... Yeah, they're all closing uh, effective pretty much like in an hour, I think, for the in Southern California. But um, and I, I don't know what action they have at Hustler. Uh, I don't know if people. I guess word will spread that Hustler's open. People may get the idea if those four are closing that everything's closing. Uh, but I have to imagine their traffic's going to increase. Though maybe the fact that four are closing is going to scare people. Maybe that'll make it get real in people's minds. But there's always degenerates. It's, they just want action so badly they don't care. Like there really are the, de- the coronavirus is the last of their problems. Yeah, I mean, they, there are degenerates at these rooms that I'm telling you will just play through anything. I mean, the place could be on fire and then they're still going to be playing. Exactly. That might be a funny call to make to ask them what they're doing. Yeah, let's call. Let's let's do it. Let's let's make a call to the hustler and see what their plans are. See if they. Maybe you want to wear a hazmat suit so they can't see your poker face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe they'll suspend the uh, rule that you can't cover your face that's in card rooms everywhere. It's pretty ballsy the hustler not to close when the other four are closing like this. I, I can understand when like they don't want to close because like everyone else is staying open, but when the four biggest ones are closing, you close too. That's the casino. I may help you. Uh, hello, Ken and Nigel Fabersham here. Uh, can you hear me? Okay. Yes, we can. All right, yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Um, uh, I want to know: um, Are you guys going to stay open for the foreseeable future with with the coronavirus and all? You know, is, is it? Uh, do we have to worry about the this malady plaguing us, or sh- sh- um, shall I not even bother to drive down there because you'll be shutting down shortly? Okay, so we are shut down. Oh, you are shut down. And all right. Until further notice. So temp- temporarily, we're shut down until further notice. It is to protect the health and safety of our customers and staff. But there's no date set or been oh. announced um, for reopening. So, but we'll try to resume as soon as possible. All right. So I'm glad you're doing that because I, when I read the statement, there's a joint statement by the Commerce Casino and the other ones, and you guys are not listed. And I said, 
why is the Hussa not listed here? These greedy bastards, they just want the money. They don't care about me getting sick and, and croaking. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to expire because I'm trying to win a pot at poker. It just doesn't make sense to me. So I'm, I'm, I'm rather pleased to see. I'm tickled pink to see that you have closed along with the other ones uh, for the safety of your customers. So um, thank you for the information. Talio, Pip Pip, and uh, let's get on with fighting the virus. Thank you. All right. All right. I, I gave the Hustler a bad rap for nothing. Sorry, Hustler. I guess you are closed. You you weren't part of the statement, though. Maybe you should have joined the, the commerce to make the statement here. It's not even on your Twitter. I, actually, they don't really have a Twitter. I looked. They don't have a Twitter. And I, I couldn't find anywhere that they were closed. But they're closed. Okay. All right. Good job. Not a lot of places to play poker in LA. I wonder if there's any rooms open. I'm not going to call them all. But I wonder if they all shut down. Maybe commerce took the lead. I can't imagine there is. It's like, it's weird. Even up here, how is it down there, Jeff? It's almost like, kind of like Walking Dead or something. Well, see, I heard that from my brother. I talked to my brother who lives in the Northern California, and he told me that, yeah, all the streets are empty, and there's hardly anyone there. That's not the case here. Like, I, I, there's people on the streets. Like, if I, the only thing I see that's alarming, which I know is everywhere, that all the shelves are bare at uh, the supermarket, especially when it comes to water or rice or beans or uh, toilet paper. And we'll discuss that later in the show. But uh, that that's the main difference I am seeing when, when just driving around the area or, or going to things I normally go to. Everything else is like business as usual. In fact, I went out to dinner last night. And I, I went out with my family. And the place was full. I know it was Friday night, but I, was, I thought it was going to be totally empty. The place was full. So I guess people weren't, weren't that scared. Caller, you're on the air. Padre33, how you doing, Dandruff? Good, good. Yeah, I know who you are. Uh, thank you for calling in. So what would you like to say? Uh, as of as we speak, SD Poker Rooms are open. Uh, oh. Seven Mile, Indian Reservation, Lake Elsinore, which is in the Inland Empire, kind of near Pechanga, which is closed, is open as well. The smaller room. Yeah. Uh, I played yeah. there all week, feeling like a total degen. <laughs> so, you played, so you weren't afraid of catching the coronavirus? I was not afraid of catching the coronavirus, and I was only miles away from Corona the city as well. So, but uh, I'm obviously getting to the worrisome point where I don't want to play anymore. I'm maybe looking to deposit online. My mom is staying with me at the moment. She's 65 years old. I don't want to expose her to any of that oh, bullshit. Yeah. Yep. Well, uh, so yeah. Uh, what, what about Ocean's Eleven? Are they open? Ocean's Eleven is open. All San Diego rooms, as of now, right now, uh, open. I'm getting word from Seven Mile, which is probably the busiest room in San Diego County, which is down south of San Diego, just just south of downtown, that they probably will be closed by Monday. Uh, not 100% sure. I know that Lake Elsinore, that it's a small room, and they're aiming to stay open, but it might be, you know, shut down, you know, purposefully, you know, by the law or whatever. Yeah, I wonder if Commerce and Bay 101, what they're doing is going to kind of force everybody else in California to have to shut down, because those are pretty influential rooms. I'm thinking the same thing, yes. Just south of the border in Tijuana, wild games, and they are open. <laughs> so they have they have poker in Tijuana? They have poker in Tijuana, wild, crazy, crazy action, no in the games. Really? Yeah, I, games. That's, 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 <laughs> it plays like, it like one, two. Now you got you got the problem is I wonder Tijuana if you can get out with the money without someone killing you. That's the question. <laughs> it is a risk to go down there. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, I, I'd be kind of worried about it. if I want a bunch of money there. I, I would be kind of worried leaving a Tijuana with a bunch of money. 
Like, I really you, would be. You know Johnny Vibes, obviously. He went down there and had, he's, he's done uh, uh, meet-up games and, 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 and games where he's filmed down there and stuff. I'm not sure if you've seen those. No, I haven't, but yeah, I, I didn't even know he did that. Yeah. Well, that's that's interesting. Well, thank you for the update about San Diego. See, this, this helps to have people around the country to tell me these things. I hadn't really been paying attention no to San Diego. No problem. We'll see it, see it, hopefully see you in a poker room in a few months. Yep. Okay, thank you for calling. Okay. We, we got a hold of Padre33, gave us some useful information. Here's some texts we got from the 505. How sad is it that PFA and Chicago Joey gave better preventative measures than our government over a month ago? CJ did a live stream, as CJ meaning Chicago Joey, did a live stream showing empty Chinese cities being sprayed down by guys in hazmats back in January. Meanwhile, the U.S. government downplayed it. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show about the U.S. government's response so far. This is from Sheets. Eric Haber has been on the show once as a guest. Hey, this is Eric Haber. Haber, I don't know how you say your name. A.K.A. Sheets, been forever. Glad your radio show is still going strong. If you want me to call in, I was actually in Singapore a few weeks ago visiting my daughter who was studying abroad. If you wanted me to share my observation of how amazingly they handle the coronavirus versus how we're doing it here, please let me know. Can't really stay up late, though. Uh, I don't know why to interrupt the prank call, though. Maybe next week. Can't keep eyes open anymore. This is a few minutes later, or half an hour later. Eastern time zone and all. Keep up the great work. By the way, last time I was at Commerce was that he typed with like a bunch of numbers years ago, like uh, 7 million years ago, when someone threw coffee in someone's head after getting bad beat. Anyway, good night. Yeah, that sounds like Commerce. You, you can't be at Commerce too long without some kind of altercation breaking out there. You don't see many like real fist fights, though those have happened there too, but you at least see like angry altercations between people. You will inevitably see that. I saw one last year where a fight pretty much only didn't happen because one of the people involved was much older and was kind of afraid of the younger guy. But the, it was the older guy's fault, but the younger guy like wasn't taking it and the younger guy really wanted to fight him. And then at that point, the older guy, after talking tough, started to, to semi-back down, at least at the point where he didn't want to escalate it further because he knew the, old guy, the younger guy probably could probably beat him up. Uh... From the 310, excited to hear your thoughts on this madness in L.A. on next show. This was sent before the show, so hopefully he's excited hearing this. And someone texted me, can I please have a Poker for Alert hat when you get them? Yeah, we're still going to make the hats, despite the fact there's probably no World Series of Poker this year. Or at least not one as scheduled. And someone sent me a link about some poker rooms closing in the East. Or casinos, not poker rooms. Uh, the Twin River Casino and Tiverton Casino in Rhode Island are going to be closing starting 12.01 a.m. on Saturday, which has already come in the East Coast. So thank you for that. A lot of closures. In fact, I'm going to talk right now about some other closures besides those two in Rhode Island I just mentioned and uh, the ones in California I just mentioned want to talk about closures of casinos. and the, I'm sure there's others that are closing that I'm not listing here, and things are closing everywhere. But here's some notable closures in uh, Massachusetts and uh, Pennsylvania. So in Massachusetts, they are closing all of the casinos, including, most notably, the biggest one, which is the Encore Boston. These are completely shutting down until further notice. And uh, this just happened recently. Uh, the there are three casinos in Massachusetts, and they're all going to close. And the statement 
was uh, in response to the coronavirus pandemic, the decision was made in collaboration and cooperation with our licensees to safeguard the health and well-being of casino guests, employees, and regulators. As we all continue to navigate this unprecedented and rapidly evolving situation, our agency and our licensees will remain in close consultation with public health authorities and government officials to determine safe protocols for resuming operation. As we develop the appropriate course of action, we will keep you informed of next steps. This was actually from the government, not from uh, any particular casino. Wynn Resorts, which owns the Encore, said that they will pay all full-time employees there at least during the first two weeks of any of the closure. So they've, uh, there, there will be a two-week closure followed by a decision of what to do further. And that's been a big source of controversy about businesses closing, especially large businesses. Is what do they do about their employees? On one hand, these businesses are losing money while they're closing and obviously have no income. But then what about the people who work full-time that count on that income to pay rent and pay the bills? So some businesses are being nice and they're paying the employees anyway, and some are not. But some of the businesses feel like if they do, that they're going to go under. It also depends upon uh, what margins they were operating, how much cash on hand they have, how long they expect the closure to last. Uh, Obviously, employee... Employees are not getting paid with money that falls out of the sky. So businesses can't just pay employees and say, oh, we're just going to do this because we're not greedy, because they ha- they have to look at their own health, that is financial health. And if the paying employees while they're shut down is going to make them go under, then they can't do it. But some large businesses that can afford to do this have chosen to do so, and I think it's the right thing to do, provided the business can do this and, and stay healthy enough to resume once this is over. Some might also be afraid of creating a false expectation that this will just continue indefinitely. So what if the closure ends up being three months, four months? Uh, some of them cannot afford to pay for f- four months of employee salary if they're if they have no income. So some are afraid to pay them for a few weeks and then say, sorry, we're cutting you off now. And it's understandable in both ways, why they are paying employees and why some are not. As I said, I think it's the right thing to do if these businesses can't afford to do it. But the money has to come from somewhere. And some of these businesses operate on smaller margins and uh, less cash on hand than you might believe. And some of them just can't do it. And it, it sucks. It's It's very unfortunate for those affected. But this is what happens. People didn't really think about something like this. Uh, but this isn't in most business plans of, uh, well, if, if a pandemic comes and we have to shut down, what do we do? Let's be prepared for that. Like, nobody's prepared for that. No business has prepared themselves for this. I, I think in the future, we will see businesses preparing themselves for something else like this. But any business that had worked this into their budget before it actually happened would have been accused of being crazy. And now it seems like it's not so crazy. So um, as I said, Massachusetts, uh, I I think they're forced closed. The the government forced them to close. Pennsylvania, there's not a forced closure, but uh, several casinos have closed in Pennsylvania. Uh, 
Parks Casino has announced they're going to close. I think they're open uh, until the like 6 a.m. Eastern time on Saturday, so they're just hours away from closing. Rivers Casino Philadelphia, former known as Sugar House, is voluntarily closing for 14 days minimum. So is Rivers Casino in Pittsburgh. Harris Philadelphia and Valley Forge Casino are also closing in Pennsylvania. And there are other casinos open in Pennsylvania. There are, uh, I think, seven others that are remaining open. I just named five that are closing, but the uh, other seven are staying open, at least with the information I have here. But again, they might feel pressured to close with these major casinos closing there. You know, you lose parks, you lose uh, the former Sugar House, you lose Rivers, you lose Harris, Philadelphia. It starts to become more pressure to shut down. So that's what's going on in Pennsylvania. Illinois casinos are also shutting down. And that is a forced closure. The Pennsylvania ones are a voluntary closure. That's why there are still seven that are open to my knowledge. Illinois is forcing all ten of the casinos in the state to shut down. They announced on Friday that they had ordered all the casinos to close. The gaming board said the public health of patrons, casino employees, IGB staff, and others is of paramount importance. And then they said we'll review the public health situation to decide whether an extension of the period of suspension is warranted. And that came from Marcus Fretcher, the gaming board administrator. So they are going to be closing for, uh, it looks like two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. And then they will reevaluate what to do. So the casinos in Illinois do not have a choice. They are forced shutdown. Looks like in California, there's not a forced shutdown yet. Pennsylvania, not a forced shutdown. And they do have a forced shutdown there in Illinois and in Massachusetts. Uh, there's probably others. There's casinos in most states. And I didn't research every state. These were just ones I had noticed. You definitely are going to want to check this if you're considering going to a casino, which I wouldn't advise doing at this point anyway. But if you're going to check... Now, notice I'm not discussing a market where casinos are thought of first. If you think of any market in the world with casinos, what comes to mind? Yes, Las Vegas. Why are we talking about California, Illinois, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, but not Las Vegas? Las Vegas, which is very dependent upon the casino properties for income, they are very resistant to shutting down. Now, MGM has shut down their buffets. And there's various services and stuff that are being shut down in Vegas at these casinos. But to my knowledge, not a single Las Vegas casino has shut down due to the the coronavirus. I can tell you the Las Vegas... Uh, economy would be damaged so badly, even in the short term, if all of the casinos were to shut down. Because that pretty much is Las Vegas. The whole city of Las Vegas is based around the casino industry. 
Not so much just gambling anymore. It used to all be about gambling. Now it's about gambling. It's about restaurants. It's about hotels. It's about conventions. These things used to support the gambling. They used to feed the gambling. Now these are profitable on their own. These used to be loss leaders to the gambling. Not anymore. Now this is a big form of profit. All of these different areas together, including the gambling. And as I've mentioned many times on the show, every year gambling income has become less and less necessary for a hotel casino property to survive. Every year, the percentage of income coming from gambling is going down. But if these casinos just all shut down, if these properties all shut down, then it'll be a disaster for Las Vegas. The economy will really, really take a tremendous beating. It's a much bigger deal to shut down these casinos in Vegas than to shut down in Illinois or Massachusetts or Pennsylvania. There's also a lot more of them. But these are so central to Las Vegas' operation that they're really, really trying to hold back on this. Now, MGM, I told you they shut down the buffets. They've shut down the nightclubs. Uh, They are continuing to operate even though the Luxor had an employee testing positive for coronavirus. If it were any other city, these would be shut down. But it hasn't happened yet. They are really, really, really resisting this. And you should know that before going to Vegas. You could say, well, they're just not shutting down because uh, it's safe here. No, it's, they're just going to not really not want to shut down. They just, they're really trying not to. Some of them are are, are closing shows, some are closing spas, some are closing gyms, some are closing, uh, as I mentioned, the nightclubs. But they they don't want to shut down most of these properties. They want most of the core services to stay there. They want the hotel to stay. They want the restaurants to stay. They want the gambling to stay. They want the conventions to stay. There's been cancellations of these conventions, but they really, really, really need this to continue. Now, they may have to shut down. They could be forced shut down by the government, though the county and the state are very aware of the fact that shutting these down will be a huge deal. And they are sympathetic to them. So Clark County isn't just going to willy-nilly decide to shut down everything. They, They know what impact this will have. So it's tough over there. It's tough. The University of Nevada in both Reno and Las Vegas, has canceled all on-campus instruction. And uh, right now they're on spring break, but when students come back on March 23rd from spring break, then they're going to be attending classes online. But they are, at the moment, not shutting down. Governor Steve Sisolak, who, by the way, uh, exploited the uh, October 2017 shooting, by Stephen Paddock from the Mandalay Bay. He exploited that to uh, eventually become governor. But anyway, uh, Governor Steve Sisolak declared a state of emergency in Nevada and said he might ban mass gatherings, as other states have done, but he has not said that he's going to force the closure of casinos. They haven't shut down in Reno either. That's another place that's very dependent upon the casinos for their economy. So we will see. If that happens, then, boy, Nevada's going to be in trouble. And this this is a problem when one industry dominates a state 
to such a degree. When that industry has something occur, then it can really screw up everything. There's very little diversity of industries in the state of Nevada. Interestingly, when resorts announced that they're going to have thermal cameras at their entrances to screen for anyone running a fever. They claim that they can see if you're running a temperature of 100.4 degrees Fahrenheit just by walking past these cameras, that these cameras can actually uh, take your temperature without touching you. It it would be interesting if they actually had an old-school version of this, where as you walk through the door, uh, a robotic arm pulls down your pants and then sticks a thermometer up your ass. (laughs) It'd be effective. Some of the guests might enjoy it. But no, they're using a thermal camera to be able to tell if you have 100.4 degree temperature or higher. And if you do, then security guards will uh, say, nope, you're out of here. Can't come in. The problem is you can be asymptomatic for a while with coronavirus and yet still contagious. And some people don't have the fever. Most do, but some don't. So that, that could be a problem. Now, one good thing at casino properties is there aren't many kids. There are some kids because kids in the state of Nevada are allowed to walk through casinos to get to the hotel or get to the restaurants. There's a, the, the law in Nevada, as far as casinos is concerned, is that children are allowed in casinos as long as, number one, they're with adults, and number two, they are moving. So children cannot stand still in a casino but they can walk through a casino. And that is so children can go with their parents to uh, a casino property and uh, be able to walk through the casino to get to a hotel or restaurant. Some states don't allow that. Some states just you absolutely cannot pass through the casino if you are under the gambling age. And they have security guards posting there, posted there to ID people. Uh, there is one casino, I forgot which one, where there's, I remember there's a tremendous line and they're IDing all these people. This is years ago, not during the coronavirus, but there's like a tremendous line where they're IDing all these people to get in there. And I'm looking and every, everybody in the line is like young. They're all like like early 20s looking, mid 20s looking. So I'm like, screw this. And I went to the front of the line and I go, guys, do you really need to ID me or can I walk through? They look at me, they go, yeah, you can walk through. Which which wasn't that flattering that they saw that I was old and that I could walk in. But And this wasn't even super recently. I was probably around 40. But uh, I, I wasn't looking to be flattered. I just didn't want to stand in that line. So, but the good thing is that the the people who are most likely to have coronavirus and be asymptomatic yet contagious are children. And in casinos, that's not much of a concern. But still, there's adults who are asymptomatic who either just aren't affected much by it or just haven't shown symptoms yet. So this camera that can tell if your temperature is 100.4 or higher. First of all, I wonder how accurate it is, and and second, uh, that may not do as much good as you think. But the win has put that in. Clark County has announced that they are canceling all parks and recreation events that are going to have 250 people or more, or even ones expected to have 250 people or more. And uh, Las Vegas closed senior centers for obvious reasons. They don't want to encourage seniors to get together. Washoe, Washoe County... In which is where Reno is, has canceled large public events. 
That's uh, actually they're not they're, they're supporting canceling large public events. They have not ordered cancellations, but they're encouraging the cancellation of large public events. So we'll see. We'll see what happens in Nevada. They they've got a real tough situation there. They're resisting as much as they can. They're trying to close the minimum, trying to close the least profitable elements. When I say least profitable, I mean by net profit it's delivering. The least essential elements to their businesses while leaving the core services open that make them most of their money. Eventually they will have a tough decision to make, and it's coming soon. In fact, eventually the federal government could end up ordering this. Keep in mind, as I mentioned last week, closures, forced closures, that is, can come from the county, it can come from the city, it can come from the state, it can come from the federal government. So if any of these entities order closure, then it closes, and that's it. In order to stay open, you must dodge all of these governments. All four of these governments must be dodged in order to stay open. But as I said, in Nevada, they're very aware of the damage that closing will do. So I'm wondering if the the government will force anything or if this is going to be something that the federal government is going to have to do and just say, no, you guys are closing. I would not advise going to a casino right now. I think it's important to talk about here the risk that you have to the coronavirus uh, causing death or serious illness to you. Now, as I say you, I don't know how old you are. You might be one of our young listeners in which your chance of uh, dying from the coronavirus is very low. You might be one of our many middle-aged listeners where it's fairly low, but not nearly as low as those in their 20s and 30s. You might be one of our older listeners. We have some listeners who are in their 60s, 70s, and your risk of dying from this is much higher. I don't know if we have anyone over 80 listening to the show. If you are over 80 and listen, please text me. I don't know of any listeners over 80, but we may have one. I'm sure we probably do. So if you are over 80, please let me know. But those listeners who are over 80, you're at the highest risk, obviously. But you, you, when assessing your own risk, you not only have to look at what risk do I have, but what risk do I have of catching it, being asymptomatic, and bringing it to somebody else in my life who has a higher chance of dying than I do. So let's say you're a healthy 25-year-old. Your chance of dying from the coronavirus or having serious effects from it is pretty low. But what about your parents? Are you going to see them? What about your grandparents if they're still alive? Are you going to see them? What about anyone you might know in your life who currently is suffering from a major or semi-major illness? Might you see them at some point? You have to take all of that into account that you could end up infecting those people. And that is the reason for the school closures. Something that nobody can understand yet is why children are not suffering from major symptoms of this coronavirus. It is very typical that the people who are most affected by a disease are very elderly people. 
when looking at how disease affects people by age group, if you were to look at a chart of this, it kind of looks like a V or a U, where the two highest ends are the very youngest people, like tiny babies, and then it go, the risk goes down, 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 down as you age until your risk is lowest in your 20s, and then as you get to around 30, it starts to move back up, and then as you get elderly, it moves up very fast, and when you're very old, then your, your risk is super high, just like the tiny babies. And that has to do with uh, the strength of your immune system. Tiny babies have a weak immune system. It hasn't developed much yet. And they're also just very small and very susceptible. And, um, and then kids, they're, you know, young kids, they're also more vulnerable. And then as they age into teenagers, then they're not that vulnerable anymore. Into their 20s, they're, you know, that's when their body is typically at its peak. Your, your body in your 20s is fully developed, but uh, it hasn't aged enough to start going downhill yet. And uh, and this is why athletes in their late 20s tend to be the, the best athletes, because they've had enough time to hone their craft, hone their skills, but but their body hasn't gone downhill yet. And then once they get to around 30, then their body starts to slowly decline. And by 40, they usually have to retire. Uh, so, uh, and of course, it makes sense why, why old people, why their immune systems have uh, weakened by that point and uh, why they die from diseases. A good example is the flu. The flu that we're all familiar with, the people who die from the flu tend to be very old or very young. And that's why the typical adult who's not uh, very old doesn't fear the flu that much. I, I doubt many of you are walking around terrified of the flu killing you. Even though a lot of Americans die every year from the flu, a lot of people die worldwide of the flu, a big killer worldwide, but it's pretty specific groups who die of it. And if you're not in those groups, you don't have to worry. So coronavirus is like that on one end, but on the other end of the spectrum with the children, it is not. Even tiny babies are not dying from the coronavirus. Tiny babies who are so susceptible to everything somehow aren't dying from this. Nor are toddlers, nor are young children. In fact, I don't know of a single death worldwide from the coronavirus that was a child. Not only don't they die from it, they don't get severe symptoms. In fact, it is thought that many children might have it and have no symptoms at all, so you might not even realize they have it. For all you know, your children may have it and are showing no symptoms. And that is the reason for the school closures, because they don't want the children to catch it and spread it around as kids do. You know you know how kids are. They touch everything. They don't wash their hands very much. It's hard to keep kids from spreading illnesses. That's why if you, if you have kids, you often catch what they have. They catch it at school. They bring it home. And then it's hard to avoid getting it as the parents. So th- th- that's the concern with the coronavirus, that they're going to bring it to the parents and then and the grandparents. And that you, in, in order to stop the spread, you've got to stop the kids from all being together and spreading it amongst themselves. And it's so hard to tell which kids have it because some may have no symptoms. Because it's so mild with children, with all children. And that is not understood. That's the weird thing. And it it, it appears that all coronaviruses are this way, not just this particular coronavirus, COVID-19, but past coronaviruses also behave this way. And it has never been understood. They even tried an experiment with mice. Because rodents have a lot of similarities to people, strangely enough. Uh, So that's why there's so many... uh, tests, medical tests done on rodents because they, they have uh, a lot of physiological similarities to people, even though you wouldn't guess that. 
and they tried to give baby mice the coronavirus and they fight it off and show almost no symptoms. They gave it to older mice, they died fast. So there's something about being a kid that makes you not susceptible to the worst effects of the coronavirus. There were theories that maybe it's because uh, kids don't have high blood pressure. Kids don't have other underlying conditions that adults have. There's a lot of conditions you develop later in life that kids just absolutely never have. But they're starting to push away from that because there are adults without underlying conditions that are known and that uh, they're still dying from it. And yet kids just aren't. Kids aren't dying. They're not getting severe symptoms. So the prevailing theory right now, it still hasn't been proven or or known for sure, but the prevailing theory is that uh, there's something about kids' bodies that's just different that does not allow the virus to thrive. Maybe it's the, the lungs that the virus can't attach itself to the lungs very easily of children. It is true that children's bodies are, are different than adults' bodies. They're not just smaller. They're just a, they're, there are several differences in their bodies. And that's in some cases, this is why you can't give your children medications that you can take. For example, if uh, let's say you have diarrhea and you want to take an Imodium pill to stop the diarrhea. Uh, you as an adult can do it, and it it's usually doesn't have any side effects other than sometimes causing constipation, you know, going too much the other way. But other than that, it's, it's a very safe medication to take. Kids, very unsafe. Kids under 12 are not supposed to take this. It's, it's said to be very unsafe for them. There's a lot of things like that where, and aspirin, not supposed to go to kids. I know a long time ago they did that. I took aspirin as a kid before that was known that you're not supposed to do that. But, but aspirin... Uh, causes uh, Rye syndrome, and that's you're not supposed to take that uh, as a kid. There's there's a lot of differences in, in children's bodies to where even certain medications they're not supposed to take that we can take just fine as adults. So children's bodies are just different than ours, and in this case, it seems like a good difference that something internally is different with children, and they don't have the effects of the coronavirus that adults do. And also, it's, it, there's an extreme difference, it seems, with young adults versus older adults. So yes, you, you'd expect that people in their 20s are not going to die as much as people who are older. But this is really to an extreme, where if you're in your 20s, the chance of dying from the coronavirus is, is very low. You're an adult, but still the chance of dying is from very low. And, and as uh, into middle age, it starts to become realistic, but not all that likely you're going to die from it. And it, when you're elderly, it starts to be more likely. And believe it or not, 15% of people over 80 have been dying from coronavirus. So that's the, that's the scariest. Imagine a, a disease you can catch, a communicable disease that you can catch a 15% chance of killing you. That's pretty bad. It's still not known exactly why this is. But the reason they're shutting down the schools is the concern of the children bringing it to other people who are more susceptible. And the fact that they spread it amongst each other very easily, especially since they're asymptomatic in many cases. Can you imagine if children were as susceptible to this as children normally are for most diseases? Think if this was killing children. Think of the, you think panic's bad now. Can you imagine the panic there would be if people's kids are dying from this? Can you imagine what type of panic we'd be seeing? The fact that kids seem immune to this is actually 
very, very much bringing down the panic that we'd otherwise be seeing. You think the panic's bad now. It would be pandemonium if, if kids were dying from this. People were watching their little children die. The kids are spared. As the parent of a nine-year-old, I'm very happy about that. That's one thing you don't have to worry about. I do worry about what if my parents get it. They're in their mid-70s. I, I do worry about that. They're healthy, fortunately, but they're still in their mid-70s. But I, I'm very, very happy that I just, I don't have to worry at all with Benjamin. I know that there's no chance the coronavirus is going to kill him. That's, that's one good thing that can be said about this whole thing, is the kids are safe. Not sure why. Nobody knows why, but somehow the kids are safe. Let's talk about the economic effects for the moment. Outside of casinos, let's just talk about the general economic effects. Because that's been a big deal in recent times. And it very well may affect who becomes president starting 2021. We have an election this year. And before this happened, Donald Trump was feeling great. He looked pretty likely to win. Even with Joe Biden, the tougher candidate to face between him and Bernie Sanders, uh, I I thought Trump was going to cruise into victory because of Joe Biden's various flaws. I don't want to make this into a big political segment, but I, I felt that Trump had a very good chance to win. And the betting markets felt that way as well. However, uh, this throws a wrench into everything. And anyone who says otherwise is delusional. I'm not saying Trump's going to lose, but I, I'm no longer saying he's going to win. And the economy and the general happiness and the general comfort of people who are voting affects very much how they vote whether they vote for the incumbent or the challenger. They they feel unhappy with the way things are, even if it's not the president's fault. They, if they just feel unhappy with the way life is, they will vote for the challenger. If they're happy with the way everything is, then they vote for the incumbent. And there are many ways where the incumbent doesn't have control either way, of, of when things are good, when things are bad. Some of this is out of their control. But if they luck into everything being good for the moment, then they have a big advantage. If they are unlucky enough to have something occur during the election year, then they have a big disadvantage. This is exactly how George H.W. Bush lost re-election in 1992. There was no pandemic, but the economy was having a pandemic. The economy was in recession, and people were very concerned, and Bush did not show enough concern about this until it was too late. And weeks before the election, the economy was improving but nobody noticed, and nobody believed it, and he lost to Bill Clinton. This is a guy with a 91% approval rating in the early portion of 91, right after the Gulf War. Went from 91%, highest approval rating ever of any president, to losing re-election. You won't see that happen very often, or probably ever again. So it shows you how quickly things can change. Donald Trump has never had an approval rating anywhere near 91%. In fact, he just barely crossed 50% at his highest point in January before the coronavirus became a concern. And now, even if, I mean, there's been criticism of how he's handled this, but even if he handled it without much criticism, or at least without valid criticism, uh, if it still became a problem, just because it's a 
pandemic, if it, if it created problems and people were unhappy in 2020 and scared in 2020, they're probably going to consider voting for the other guy. Because there's always something to criticize. The, the other side can always make it look like he's doing something wrong, even if he isn't. So, in general, you don't want the country unhappy and scared coming into the election if you're the incumbent. So this this really can affect the election. And Donald Trump uh, is now in danger of possibly losing. But we are a long way away if we get to June and this whole thing fades out and not many people die. Uh, and Trump says, look, you know, all the stuff we did worked. We'll get to November. Everyone's memory will be very short and they're... It'll, it'll go back to the way it was before. This won't hurt him much. But if this drags the whole year, uh, it's going to be a big problem for him. Uh, no matter what he does. He could he could operate everything perfectly from this point. And if this drags into late in the year, he's going to have a big problem winning. And one of the big reasons is because of the economy. This is having such a big impact on the economy, and many don't realize it yet. And it, it started to become more real this past week when the stock market crashed. And it did have a little bit of a recovery. But we may have a lot more of this. Because the economy is struggling from so many different angles. And it's inevitable. This is something that Donald Trump could not prevent. This is something that no president could prevent. Because uh, supply chains are being disrupted. It's not just in this country it's happening. Look at what happened in China. Their, their supply chains are being disrupted and businesses are shutting down. People are not wanting to go out and do things and spend money. People are hoarding things and just staying home. And so many different industries are going to struggle from this. We already talked about the casino industry. Any kind of industry related to travel is going to struggle from this. Restaurants are going to struggle from this. Events are going to struggle from this. And this also creates a ripple to where it affects other industries that sell to these industries. There's going to be so many different industries that are harmed by this. And it's happening so quickly and with so little warning that these businesses didn't have much time to prepare for this happening or prepare for the consequences of it happening. And also, people are scared and uneasy, and that causes these panic sell-offs and uh, the crashes like we've been seeing. I know they have these uh, controls in place on the stock market where they'll stop trading for 15 minutes to kind of calm people down. And that that has stopped it from crashing as uh, worse than it already has. Those, those measures that are already in place that were put in place a while ago from previous crashes. But it's hard to believe that we're going to exit from this. Even if this gets better quickly, let's say by May 1st, this is mostly gone. What happened here in the early portion of 2020 is going to have an effect for a long time. A long time, I don't mean for years and years. If, they, if it goes away quickly, it won't be for years and years. But, but it's hard to picture in 2020 that we're not going to have a recession as a result of this, even if this gets better quickly. It's been here long enough. It's caused enough economic trouble already. And not only that, some people are going to be skittish about returning to things. Let's talk about the one that's most likely to have a slow recovery, and that is the cruise industry. 
Now, let's say coronavirus goes away quickly. And again, let's say by May 1st, it's mostly not an issue anymore. And I'm not predicting that's what's going to happen. I'm just saying let's, let's just say that's when it's mostly gone, about a month and a half from now. How much are you going to want to get on a cruise? Let's say even if you believe the coronavirus is done, that this version of coronavirus is done, are you going to be dying to go cruise? I guess dying is not a good word here, but are you, are you going to be looking forward to taking a cruise? Are you going to go book a cruise? Probably what will be on your mind is, okay, the coronavirus is done, but what about the next one? What about the next disease that's similar to this? What if I get on a cruise ship and it turns out people have it and we get quarantined for weeks in our tiny cabin? And we were barely allowed to set foot outside of our tiny cabin and we're just trapped there like prisoners. See, no one ever thought of that before. No, How many of you ever thought before taking a cruise, oh, wow, something might happen. There might be a disease going around and we may be quarantined to our cabin for weeks. I never thought of that before getting on a cruise. I thought about the norovirus that would spread on there and get people, uh, it'd be kind of like a stomach flu that you get and very unpleasant to have. But I, I never thought I would be trapped in my room like a prisoner. I never thought that uh, the ship would just park itself for weeks and nobody would be allowed back on shore until the government says so. So this created uh, news and it made it, it put something in people's minds that wasn't there before. People always knew there was a danger getting sick on cruises, like the norovirus. People are aware that you can get sicker on cruises more easily than you can on land because you're in close quarters with thousands of people and you touch a lot of the same things they touch and it's, it's easy to catch things and things go around very easily there. So that's been known for years from things like the neurovirus, but people never thought about this quarantining. People never thought about just being stuck there for weeks and being stuck in that tiny room all that time. And this is something that's going to remain in people's minds for a long time before they feel comfortable cruising again. Now, as time passes and everything's okay, people will start start to say, okay, well, look, that never happened before. This was just a, a one-off thing. Okay, we're feeling safer again. Like, that'll be the attitude probably years from now. But for the remainder of 2020, everyone's going to be thinking about that, even if the coronavirus gets contained or goes away pretty quickly, because we've already had these incidents that were well-publicized of these quarantines. So the cruise ship industry is really going to struggle here. Do I think it's going to come back? Yes. Why? Because it was very popular prior to this occurring. And it really is the main way that elderly people can travel without a lot of hassle. And if you think about it, there really isn't any other way. This allows elderly people to not have to pack and unpack a bunch of times, not have to worry about the airport other than flying to and from the original cruise destination, if they even have to do that. Uh, No driving involved, which a lot of them either can't do or are uncomfortable doing, especially long distances. For a lot of elderly people, and even those who are not very elderly but starting to get there, they, they would really like to go to places with minimal hassle, They pack once, they unpack once, and 
something takes them around everywhere. Some, everything's done for them. Think about it. On a cruise, they serve you your meals. You have a place to stay the entire time. You don't have to check in and check out. You uh, you can have them arrange all the activities you do on shore at every place that it visits. You get off. You can be part of the tours they provide. I don't recommend doing that, but if, if you want, that's what you can do. Uh, they obviously do all the traveling for you, bringing the ship from port to port. No effort on your part. The ship just moves from place to place. Much easier than dealing with the airport, dealing with driving, even dealing with a bus tour. This is the easiest way to travel for seniors. And that's why cruises are mostly seniors. Not all seniors. There's pe- people who are middle-aged and young who take them too. But it's a it's a, a lot of seniors on these cruises, as I'm sure you've seen if you've gone. And that's not going to change. Old people are going to still say, yeah, I like the whole idea of the cruise. But they've got to lose the memory of this, especially how this is killing old people. So that's that's another thing. With, with old people mostly going, knowing that coronavirus is, is killing mostly old people, uh, they, they, again, they may say, well, what's the next thing that's going to spread quickly on a ship and kill us? That's scary, too. So I, I think it's going to recover, but it's going to take some time. Uh, but the entire travel agent, the entire travel industry right now is affected. And again, that will recover. People are going to want to travel again. But as long as there's this coronavirus fear, people are not going to want to travel much. The airlines are struggling. Hotels are struggling. Uh, anything that is deriving its income from tourism is struggling big time. There's destinations that are tourist destinations that do little else besides... Uh, welcome tourists, and they are going to be struggling. So this this is really going to hurt. Uh, of course, there's the events, such as concerts and uh, conferences and anything else, sporting events, which have shut down for the moment. Any kind of industry with events that have large crowds, they're going to struggle for obvious reasons. And we're already seeing in the stock market that companies that are involved in these industries are struggling. One that I have noticed, I've been talking a lot about on Poker Trot Alert in the forum and on social media, is Norwegian Cruise Line. Norwegian Cruise Line is the cruise line I have taken the most in my life. Almost all of my cruises lifetime have either been on Princess or Norwegian. And Norwegian has been the cruise line I've taken in the 2010s entirely. I haven't taken any other... Actually, that's not true. At the beginning of 2010s, I did take a Princess Cruise. But uh, Norwegian has been the main one I've been going on in the uh, recent time of my life. And they were at almost 60. Their stock, which is on the New York Stock Exchange, was almost at 60 on January 14th. It fell as low as 9.65 this past week. It ended up closing on Friday, March 13th at 11.1. But still, let's think about that. From almost 60 to 11.1. Wow. That is uh, a major, major decline. Of course, we're looking at a decline by almost a factor of six. That they're, It's worth far less than 20% of what it was worth 
on January 14th, 2020. We're not talking about five years ago or even a year ago. We're talking about two months ago. And you know what? They are still operating. Now, can you imagine if Norwegian stops operating cruises, which might come very soon? There might be, in fact, an order. There's been discussion in the U.S. government that cruises may end entirely, that they may be made illegal and not allowed to enter U.S. ports. Oh, never mind. I'm wrong. I, I missed this news. Yesterday, I already knew about it, that Princess was shutting down. And I knew Viking was shutting down. But it, it was announced yesterday that Norwegian Cruises is going to suspend global operations until April 11th. Royal Caribbean, one of the other big three as far as cruise lines that serve American customers, they said they are suspending U.S. cruising for 30 days. And Princess had already announced that they are suspending global operations until May 10th. I won't play the sound effect again. Princess, of course, they had the two ships that had to park off the coast and quarantine people, so they they really had some bad press. They're owned by Carnival, by the way. Uh, The stock of all these has taken a beating. I already told you about Norwegian. Uh, Royal, they've taken a beating, though not quite as badly. They, at their peak, was, uh, let's let's go to the January 14th date, uh, 133 was their stock value. It's down to 32, so they've gotten to about a quarter of what they once were, a little bit less than that. And Carnival, which uh, two months ago was at, like, I think 50... Like 51, they're currently at uh, 17.58. So they got cut down by about two-thirds. They're the ones who've uh, fallen the least, but still, the best of the three has fallen by a factor of two-thirds. So that's it's still pretty bad. Norwegian has fallen the most because they already had an existing debt problem. And there was some concern of investors that they're, they have too much debt. And this obviously is, is devastating to put on top of the debt. So there's, there's some belief that Norwegian is just going to collapse. And that's why some are afraid to buy their stock. Carnival is thought to be the strongest of the companies, and that would be reflected in uh, how their stock has fallen by two-thirds versus three-quarters or uh, five-sixths, like the other two have. Carnival has the least debt of the three, and it's funny, I was, I was with, uh, I was at this home poker game I go to sometimes. Uh, it's, it's, n- none of you guys know who the, know the, the guys at the game, but I mentioned about Norwegian. I was like, you know, if Norwegian gets low enough, I might buy it. And the guy's like, you don't want to buy that piece of crap. They have so much debt. <laughs> Someone at the game just went off on me for talking about possibly buying Norwegian. Not now, by the way. I was, uh, I was waiting, well, for this to happen, for them to suspend operations, and then I was waiting for, it to fall following that and then and then wait and then also waiting until it looked like that uh, we're kind of coming out of the whole thing like I could see the light at the end of the tunnel sort of thing but it hasn't jumped up yet and then I was considering buying it and then just sitting on it for a few years until things come back which I think they will but Norwegian is the riskiest play it has the most upside because they're going to fall the most they already have fallen the most I think they'll fall further 
Uh, Norwegian, uh, there could be a good opportunity there. I mean, it went down to 9.65. It's at around 11 right now. I, I could see it down, falling down to 3 or 4 bucks a share. But, and, and of course, if you buy that and it goes back to 60, then you, you've made tremendous money. The problem is uh, there's also the chance the whole thing collapses and, uh, and that their ships are, are end up being bought by uh, some other line. So they're, they have the highest chance of collapsing, Norwegian. The others, uh, especially Carnival, I think will survive this. But boy, the industry's taken a tremendous beating. And as far as going on a cruise, I have to say, like, I wouldn't be worried about dying from one of these things on a cruise. I wouldn't want to go right now. I couldn't go right now anyway because they suspended operations. But I... I wouldn't worry so much about one of these things killing me. I just be I, I really wouldn't want to be quarantined like this. I mean, can you imagine the hell of being in one of those tiny rooms for the entire day? I, I hear what they do is they let they let you go on uh, above deck, you know, to, out in the fresh air, like in ten minute increments for various portions of the day that add up to like two hours. Like they can be outside for two hours of the 24-hour period, but 22 of the 24 hours, you must be in your room. 22 out of 24 hours in your room. Now, yeah, you can sleep maybe eight of that, but 14 of the remaining 16 hours, you're in that tiny room. And if you're in an inside cabin, imagine that that would be like torture because you're in a cabin. If you're in an inside cabin, you must be in your room where there are no windows and no doors except for the front door. So you, there's no way to even see outside. You can't get any fresh air. Nothing. You're just trapped. Be like prison. Now, if you at least have a balcony room or better, you can go on your balcony. That's a little more tolerable. There's also families of four that squeeze into inside cabins. I, I've known people personally have squeezed four people into an inside cabin because they're cheap. Can you imagine a family of four in an inside cabin for weeks that must be there 22 of 24 days? The, the family will end up despising each other by the time that's over. What a nightmare. That's what I'd fear the most is that the next time this happens, that'll happen again. And you never know. You're just on a cruise. You think everything's fine. Up. Oh, guess what? There's something going around. We think it's kind of like the coronavirus. Everyone's quarantined. Like, that's... It's going to be on everyone's mind. But yeah, it looks like the cruise industry from the U.S. is shutting down. No more Norwegian. No more Princess. No more Carnival, which is the same as Princess, even though it's a different brand. No more Royal. This has not been ordered yet by the government, but this is a voluntary shutdown. And they're the three big ones. There's a, one other MSC is no longer going either. Donald Trump is actually surprisingly sympathetic to the cruise industry. He has been defying the wishes of other Republicans by saying that he feels the cruise companies may need a bailout, and he would support one. Many other Republicans and other Americans who are not Republicans have said that this is ridiculous because these are not American-flagged companies and they pay very little in taxes to the U.S. because they are flagged elsewhere, specifically for the reason of avoiding U.S. taxes. But Donald Trump tweeted yesterday, March 13th, at my request, 
Effective midnight tonight, Carnival, Royal Caribbean, Norwegian, and MSC have all agreed to suspend outbound cruises for 30 days. It is a great and important industry. It will be kept that way. Donald Trump loves the cruise industry. I mean, has he ever been on a cruise? I don't know. Mike Pence said, we want to work with the cruise line industry to ensure that when we come through this, the cruise lines and the medical services that are available for passengers and all the crew, that cruise lines are safer than ever before and can prosper for years to come. That, that is kind of a hole, and Mike Pence is right there. A long-standing hole on cruise ships is that the medical services suck, which, which is surprising because of all the old people on there, but the, you really don't want to have a medical issue on the ship especially a ship that does not stop in first world ports because then you're not going to find good care anywhere. So that's always been the problem. And I think they're starting to realize, hmm, maybe we need to have better medical services available on these ships. Even independent of this coronavirus, we need better medical services. They do. It sucks. More and more things are closing down and suspending operation. We're just going to see more and more of this. We're not at the peak. It's going to keep happening. And even things that are suspending for two or three weeks could easily be suspending for longer than that. It's more of like, we're going to suspend for this long and then see what we're going to do. So, like, for example, these cruises. In 30 days, they may continue shutting down. Same with these casinos that have been closing. This is only the beginning, sadly. As Donald Trump announced in a recent address, the travel from Europe to the U.S. has been banned from much of Europe. Americans returning from there are allowed to return, but uh, people who are not American citizens cannot travel to the U.S. from most of Europe at the moment. Uh, The U.K. is accepted. Oh, no, it's not anymore. See, this, this, this changes so I quickly. I think they shut down UK and Ireland today. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I go by information I knew yesterday, and then it changed again. I was Googling just to make sure. And right then as I'm talking, I, I see it says uh, U.S. to extend travel ban to UK and Ireland. So, nope, it, it looks like uh, looks like uh, there's there's a now a travel ban on uh, 26 European countries. So, basically, if you're in Europe and you're not an American citizen, you cannot come here. Uh, in, in addition... Uh, in the UK, they may be banning all mass gatherings. Colombia is not letting Venezuelans in, in anymore. On the good news side, in Asia, things are starting to look better. In South Korea, they're reporting more recoveries than new infections for the second day in a row. In China, they said there were only 13 deaths and 11 new cases, but you never know what to believe with them. So maybe in Asia they're getting better control of this. However, in Asia, they have been very, very hard line with their response. There have been people who have just been, they've, they've where it's been the worst, they've just been not letting people leave. They couldn't leave their houses. There are stories of people being shot dead in North Korea who were believed to have the coronavirus which I heard was an effective measure in preventing the spread of the coronavirus, but that's not the right way to do things, obviously, but that's North Korea for you. China, people were just vanishing who were believed to have the coronavirus. 
So who knows? Uh, the very, very dramatic measures that were taken in Asia. Though it has really helped slow the number of new cases. And maybe it does show that more dramatic measures, I'm not talking about shooting people who have it, but uh, the more dramatic the measures, maybe the more effective it is in stopping the spread. In the U.S., the most dramatic measure I've seen is in the city of Hoboken, New Jersey, of all things. Uh, New- Hoboken, New Jersey now has a curfew. I don't really understand why a curfew. Why Why does it matter if you're out at night? I would think being out at night would actually be better because you're you're not running into as many people. But you can, from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m., you are not allowed to leave the house in Hoboken. That, that just came down today. And uh, they are also banning uh, restaurants from operating and that any food must be taken out or delivered. It cannot be served. Furthermore, all bars are ordered closed in Hoboken unless they are bars that also serve food, in which case uh, they can uh, continue to deliver food, but that's it. They're really trying to discourage people getting together in places like restaurants or bars in Hoboken, New Jersey. But that that might be what we're going to see. That might be the beginning of measures taken elsewhere if this doesn't start to get better soon. This could become the norm. You may laugh at Hoboken and say, oh boy, they're really overdoing this. I still don't understand the curfew. Curfews are usually in place when there's a fear of crime. And they figure, well, there's no point for someone to be out after this time. So we're going to put a curfew on. It makes it easier to control things that are happening at night. But for a virus, I don't see why they would stop people from going out later at night. In fact, that, as I said, I think that's better if people spread out and aren't all going places at the same time. I don't think that one was thought through very well. I want to talk about the major sports that have shut down. That's a big story. Uh, there's not going to be March Madness. There's not going to be Major League Baseball for now. There's not going to be the end of the NBA season for now. These may return, especially the NBA, because the NBA, they are not seasonal in that they can play at any time. They're seasonal just by design, but they don't have to be because they play inside arenas, so it doesn't matter what the weather is like. In fact, if you think about the NBA season, it goes over the winter. So (laughs) they don't have to worry about inclement weather for the NBA unless it prevents you from getting to the stadium. Other than that, uh, these are indoors, and they can resume it at any point. There have been uh, a few NBA players who have tested positive, most notably center Rudy Gobert, who stupidly uh, was touching everything during a press conference on purpose to joke around like oh no look look at this I'm touching everything and I'm feeling kind of sick he he wasn't he didn't think he really had the coronavirus he just thought of like oh no what if I have the coronavirus look at me I'm touching these microphones <laughs> and then he had the coronavirus and uh, once he tested positive that sent ripples throughout the NBA 
And first, they abruptly canceled the game. There was a game uh, between the uh, the Utah Jazz and uh, and the Oklahoma the Oklahoma City uh, Thunder. They canceled that game with everybody there at the arena. They just said, "Sorry, guys, game canceled. Everybody go home." They wouldn't even give a reason at the time. Though it was suspected it had something to do with the coronavirus, and then it was it came out why. So that would suck. You go to the arena, you're all ready to watch the game, you pay for your tickets, and then uh, you're told to go home. And then uh, th- there was one game left to play on the schedule that night. I even tried to bet on that game. It was my final hurrah of betting on the NBA in Sacramento, and they decided to cancel that at the last minute. So everybody was sent home there as well. And then the NBA was suspended. So there is no NBA right now. As we'd be getting close to the playoffs... Right now, uh, we're not going to finish off the season, and the NBA is suspended. But as I said, this could come back later. Once this is over, no matter what time of year it is, they can resume the season and either fully play out the regular season and then do the playoffs as normal just later in the year, or they could even cut short the regular season a bit. Uh, most teams have about uh, like 17 games in the regular season left to play, some little more, some little less, but around 16, 17 games left in the regular season. And then the playoffs are pretty long because 16 teams make the playoffs, so there's four rounds of the playoffs. But, yeah, they, they could finish this. And I think they will. Baseball's tougher because, on one hand, it hasn't begun yet. So, in one way, that's good that you're not going to have, like, a canceled season. But, on the other hand, uh, they were just getting ready in spring training and now have shut that down. And it's going to start late for sure. They're not going to start as planned in late March. Uh, right now, the postponement is a minimum of three weeks, but it may be longer. The problem here is that baseball is played in open-air stadiums for the most part and is weather-dependent. In a lot of the country, it is too cold to play baseball in November, December, January. And the season, the regular season runs through the end of September... And the playoffs run in October. And the problem is, if teams that uh, make the playoffs are uh, in cold-weather cities, which is pretty much anything that is not California, Arizona, Florida, Georgia, and uh, I think of anything else that might be okay, Um, and Texas, anything but those states, it's probably going to be too cold to play especially in some of the states where it's really cold. Can you imagine Chicago, in uh, New York, in St. Louis, Kansas City? Can you imagine playing there in, in December or January? So I don't know what they're going to do. Now, they may just have a shorter season. The Major League Baseball season has 162 games. They have had shorter seasons before. Most recently, in 1995... They had a strike that had lingered from 94, where they didn't even complete the season because of a strike. In 95, they uh, were able to start the season late after the labor dispute was resolved, and they only played 144 games that year. So we could have something like that, where we just don't have 162 games, and there will still be enough games to where you feel like enough of the regular season got played. I could even see like a half season. Maybe they'll play 81 games instead of 162. But again... This has to be mostly in the rearview mirror to start that. 
And normally the halfway mark is around early July. And will we be enough past this in early July where it's safe to have a stadium full of people? I don't know. I don't know. This is unprecedented territory. And we don't know what's going to happen. So if, if this comes too late, if, if, if it doesn't seem safe for everyone to get back together in a stadium until September 1st, then baseball is not going to happen. There's going to be no 2020 season. So at some point, there's going to be a cutoff where there's just not going to be enough time to finish the to start the baseball season. The NBA, as I said, I, I think they'll finish it whenever they, whenever it comes up, whenever that's safe to do, and they are not restricted by weather. But March Madness, that's going to be skipped, and that's a big deal. Uh, a lot of people look forward to March Madness, and that's just not going to happen. And that is just canceled. So it's just not going to occur. That's just a complete loss. So that is something that's upset a lot of people. Uh, at first, they, they were scheduling to, they're just going to uh, play it in empty arenas, but then it was decided they're just not going to do this. Uh, mainly because uh, the NBA and Major League Baseball shut down, so, so did March Madness. That's uh, something a lot of people look forward to, those uh, basketball tournaments in March, and those are not happening. And since these are related to schools, you can't just say, oh, well, we'll continue them later. It's, uh, the school year is going to be over, and that's going to be that. So that's made a lot of people very upset. Coachella has moved. In fact, I've got a story about that. Coachella, which is probably the biggest concert that exists at least in the U.S., maybe the world. Uh, 120,000 people attend for two different weekends that they have. There's weekend one, weekend two, which are identical, but you could actually go both weekends and see different bands. There's so many different bands there. There's no way to see all of them by any means. There's various stages there, so you could actually have two completely different musical experiences there in the two weeks, and that's what uh, my good friend Master Scaler goes and does every year. Master Scaler pretty much lives for Coachella. That's a the huge thing that he looks forward to every year. He he just loves Coachella. And uh, this is something he saves up for. He, he's just very, very obsessed with it. And many, many people are obsessed with Coachella. And there is the concern, what, what about Coachella? It's going to be canceled. Well, they ended up moving it. They knew that it was going to be very tough to have this in April as planned. So they have delayed it for six months. They figured that moving to October is probably safe, but who knows? Maybe maybe this will still be lingering in October. Maybe we'll still have problems in October. It depends what happens with this coronavirus. But uh, Coachella got moved to October. Now, Master Scaler, he's been making a mistake in the past two years regarding the lodging at Coachella. It's very expensive to stay there because there there aren't that many hotels or motels because the rest of the year, that's just not a very popular place to go. So you're not going to have hotels and motels that are erecting just for the Coachella crowd that pays a lot of money. It's it's just not worth it. So there's a lot more demand than supply as far as places to stay in in Indio and even the surrounding cities where Coachella takes place. 
And what happens every year, of course, is the things sell out very quickly. Now, what Master Scaler used to do, he used to stay at the Motel 6, and the Motel 6, for some reason there, they were not wise to this. Like they, they weren't wise to the fact that people would book early at normal rates and then get a very good rate for the entire period of Coachella. And then they'd raise their prices later when people would start booking and would start filling it up. But they, they kind of had like an algorithm that would raise prices based on demand. And so, so what Master Scaler did each year, which is very smart, is right when Coachella would be done, he would book for the next year's Coachella, which he could uh, – and the way he could figure out when it was, because their dates would jump around a little bit, not by much, but by you know a few weeks. You could never tell exactly when it's going to be. It would be in April, but it could be in early April. It could be mid-April. You don't quite know. But he would just book like – a four-week period and then just cancel out all the dates that he doesn't need. So he pretty much covered the entire month of April and then cancel everything else out and there was no charge to do this. You could just book and, and not be charged for all this. So you really could book like a 28-day reservation and not pay anything. That's what he would do. And then when the dates would be announced, he'd make sure it's just for the correct dates and there he would have it. Well, in 2019, he didn't do this. Why? Because in 2018, they would not let him book a year out anymore. They changed it to where you can only book, uh, I don't I don't know what the amount of time is, but they wouldn't let you do a year out anymore. And then he just kind of let it go by whenever the point was that he could start booking. He, did, he just let it go by. And then he did, he did a, really, a series of really stupid things once he panicked and realized he had to get a room. And I won't go into that whole story, but just some really dumb stuff that was very typical of him, including actually going down in person all the way there, which is not close. It's it's like 150 miles away from him, at least. He actually went all the way down there to search in person. He did, he did some really dumb things. He ended up coming up with this uh, motel, which is close to Motel 6, but by then the prices were super high and they demanded prepayment and... He didn't have enough money to prepay for all four days, so he's paying like $360 a night, and then uh, um, he had to agree to a layaway plan with a the manager there. The whole thing was a mess. And so I told him, I said, why are you wasting money like this? You, you, you were doing it so smart for so many years. Why do you let this happen? It's, oh, I can't do it a year in advance. So, okay, then do it 10 months in advance or nine months. What, whatever the requirement is for Motel 6, uh, just do the same thing. Just do it. A little later, whenever the first time is, you can do it. Okay, okay, I'll do that, he said to me. Well, he didn't do it. So again, 2020 arrived, and he did not have a hotel booked for the 2020 Coachella. Well, the coronavirus kind of did him a favor. The coronavirus changed the dates of Coachella. So now he was no longer in bad shape for not having booked a room for April because he would not need a room for April. So I realized the opportunity right there. And as soon as I heard rumors that Coachella was going to change the dates, I texted him and said, we must jump on this immediately. We have to get you a room here. And when I say we, I mean, it would be him, but I'd be assisting him. But I said, we've got to find you a room here in October, because the rumors were it was moving to the two weekends be October 9th, October 16th. We've got to get rooms for you now before the prices go up. Well, by the time I reached him, Enough people had thought of this to where a lot of the prices went up already. But I did find two different motels that were still very cheap. One of them, believe it or not, $50 a night. 
And the, that was for the week one. And week two, that same one wasn't available for whatever reason. But I found another one that was $63 a night. Amazing bargains compared to the over 300 a night they'd be charging once they realized that uh, Coachella was moving. It's just these the, uh, some of these properties didn't realize yet that it was moving. They were really caught napping. So I actually uh, so Ken booked these through Expedia. Uh, well, he booked it. Uh, I actually booked it for him. With him giving me the info on the phone. He doesn't have a computer. He doesn't have a smartphone. So he was giving me the info to enter for him, including his credit card number and all that. So um, I entered it all for him. And uh, he actually doesn't have a credit card. He has like a prepaid debit card that functions as a credit card. But we entered all that in there. And he, he got the confirmation. Both were in there. Well, one of the two properties, the one he had for week one, I'll give them credit uh they accepted this. They didn't uh, try shenanigans. He still has that room booked. The other property, the owners woke up. These are uh, Indians. And I mean Indians from India, not Native Americans. They woke up and they saw they were literally caught napping. That they must have been sleeping and not realize what was going on. And uh, their hotel filled up with reservations like Ken's that were $63 a night for their weekend there are two weekends where they're going to make all that money from charging 300 plus per night and they realized that they screwed up by letting this happen so what did they do they have a contract with expedia they can't just cancel people because they're greedy and want to make more money once someone books at a lower rate they're, they're stuck with that by a contract they have with expedia but there is a loophole in that contract and that is you are allowed to reverse reservations if the room is no longer available due to either renovation or repair. So they abruptly decided that for those two weekends, they're going to be doing renovations. <laughs> and they invalidated Master Scaler's reservation. This is for weekend two at Coachella. And they swore up and down they're doing renovations. They woke up that day and coincidentally on the same day, that Coachella announced that they are moving to those weekends. On that same day, they decided that they're going to start renovations on those weekends in October. <laughs> yeah, obviously, we know what's really happening. They really wanted to cancel everybody, and then the, they're going to decide that they're not doing renovations anymore, and then they'll be able to take new reservations for over $300 each. I tried to complain to Expedia, but Expedia... They don't give a crap. First, you get the Philippines. And, uh, Expedia has the worst customer service. I hate dealing with them. I, I hate dealing with them. So you and I, I don't use them unless like it's really necessary. If you call Expedia, you get the Philippines, and not just the Philippines. You get people in the Philippines who like barely know what's going on. They barely understand anything, and like they just listen for keywords. So I called up and explained this thing to them. And the woman says, oh, so you want to cancel? I said, no, let me tell you again. I told them the whole thing about the forced cancellation. I explained it real slowly and clearly. Okay, so let me check here. You say you want to verify that property has canceled you. I go, oh, my God. This is, like, it, just, it was so tilting to try to talk to her. I, it was very hard to get a supervisor. She kept resisting it. She finally put the supervisor on. The supervisor a little bit brighter, but the supervisor just kept telling me, 
yeah, we checked with the property. They put me on hold a long time. Yeah, we just checked with the property, and the property said it's renovations. So, yeah, we verified it's renovations. <laughs> and I said, no, they're lying. They're, I told you they're going to lie about this. Like, why are you asking them? Of course it's not renovations. And I explained again why it's not renovations, why this is a lie, why this is a trick. She wasn't getting it. Sir, we checked with the owner. They said it's renovations. We, we've done what we needed to do. We, we've, we, we verified with them it's renovations. I said, you're verifying with the people who are lying. I said, use common sense here. Well, they, they had no common sense. So after first telling me there's no one else to speak to, I was able to get to American corporate customer relations, which is very hard to reach. And that person in the U.S., they agreed with me 100% that this looks like it's BS. But they said, unfortunately, there's nothing we can do. We can start an investigation on this, but we, we won't even let you know the results of the investigation. And... Uh, yeah, basically, I said, just look, can you at least blackball them from your service so they can't relist this for $300? Can you make it so when they aren't, quote, doing the renovation anymore that they can't sell those weekends again? Because Expedia's contract actually prohibits this from being done. I posted about this on the forum, and one person on the forum said, oh, well, look, you're angle shooting them. So you're mad that you angle shot them and got caught, and they canceled your reservation. That's some nerve for you to do. And I said, no, I didn't angle shoot anything. We paid the price that they were selling it for at the time. They just weren't fast enough to raise their price. And that's the way business works. Businesses don't have a right to sell you something and then take back the sale because they, they realize they could have gotten more money. Just like if you prepay for something, you don't have a right to cancel the prepayment. Because the product got cheaper, or the service got cheaper. Once you've prepaid a non-refundable uh, for, for something non-refundable, you're stuck at the price you paid. And the reverse is true, too. And they have a contract with Expedia that will not let them do that. By the way, what about the people who prepaid for April? Do you think they are getting a refund? I'll give you one guess. If the same sleazy motels are giving a refund to the people who prepaid a lot of money to stay there in April. They're getting a big middle finger, is what they're getting. So this motel is canceling people in October so they can double dip. So they can make all the money for people who paid in April who can't even use it anymore. And they can make the extra big money in October from those who are going to pay the same thing to stay then. You don't think they can get a refund, Druff? No, because... Even with the state of emergency, though, doesn't that give the consumers some rights? No, because if, if you couldn't stay in the... If the government said you can't stay in the hotel, then that's a different story. But they don't know why you're traveling. They're like, their, their excuse can be, look, it's not our business why people are coming here. They're booking our hotel as long as they can still come here and stay, which they can in April, then we're not giving them a refund. Now, now good business practices would say you give the refund... But um, some little sleazy motel that's owned by by foreigners, they're not going to do that. They're going to keep the money, and they can, and they don't care. Right. So, so, uh, but so, so the bottom line is they didn't raise their price fast enough. There was this wasn't an angle shot. This wasn't someone compared it to taking advantage of a of a misposted price. I said this wasn't misposted. This was the this was the price that they just hadn't changed yet. They just hadn't raised it yet. So um, that, that's just the way business works. If you grab something at a price before the business owner raised it, raises it due to increased demand, 
then you get it at that price. And they, this is very sleazy. And I said the fact that they lied about their renovation proves they're being sleazy because if they told the truth, Expedia would say, okay, well, we're can't, you violated our contract, so uh, you're, you're not going to be able to sell rooms to us anymore. That's what would happen. If they went to Expedia and said, yeah, we're canceling these people and not honoring the reservation because we, we, we wanted to make more money, Expedia would give them a big middle finger and say, okay, you're booted from our platform. So, so clearly they, they, they're, they're doing something dishonest to get out of selling these rooms cheaply because they didn't – by the time they found out about Coachella moving, others had found out before them and booked the rooms. But tough luck. I, I understand why they're unhappy about it, but that's, that's, that's part of doing business. So that's that sucks. So so uh, now fortunately we had made a backup reservation at Motel Six, which is expensive, but it's uh, it was there. So uh, he'll be using that one, but uh, that that's gonna be like like two eighty a night or something. So that's uh, he's not getting any bargain there, but at least he'll have a room. So he's he's saving up. Two eighty a night in Motel Six, unreal. Well, that's actually cheaper than it's going to be. Well, it's about to sell out. It probably already sold out, but at least he's getting the fifty dollars a night at the other place for the first week. And the funny thing is he had a debit card that I mentioned that it functions as a credit card. When we made these reservations, how much did he have on the debit card? Zero point zero point zero. Yep. Yeah, you, you couldn't hear the sound effects, but yes, you you guessed the trader. You said it at the same time. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. The sound effect. Yeah, it was zero point zero. And how about and how about Hollywood? They said they're shutting down like it's supposed to be uh pilot season many of the shows are i guess all stopped oh really yeah i, I didn't yeah, know that stopped all the filming stuff yeah wow well that's yeah 0. 0.0 is how much he had on the card the way he was able to book them is interestingly enough even though they check that the card is valid they don't check what's on the card they don't do an authorization so Somehow, Master Scaler was able to book them first and then rush down to a place where he could load the card up. And fortunately, he had money. I, that was a shock, the shock that he actually had the money to load the card. But he was able to load enough money on the card to where when they, when the, when they actually do it the next day, when they actually charge it the next day, that he has the money there. All right, here, here comes a call. A- uh, call, you're on the air. Hey, what's up, Drew? Hello. Is this a vintage one? This is vintage one. How you doing, buddy? Good to hear from you. So did you want to tell us about uh, what's going on in Hollywood? Yeah. Hey, what's up, Trader Ruski? What's happening, brother? Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Hollywood is just basically completely shutting down. I just finished uh, working the Connors, and I have a pilot that we were going to go right into series with, with Mayim Bialik, and they just completely shut it down and said, hey, we don't know when you guys are going to come back, and... It's basically all of Warner Brothers shut down. And what, what their whole deal was is because the other networks and studios were shutting down, they felt vulnerable to productions coming in that you could potentially get sick and then sue and say, hey, look, you guys weren't looking out for us properly. And you weren't looking out for the crew and you allowed us to work. So now they become, you know, vulnerable as far as getting a lawsuit against them so they just shut everything down hollywood just no production not at least not in hollywood wow i didn't know i didn't know that Maya bialik got her own pilot i did not know that either oh yeah 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 this this is her first one her first thing outside of uh uh big bang and it's with jim parsons it's his first his production company's first uh show that they're going with so it's, it's pretty cool it's yeah. going to be pretty 
interesting. But yeah, I mean, I've never seen anything like this in Hollywood. And also, I mean, you guys were talking about Major League Baseball. My two nephews are both pro ball players, and they're they're they just got called up at the end of last season. So now they're both in spring training. One's playing for San Francisco. One's with the Texas Rangers, and this has huge implications on them because they're fighting for that opening day roster and they're like midway through spring training and everything gets shut down. So now they lose all their momentum, everything they've worked for. And, and you forget about when, when uh, a thing of this size shuts you down and you're a young kid that's about to get their big break. It just, I mean, it, it's, chaos to that you know and you just don't see that you don't think about that unless you're involved in it it's it's tough the, the ramifications of this are yeah it's that's tremendous. true that's true and even though when they come back even even if let's say the season does get going and happens uh just late uh this this can ruin everything like someone who's who's a really hot hitter at the moment that that's exactly. just killing that's killing it in, in spring training, and then he comes back and, and all of a sudden the, the, whatever he was doing before just isn't working anymore, and 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 that that is the difference between him making the team and not making the team. So yeah, a lot, a lot can uh, it really can change a lot, and yeah, there are a lot of people affected that you don't think about, and uh, this is going to have so much impact, so many people. And yeah, like I hadn't even thought about Hollywood and, and things shutting down there. I, for some reason, that's not really discussed from what I've seen in the news. Exactly, it's not. I mean, they just shut down all the casinos here in LA, like Commerce, Bike, and Hollywood. Yeah, the, yeah, that we talked about. We we all got shut down. Yeah, we we talked about that. We even called up uh, Hustler. Oh, okay. We we thought Hustler was staying open to steal all the business, but it turned out they it turned out they <laughs> shut course. down. Uh, it turned out they shut. They did not shut down. They actually uh, closed. It just wasn't publicized. So they, at least they did the right oh, thing okay. to it. Yeah, I, th- I thought Larry Flint was just being sleazy and staying open, but no, oh, they. Of course, <laughs> who doesn't think that? Yeah, that seemed obvious to me, but that's not what was happening. They shut that down too. There was a hundred percent a conversation on how do we stay open. <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. They said we've had much worse diseases here for years. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's what I thought. I thought Larry Flint should be an expert on diseases by now. Hundred percent. This is nothing. But now, now you think about all the the like at least in my profession. All the like the uh, side businesses and the rental shops and the the printers and even just the the messenger services and the restaurants that all the writers order from on a daily basis when you have a hundred shows. It, I mean, it's it's huge. It is. I know. I mean, and it's like we have to dodge like a ma- if, if this goes on too long, it's like. It, it could cause a real, real recession that people don't really understand because it's when a basketball season ends, there's so much more than just the actual players playing the game. It's all that side shit that's going on that keeps <laughs> so many people alive and, and functioning. Yeah. It, you forget about that. Right. And, that's, and, I was, and I mentioned that earlier, too, that there's there's just so many different uh, supporting industries that people don't think about exactly. that, that are just greatly affected by, by when the main industry uh, cannot continue and when things shut down and when, when people are not going to be there utilizing these services or the businesses are not using services of other businesses that they normally would need. So many things are affected and, and so much money 
uh, isn't made and doesn't change hands like it normally would. So much business is not done. So many people don't have jobs that they thought they had before. And this, this really creates uh, huge ripples that uh, I, I'm having a hard time picturing how, how it could not have a tremendous effect in 2020, even if this goes away by uh, like early May, which I think is the best uh, case scenario. Exactly. I mean, even early May, think about it. I, my crew of people on the show, on this particular show with Mayim, is going to be probably 200 people. Now, those 200 people, the minute we were supposed to start working on Tuesday, well, we get the call on Friday that it's indefinitely postponed. Now, on Monday, we're unemployed. There's no money. There's no severance. There's no nothing. That's 200 people that were ready to do that. Now, now times that by about 100 shows, I would imagine, somewhere along those lines that are shut down and movies, that that's, you know, tons of people and tons of families and tons of uh, businesses all around. I mean, it's, it's, it's unbelievable what's going on now. The, the golden lining is if it can be, if we can contain this, and, and I think seriously on, on a wild notice, if Tom Hanks and his wife pop up and say, hey, look, we had the coronavirus, it was, you know, it was tough, it was whatever, but we're fine, everything's good. I think that's the optics that you need to portray to stop the hysteria. Because let's face it, it's not going to kill us. It's my parents who it would kill as 80-year-old parents. Those are the people that you have to keep it away from. You or I, you know, in our early to mid-50s or never, you know, when we're not old, We'll just get the flu, and we'll, we'll recover from it. But we need some optics to show that it's not life or death. And those, those are the, the poster children of it. And that's a really change the game. I mean, look at the stock market. It's up, it's down, it's up, it's down. It doesn't really worry me because you see that it's so, it's so fear-driven. So in its, in its people, it's the big dogs making a ton of money on it. They know how to manipulate the market. They, they keep it low. They buy low. They sell high. They, they love this kind of this, this wild craziness because that's how they make tons of money. Well, there's, there's, certain, there's certain opportunities that, will, that come from this and that people can uh, take advantage of if they do it right in the stock market. However, the, 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 recession, you're, the recession you're talking about, though, uh, this will affect the stock market, in, 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 even in the future, in, in the near future I'm talking about, the near, near to uh, – kind of semi-near future, with these industries where, where so many different businesses are going to lose money, where there's going to be so much uh, less work done, so many people unemployed, I think this will, oh, affect, sure. so this will affect the stock market even once the fear is passed. I know right now the, the dropping of, of the stock market this past week was mo- mostly based upon fear, some of it being economic fear, but, but, but uh, uh, nonetheless, uh, Trader Risk, you just took a, a snapshot, it says. Did you take a snapshot of me? No, that was that was my hey, bad. Take he, he's taking pictures. I'm, I'm afraid the camera is accidentally on. And, no, you know, it's check. I, I, listen, listen. I, I just is that what it did? I, no, listen. I I, I happened just I, I happened to just when I was on this conversation, knowing this is not a video show, I kind of just I kind of just lifted I kind of just lifted my shirt partially just because I was kind of just whoa. I was just kind of like rubbing my stomach just at it just while I'm having a conversation, and then like I see it says a snapshot was taken. I'm like, wait a minute, is, is my camera on? Is, is Trader Risky taking snapshots of my of my bare stomach? 
I don't know why you'd want to see that, but. Because nobody can see me. Take it easy. <laughs> Listen, nobody, nobody can see me. I can do what I want. I, I, I can have no pants on here. I, I can do what I want here because this is an audio show. But now I'm starting to wonder if, if, if snaps are <laughs> being taken. I don't know what he wants to see. I, I better cover this camera. Trey Ruski, you have a rebuttal here? He, uh, uh, he's, he's saying nothing now. It's oh, all of a sudden. <laughs> it's silence. He took a snapshot. I think maybe he didn't know him t- that I can see he takes a snapshot. What is he snap? It couldn't be anything on the screen. The screen I, I, isn't very interesting, though. I don't want to think what's happening. <laughs> I don't know. The, the, see, the screen itself, I, I, like, even if he could see my screen, my screen is not interesting. I sometimes share the screen with him, but it, it's pretty boring what's up there. No no gay porn or anything like that. So I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what he's doing. Okay. Um. So, hey, I just came back from, I mean, against all people and all better knowledge, I went to a wedding, a, a Persian wedding tonight. That was probably about 150 people. So I'm definitely on quarantine at this point. <laughs> I'm sitting here with my wife, and she's just giggling because we knew we didn't want to do it, but we had to. A good friend of ours got married, and it was at Trump National Golf Course on the water. Now, here, here's a question. Since this is a Persian wedding, did, did everybody show up late? I heard that's what happens at Persian weddings where everyone shows up really late. <laughs> no. No, but the interesting thing about a Persian wedding is they do all their dancing before dinner. Hmm. Weird. Very weird. And we were starving, and it was a whole thing, but it was fun. I mean, someone there had to have Corona, right? 150 people. Yeah, I guess that. Yeah, they had. I know they've had problems you know? there. So yes, that's. I don't know. That that is a, a risk going to a Persian wedding. Elbow bumping. No one was shaking hands. It was. <laughs> it was. It was pretty. <laughs> it was very bizarre, but it was. You know, it was nice. But well, I mean, my wife and I just came from Cabo San Lucas the week before, and we just beat all the madness. Well, we well, had a, a a long weekend in Cabo when it was great, and you know, it was full plane, full everything, no problem, and flew home, no problem, and we got back on Sunday, and it just blew up on Tuesday. So, yeah, that it was this past week when everything really blew up. That's why, like, exactly. well, I, I talked a lot about the coronavirus last week on the show, and I'm like, you know what, I got to do it again now. Now, now I've got to do it again because it's, it's so much has changed in the last eight days since I last did the show. Oh, yeah, for sure. Last week it was just like, what what ifs? And now it's like, wowies. Yeah, like every, every moment, like things that kept, just kept changing. Like I, I fall behind. I, like on this show, I was talking about, oh, I wonder when Norwegian's going to stop doing cruises. And then, nope, yesterday, <laughs> yesterday they stopped doing cruises. They, they, I, I wonder when the UK is not going to be allowed to come to the US. Nope, that, that was decided uh, today. So. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, it's like, it's nothing ever. I mean, my, my father's 83, and he's like, man, it's like nothing I've ever seen. You don't even think that this is possible that this could happen Yeah, no. on this kind of scale globally. And, wow. That's what I keep telling Benjamin, who's only nine years old. And so he, I, I was like, this this isn't normal. We didn't live through this right. before. This is big. This is your- remember this, because... This is epic. Yeah, I said you're going to remember this, and, and you're going to remember this, and this is something. It's not like something that I dealt with as a kid. Like I never saw this before. This is a, a weird exactly. thing. We're, we're experiences together for the first time. So, did you guys talk about the World Series and what's going to happen yet? Oh, we haven't talked about the World Series of Poker yet. Would you like to? Yeah, we can move to that discussion. You want to talk about the World Series? Yeah, I okay. mean, let's let's do that. What, I mean, 
first of all, well, before before is, you continue, you're the smartest guy in, in, well, well, in hang, the gambling hang, world. Hang, ever. Hang, I mean. Well, no, hold on. Before you continue, uh, before you continue, we're having problems with your sound. You're going in and out, and I think it may be on your end. Oh. Are, are you are you keeping the phone like in one spot? You're kind of going in and out. Yeah. It kind of sounds like it's on you. Or your, okay, your phone. it might have just been a, a cell dropping. Or it, may, it may have been. It's been moved. Okay, uh, Trader Risk, are you still there? You haven't responded ever since that screenshot. You've gone quiet. <laughs> Seriously, he's gone quiet. Now he t- he takes a snapshot. He said it was an accident, and then we question it. And now he's vanished. He just uh, he's totally vanished. I I, I think he's very suspect, Ross. Very. I, he's not here. It's, I, 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 he's here, but he's not here. I don't understand it. Okay, I'll just talk with you for the moment. I don't know what happened to Trader Ruski. But uh, I, I hope he didn't the run real away. And, co-host uh, is here now. Yeah, I, 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 we have a replacement. I I don't want to happen. <laughs> he, he, I, in uh, I don't know if he he disappeared in shame, but uh, <laughs> shame. I believe it is in shame. Yeah, hold on. It says he got he got. I got a text. I got knocked off while trying to put the speaker on. Can okay, I reconnect him? It's, yeah, it's, I bet he got knocked off for trying to put the speaker. <laughs> yeah, right. When we're discussing this, he he disappears. That that is extremely suspect. He's like, oh no, no it was an accident. Go, no, I don't believe it's an accident. Yes, He's just I gone. Got knocked off. Stop trying to oh, take my co-host on, uh, vintage one. Stop trying to take my spot. Okay, so so, on, buddy. so yeah, let's let's talk about the World Series. So first of all, yeah, Mike, Michael McDonald and Doug Polk were geniuses with this. They took bets at, uh, at, at as a uh, twelve to one underdog for Michael McDonald and, and twenty to one for Polk. Polk actually like like oh, uh, doing twenty to one. Yeah, like Charter Christian Harder, who used to be on Never Win Poker. He 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 yeah, took a tw- yeah. he took a twenty to one bet with Doug Polk. <laughs> Unbelievable! And, Unbelievable! And, and, These guys are are. Oh, this is I, I I I so much regret not saying. Oh, I'll take the action too. At least I didn't go on the other side. Like, uh, but uh, it was it was actually discussed on on Poker Fraud Alert, and someone saying, you know, it's not actually a bad bet to make on the side that it will happen. Even at twelve to one, come on, it's not going to get canceled. And now everyone's like, wow, they were geniuses. Twelve to one and twenty to one, and, and it's very very likely that they're going to win these bets. I wonder how much action they took. You don't have to take that much to make a fortune at twelve to one or twenty to one. Right, exactly. They, they did limit the amount you could bet on it, but I'm sure they took quite a bit. And, I mean, and let's face it, it was Timex building the market, and Polk jumped on it and got even better numbers. But, I mean, that foresight is amazing, because at that point when I first saw that 12-to-1 come out, I didn't think there was a chance. And maybe it was my hopeful optimism that I didn't want World Series to be shut down. But, I mean, that's a major thing. I mean... The amount of money the World Series makes, I don't think there's any way it, it goes this year. I just yeah, I, 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 there is. At this point, it looks very unlikely. So they let me tell you what the current situation is. With it. Because I, I checked on this okay. before the show um, because everything changes so fast. And I, I was like, okay, are they going to finally just give up and announce that it's going to not go? But no, they have suspended some circuit events uh, like the Atlantic City, the one at Bally's in Las Vegas, that's for March 19th, uh, in the in the, uh, the Czech Republic, the, the King Resort. They're, they're suspending mm-hmm. that one. But that, these are all small potatoes compared to the main World Series. Uh, but uh, they are not suspending at this time the main World Series of Poker in Las Vegas. And I know why they're not. I know why they're not. Well, obviously money is the reason, but, but why are they not doing it when everything else is suspending. What they put was, and this is yesterday, the press release from uh, Seth Polanski. It said, as it relates to the summer World Series of Poker in Las Vegas, we are monitoring developments very carefully. It's scheduled to be held as planned. And here's here's the truth. 
they're looking at this and saying, we're going to lose a fortune if we don't run this, and it's still two and a half months away. So, exactly. so let's just wait. We can always cancel it later, but let's just wait. What if there's a tremendous amount of progress in stopping the spread of the coronavirus, and uh, and if by May 1st this is really not a thing anymore? Well, we want to still have it. We don't want to say it's, it's, it's gone. We don't want to have to uh, change the dates or change anything else. We, we're going to leave it. It's two and a half months away. And when it comes, uh, if we have to suspend it, so they want to wait to the very last minute to suspend it. And they don't want to admit that. They're just saying we're monitoring and it's scheduled as planned. What they're really saying is uh, we don't want to lose a fortune on this and we're not going to commit ourselves to losing a fortune two and a half months out. That's what they're saying. Uh, but, but the chance of it happening, I'd say pretty low at this point. Uh, so there's various reasons for this. First of all, Think think if they think if they have it, and then one person in the whole field, let's say a, a field of uh, let's take the big fifty, let's say they get uh, twenty eight thousand uh, entries, or let's, uh, let's talk about individual people. Let's say they get uh, fifteen thousand individual people playing. Let's say one of the fifteen thousand is diagnosed with coronavirus. Well, his chips went all around the tournament. They'll, they'd have to cancel the whole event. They can't just say, oh, well, someone got diagnosed with coronavirus for going on. So they would have to start canceling events when people are found with coronavirus. And, and because the symptoms don't show right away, there may be someone who plays who doesn't, ha- who doesn't show symptoms yet, and then the next day they do. These are multiple-day things. Uh, people are going to be really pissed if they have to cancel the tournament if it's like three days in. Uh, and then what do they do about future uh, events if they have to cancel one? Uh, th- of course. Th- this would have to be like like no threat anymore, and there just isn't enough time, I, I don't believe, at this point to get there to where two and a half months from now that they can start this and say the whole thing is no threat anymore. So I, I mean, it's like you, you, your analogy right there is exactly like this Rudy Gobert in Utah Jazz. He played Miami one night, and now all of Miami is. And Miami played Denver the night before, and it's like those are basically poker chips being spread around. Yeah, yeah. And it's like it just completely runs amok. Yeah. So, so they can't. Uh, so I can't see how this can go. It's just, it's just too close. If this were to start in July rather than start in late May, I'd say it has an okay chance then. But, but starting in late May. I, I think what they're going to do is postpone it, and they're even postponing the, the the circuit stops, which those could be canceled without as much consequence to them. But uh, even those are being postponed. I, 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 there's nothing magical about the World Series having to be in the summer. They, 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 in fact, they've jumped around dates before, not because of anything like this, but they've just kind of moved around the dates. Uh, uh, Last several years, it's been around the same dates, but, but like one month in the two thousand, one year in the two thousands, I, I remember it. Uh, it started fairly late. Uh, just because they changed the dates that year for unknown reasons, so they could easily start this in July and just and and run it through uh, the end of August or beginning of September. Uh, so th- they could easily postpone this and start it later. Uh, this may wreak havoc with people's plans where they had made specific plans to be available for it. But I think they'll still get very good numbers, provided that the coronavirus threat has passed. So I think that that will be where they'll go to next. Is if they have to cancel it, they'll say. Uh, we will, we've postponed it. We will announce makeup dates, uh, when we get more information of, uh, developments of the virus. And, and we're still looking to have the World Series in Vegas in 2020. That'll probably be the statement if they do cancel it. I imagine they probably won't announce a cancellation until, uh, early May. I think they're going to wait sure. until then. 
But what about if they take the whole schedule as it stands right now and just make it all online? Well, there's a big Everything. problem. There's a big problem. It can only be then in Nevada and New Jersey right. and Delaware. I mean, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to obviously completely decimate numbers, but you don't think people are flying in to play in all these different areas, giving hotel rooms and loading up? No, I don't think they will because people don't want people don't, are not going to want to travel for it. The, the, people are going to still say the, the, the biggest the people who are most dedicated to it, yes. But there's some people who just don't like online poker. There's some people who um, are are just going to feel uncomfortable being in the hotel. They feel the hotel is a danger. Right. Some someone won't the, won't want the plane. They'll feel the plane's a danger. Some just won't be excited by playing an online tournament uh, that that uh, they want to play the the real thing live. It just won't feel the same to people. I know I won't have a desire to play. I'm I'm not going to want to come and play online. I'm just uh, right, right. The numbers will be totally different, but the World Series will still be making some money on something instead of nothing. That'll be interesting to see if they do it. If it, I guess it's possible if they really come to terms that is just in 2020 not practical to have it all. Uh, but if right. I like, if, if they could do what Coachella did, move the whole thing to October. They they could do that exactly. That's that's a great. But you know, now they did just quickly release a a like summer series or something where it was like two weeks starting in I think like a week of World Series circuit. Uh, it sums event, the World Series Circuit Event Online Series. Yeah, I saw it's that, yeah. Two weeks of, of tournaments starting soon. Yeah, that was that was actually a weird press release again from this. Uh, yeah. Dan, it was from this Danielle Barreal who's uh, who just won't come out and say, "Hey, I'm the new poker room manager." It's just a weird thing exactly. that she she's taken over Bill exactly. Rini's job and still. Won't, I, I tweeted to her. I said she made her first tweet in a long time. Well, first of all, she went to her Twitter, deleted all the tweets she's made since 2011, which <laughs> which weren't that many. Like if you go up, look at her Twitters, there's like one tweet recently, and the rest are 2011. It wasn't like that before. Before she had tweets like in in 2019, 2018, not that many, but some for some reason she deleted all those and now just tweeted that and i tweeted back i'm like can you please just introduce yourself and just tell us like who you are that you're now the manager like how how come how come you haven't done this please do this i was, I was polite about it but I'm, i don't know why this is such a weird thing that she can't just say hey i'm the one in charge now but yeah she put that out Did she respond to you no she ignored it it's it's, it's just Interesting. they're so they're so weird over there but uh Anyway, that, yeah, that, that, I saw that, that they're doing this summer series. Um, maybe that is a trial balloon they're floating to see what interest there is in that. Exactly. That's what I think they're doing. They're, they're like, dangling the carrot to see what kind of uh, population they get out of that. Hey, look, I, I, I want nothing more than to figure this all out and let's get up there in the summer and do some grinding. That's, like, the biggest thing I look forward to all year. You know, I go, I've been going up there for the last, what, Trader Ruski? 10 years? 12 years? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. At least. Oh, here he is again. You always got to give the delay for Trader Ruski to respond. He's, he's, he's got to hit the mute button, the unmute button. Oh, right, right. So, so yeah, uh, look, I this is such a strange year. I, I had a trip that was planned, to uh, the, an international trip I can't take anymore that was uh, going to happen uh, next month. I had a, the World Series, of course, that I look forward to every year, and especially I was excited to play this year because of how deep I got in the main event in 2019. Exactly. Uh, I, I there's uh, I was looking forward to going to Dodger games again. I, uh, I there's a lot of things that like I, I think about for this year, and I think, well, I can't do any of this now. <laughs> 
there's, there's no sports to follow, no sports to go to, no uh, no World Series of Poker. I can't go to Commerce. I, I can't take that I trip. Know, I know. It's crazy. It's, it's all like, going away. And now I'm off of work. My work sucks in. I normally just be grinding tournaments all, all day at Hollywood and Bicycle and Commerce. Now I can't even do that. Oh, that's right. That's it's right. Like, yeah, they, they, what am I going to do? That's right. You're, you're off You're off work, and then you can't even go play poker during that time. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's forced fucking condemning. Yeah, it's uh, no. I think I think, and then look, look at all the the the, the frustrated gamblers they got to be. They can't bet on sports. They can't bet on. Uh, the, they can't play poker. They can't. A lot of the casinos are closed. Like at least in Vegas, it's, it's still open. But uh, well, that, that's next. Well, that I think next. I think horses are still running though. Oh, the horses are running. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think, and then you, I think <laughs> it's UFC and horses. <laughs> I think that's it. Exactly. <laughs> UFC and horses. That's absurd. Yeah, it's, well, it's, I keep getting I keep getting things from the Nugget saying I'm 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 free rolling into the slot tournament. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a mess! Well, yeah, that's that's the situation of the World Series, and uh, well, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's very unlikely to happen, at least as scheduled. It may, it may happen in 2020. I just don't think. It, like I, I shortly before this got more serious, I had posted what is going to be my World Series of Poker schedule. And then just before I was about to announce, hey, I'm going to sell the pieces, I'm like, never mind, I'm not going to sell the pieces. It's just gonna, I'm going to have to refund people anyway. I'm just like, I'm not selling anything. I'm not collecting any money from anybody. I don't think it's happening. And every day it looks less likely it's going to happen. <laughs> no, it's looking less likely, so I'm not going to even bother. And if it takes place later in the year, then I will resume. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And uh, there will be a World Series of Poker again, just uh, – Maybe, maybe not in 2020, and we just have to wait. And for... we may never see it again at the Rio if, if 2020. You're right, that, right. Huh? The, the Rio's the Rio swan song may not occur. I, I mean, exactly. Not... And the Rio may be looking for that one big last hit. They're not going to get it. It's going to really force it into chapter 11. Yeah, I, I may not be able to go back to the Smashburger that I, I helped their uh, their nighttime <laughs> management. Exactly. I, I can't even see the results of my work of getting that nighttime manager fired. I can't even go back and see how Man, much they've improved. we were looking forward to just being able to move right through the lines there now. Damn. Uh, well. Your oh, well. It's going unnoticed. That's messed up. Yeah, all, all those coupons they gave you, Jeff. That's right. All these, all these, that's right. These, these, these free food coupons I got, I can't use them either. It sucks. Man. Painful. Well. We will have to see. All right. Well, listen, Druff, I'm going to let you guys carry on your show. But, hey, now that I have a uh, San Francisco Giant in my back pocket, when they get to you to uh, play the Dodgers, we'll have some, some field field stuff. Oh, oh the first the first base uh, field seats. That's right. Exactly. For fam- friends and family and on-field batting practice and all that, so we'll we'll take a little trip down there. Oh, that's great! Hopefully, baseball plays right. again. But uh, yes, that that'll be great. So, all right. Well, hey, you guys, take care, man. I love the show. I'm, you know, I'm always there listening, and I wish I called in more because it's fun talking to you guys and Trey Love you, buddy. Okay, thank you for calling in. You, you too, all right, guys. All right, bro. Take care. All right. Please. I'm not sure why his phone kept going in and out. I hope the listener wasn't too tilted by I this. I think he must have been, like, moving his head. That's what I kept saying, but then he kept saying he wasn't. I don't know what to say. <laughs> like, I, I uh, like, okay, like, I like the content of what he was talking about. Just the sound quality wasn't very good. Okay, so uh, 
yeah, that's. We I guess we covered a bunch of things during that call. It wasn't just a call. We he was uh, kind of a temporary co-host there, especially as Trader Ruski was missing after after that screenshot. Okay, so uh, I want to talk about the the hoarding that uh, has been taking place and what you can do about it and uh, why it's happening and also why telling people to stop is not going to work and why doing it is actually reasonable. I've seen so many images on Facebook of of, picture, of either uh, people with carts full of stuff or very, very long lines and people say, idiots, morons, why are you doing this? Why do you need toilet paper? Why do you need that much toilet paper? Why you? Well, okay, I'll give you an answer. I will give you an answer of why people need this much toilet paper, why they need uh, this many things, why they're standing on these long lines. The reason people are doing this is because everybody else is doing it. So let's say you take the approach of, I'm not worried about this whole thing, and I don't think we have to stock up on toilet paper. That's stupid. So you don't. So then you use toilet paper normally, and next week you go to the store and say, okay, I'm here to buy my reasonable amount of toilet paper, as I I always do. And you go to the shelves, and they are empty. Why? Because everybody else has bought the toilet paper. What do you do then? You go to your backyard, and you find some leaves from the trees that have fallen off, and uh, you're stuck using those. Or maybe you can use some uh, napkins from fast food places that you've taken home and not thrown away. Uh, You have to react to what everybody else is doing. Whether what they're doing is smart or dumb, if everybody else is doing it and it affects your ability to then do it as well, then you have to adjust. And right now you can't shop normally because everybody else is buying up a lot of different types of products, especially bottled water, toilet paper, and hand sanitizer. And if you say, oh, I'm not going to be part of the hysteria, I'll just buy these things as I normally do, when you come to buy them, they will not be there. And I will give credit to my girlfriend for deciding... Actually, I'll tell you who I give credit credit to first in my family. That was Benjamin. The whole thing is it was Benjamin's idea. He mentioned to his mom that one of his friends, that their parents were stocking up on things out of concern that stuff will not be available. So then... Ben's mom said, yes, that sounds like a good idea. I am afraid this is going to happen where things we're going to want to buy will become unavailable. And she went and stocked up on a lot of things, and her approach was to get things that we are going to use eventually anyway, not to stock up on useless things we're not going to want if this passes, but to stock up on things that even if this passes quickly that we will eventually use and won't expire. So she got a lot of toilet paper. She got a lot of beans. She got a lot of water. Actually, in hindsight, she wishes she got more, but she she got a lot at the time. And uh, then, sure enough, in the coming weeks from then, people started to do the same thing, and that's when the toilet paper really started to get scarce, as did the bottled water, as did the hand sanitizer, as did uh, the beans, as did the rice. And now, if you could try to go get these things, it's very hard to come by. So... You have to react to what people are doing. And you can't just say, oh, morons are doing this. So it may not be morons. It may be people reacting to the morons. 
Now, yes, it would be great if we could all just act rationally and know that there is not going to be an urgent need for toilet paper and that supermarkets are not likely to close, that even in Italy, where they're closing everything, supermarkets remain open. And if everybody collectively could be like like a, a hive mind and we could all think the same way on this and not panic and just shop as we normally do, then none of this would be happening. People say, well, this is not a stomach virus. This this is something that's respiratory. You're not going to need more toilet paper than normal. That's true, but that's not why people are buying up the toilet paper. They're buying up the toilet paper saying, what if all the stores close and we can't leave the house? What, what if there's a requirement everybody just stay in their house and, and stay off the streets and we can't go to the store? We want to have toilet paper here, and we want to have it for a long time. That's why people bought the toilet paper. And then once everybody else is buying the toilet paper, you have to buy the toilet paper, and you have to have enough, because for a long time there is not going to be toilet paper. And even if they increase production of toilet paper, every time it shows up in the store, people are going to hoard it again and buy way more than they normally would. The uncertainty of this is another problem. Let's say we knew for sure on April 15th this was going to be over. What would happen was everybody would buy enough until April 15th and know that they don't need supplies beyond April 15th and they could shop normally again. But we don't know. What if this gets worse? So people are starting to think, not only do we need several weeks' worth of stuff, we need several months. So there's many people, myself included, who think maybe we need to get as much toilet paper as possible. Maybe we need as much uh, non-perishable food as possible, just in case. Maybe we need as much water as possible. Not Especially the, t- the things that are disappearing. That's, my, my concern is not that I won't be able to access the store. My, my concern is that things are disappearing from shelves from other people hoarding. So I must also hoard. Otherwise, I will be left with nothing. And it's unfortunate. You may think, oh, I hate buying into the hype. But if you don't, you'll be left with nothing. If you say, oh, I'm going to be principles here, I won't I won't buy into the hysteria, well, then you're going to be left with uh, stuff you can't buy, that you run out of normally. So you might have to have months' worth of this stuff if it's very hard to come by in the store. Otherwise, what do you do? So I have to say, if you do have the opportunity to purchase these things, if you can find it, then get it. And don't feel guilty, oh, I'm hoarding, oh, I'm contributing to the problem. Look, whether even if you drop dead right now, the problem's going to be the same. You are not you individually are not going to make the problem worse to the point where others will notice. And you individually cannot stop anyone else from behaving this way. And there's no way everybody will be convinced to stop behaving this way at the same time, and everybody else is reacting to everybody else. It's a vicious cycle that's impossible to break until the hysteria of this just dies down in general, which is beyond your control, beyond my control, beyond anybody's control. So while it's happening, might as well. And I don't mean take so much that you can't, uh, something you could never use, or, or, or take way more than everybody else is taking, or, or take some and sell it for, for profit, which is especially crappy. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just saying, hey, for months this may not be available easily. For months it may be very difficult for me to buy toilet paper. For months it may be very difficult for me to buy bottled water. For months it may be very difficult uh, for me to get rice and beans. So when you see it, buy it. 
I don't mean empty the whole shelf. In fact, they're starting to limit these items as they should in the store. That's that's one thing they can do is limit them. But there's only so much, only so much the limiting can do. People will show up uh, every day and, and, and buy the limit again and again and again. But yes, they should limit it, some of these products to certain amounts of purchasing, and that's what they've been doing. Even perishable food has been vanishing, like eggs. For some reason, eggs have been very hard to come by everywhere. That's that's a new thing. That's a new thing that started this week. It wasn't like this before, but uh, now eggs are hard to come by. I I actually did something that was very tough for me to do. I did buy some eggs today. In fact, that's one of the reasons radio started late, is I went to the store uh, shortly before 9 p.m., which was on purpose to avoid the crowds. Because there, there were tremendously long lines at the store today. There's tremendously long lines everywhere, which I will get to shortly on how you avoid those somewhat. But there's tremendously long lines. So I went late when I figured people wouldn't be going to the store, and I was right. There were not lines, but uh, of course a lot of things were out. I was in search, search of eggs, and I finally found them. I found six packs of eggs, which, as you might imagine, are more expensive than 12 packs, 24 packs... And 18 packs. But, as tough as it was, I forced myself to buy four packs of six eggs. Now, these six packs of eggs were $1.79, which is expensive. It's not horribly expensive, but it's expensive. For 24 eggs, after tax, I, I paid... Actually, I don't think they're taxed, but it was just... Four times a dollar seventy nine was over seven dollars. So I paid over seven dollars for twenty four eggs, which is far more than I pay. Usually, I can get eighteen eggs for like four bucks. This is like seven bucks plus for twenty four eggs, and that hurt me to have to do. But I realized that uh, paying like a few dollars extra to get twenty four eggs rather than wait for them to get their shipment in on Monday morning, which is when they said it's coming, and stand in a two-hour line to check out of there at a time everybody else is there, it's much better to just pay a few bucks extra. Much, much better. There was no toilet paper there. There was no bottled water there. That was expected. But uh, I did manage to find those eggs, which has gotten tougher to find. And you can't, obviously can't stock up on eggs because... uh, they go bad. The perishables, you can only get so much. Let me give you some advice, though, about uh, what to do regarding the lines. So you've seen the pictures of the lines. You've probably experienced the lines by now. Trader Ruski, have you stood in any long lines at, at the store yet to buy things? No, but I was going to go to Costco today. I walked in. First of all, they were doling out the toilet paper one thing per person. <laughs> And then uh, the line was all the way back to the back of the store yeah. to check out. So you just walked, crazy. So you just turned around and walked out. Yeah, I bailed. And then Whole Foods <laughs> I went to, which wasn't bad. Oh, so you got toilet paper there? No, I didn't need toilet paper. Oh, you didn't know toilet I just, paper. Okay. You know, I got a few things, but I know. But I went to Trader Joe's yesterday, like the section where they have the pasta. Like, everything was gone. Yeah, I was at Trader Joe's today, too. Yeah, and I, I saw the same thing. Uh, so uh, let me let me give you some advice, everybody, on... Uh, and this isn't going to solve all the things. There's some things that you're going to have a hard time with. But uh, let me give you some advice on, on these lines. 
I'm going to say something that may irritate some people, but uh, it's the truth. And that is, in any kind of large crowd doing the same thing situation, whether it's a situation like this where there's something happening that's negative that people are reacting to, or just something that's just typical, like a lot of people getting together to watch a fireworks show. Whenever there's a large crowd doing the same thing, the vast, vast majority of the crowd will act like sheep. Even smart people. It's not, it's not always about intelligence. It's a, there's, there's a certain tendency that a lot of human beings have to act like sheep and follow the herd. And sometimes that will lead people to do stupid things because everyone else is doing it. I'll give you some examples of people being sheep, and then I'll relate it to this situation and how you can not be a sheep. When there were these fires we had to evacuate from in November 2018, uh, everybody in my neighborhood evacuated, as, as was the order. And that's fine. You know, they say you have to evacuate, you evacuate, and that's a smart thing to do. But when I got on the main road in the area, which never has traffic, never, where I live, the six-mile drive to get to the freeway on that road was backed up in gridlock because everybody in the neighborhood was leaving. By the speed it was moving, I estimated at least 90 minutes, maybe more, to get on the freeway, to go six miles. I also was fearful that while waiting there, that if the fire comes, we will have nowhere to drive. We will be stuck. We will physically be stuck, and unless we just get out of our cars and run, that we're screwed. So I also felt unsafe that way, too. I felt unsafe, and it was frustrating sitting in gridlock traffic trying to go six miles than what you could normally cover in about seven minutes. So uh, we got to an intersection where I could turn left, potentially, and there's nobody turning left there. The freeway is straight ahead. But there is another way to the freeway where you could turn left and then go some in that direction and then turn right again, and then you end up on a different entrance to the freeway. And everybody in the area knows that, but nobody was turning left because... You could see the glow of the fire that way. It looked like you were turning left into the fire. So who would be dumb enough to do that? Well, I was. But I wasn't dumb. I said to Benjamin, this is going to seem weird, Ben, but we're going to turn left here and go towards the fire. And he got a little concerned. And I said, they wouldn't leave this open if this was dangerous. I have a feeling we're going to go there. And we're going to see the fire burning on the, uh, on the hills on the side of the road, but not all that close to the road, just where you can see it. But it's, uh, it's not right there being an immediate danger. And we'll go right by it, and everyone's going to be afraid to drive here. And we'll just breeze right onto the freeway and not be stuck in this. And I think this is actually safer rather than being stuck here, where if the fire comes down here, uh, we can't drive away. And he said, yeah, okay, that, that sounds... He, he actually agreed that that made sense. He's only seven years old, but... but uh, or he's eight years old then, but he, he, he's like, yeah, that makes sense. So I also said to him, don't worry, if somehow we run into the fire here, we'll just turn around. There's like no traffic here, so if I see, if I see the fire, I will. it's on the road, right by the road, I will do a quick U-turn and turn around and leave. So I drove that way, and it was exactly like I thought. The fire was nowhere near the road. It was up the hill from the road. You could see it from the road, but uh, no danger at all. And there was like two or three other cars on the road like I was. Everybody else was stuck on that one main road 
in the gridlock. And I thought, well, people are sheep. They see everyone on that road, and they stay on that road. They don't bother to think, what about turning left? They don't bother to think, maybe just because you can see the glow of the fire, it doesn't mean the fire is right there and it's a danger. No one told them not to turn left. They just stayed on the road to go straight because that's what everyone else was doing. I've talked about firework shows. I don't know if I have before, but firework shows always have a horrendous amount of traffic getting out. That's one thing that sucks about going to firework shows is that uh, when they're over, you can be stuck again for an hour or more trying to get out of there. Everyone leaves at the same time when it's over. Well, you can get ahead of everybody by just positioning yourself as the show's ending, positioning yourself towards the exit. Wait till the fire final uh, firework shoots, and the second it's done, just walk briskly out of there. You're right by the exit. You don't have to run. You just walk briskly out of there to your car. You beat 95% or more of the people who are going back to their cars, and you can breeze right out. So if, if you if you just act like the sheep, if you just wait, if you stay in your normal spot and wait till it's over and then slowly get up and shuffle out of there, yeah, you're going to run into all the traffic and all the crowds getting out of there. If you think about it beforehand, how do I get out of here fast? Then you can beat the crowd. You don't wait in any traffic. So these are examples of how you can beat the crowd. You can avoid an inconvenience that everybody else is facing because they're all thinking the same way and acting like sheep, and you're thinking, how do I do it differently? And I could give you a million examples in life where I see something like this and, and come up with a way to do it differently. That's that doesn't run into the same inconveniences and the same problems. And that's what you have to do with a lot of this. That you, so many times in life you have to think about, I'm not just going to do what everybody else is doing. I'm going to do it differently. Is there a better way? Is there a more efficient way? Especially if you see that doing it the way everybody else will, will run you into something crappy. So let's get back to the present. Let's talk about the situation with the lines at Costco, which you've seen everywhere. Even if you haven't been there, you've seen the pictures of it and the videos of it. And you've seen lines at the store. And even places like Trader Joe's. And of course, there's the bare shelves. Now, some people have at least thought, well, okay, what about the early bird gets the worm? Aha, I'm going to show up when they open. So at the Trader Joe's by me, people had that idea. And they show up, and Trader Joe's opens at 8 a.m., and people showed up at 8 a.m. to get in there. And not only do they have fresh stock of everything that came in overnight, but they'll also beat the crowd being there at 8 a.m., right? Wrong. The problem is, too many people think of the early bird gets the worm. Too many people think of, okay, I'll come back tomorrow early, right when they open, and line up. For some reason, it's in the human psyche that if you can't do it today, you'll show up early to do it tomorrow and, if necessary, line up. And then everybody enters at once, and again, you have the tremendous lines. Now, keep in mind, if you line up and then get in there and your plan is to just go directly for one thing you need, like eggs, and quickly go there and then rush back out, fine. But they may limit who enters the store. They may you know, let a certain number of people, who, depending on how many line up, they may only let some of the line in. Lining up is a, maybe a little better than just coming randomly during the day and just standing in the normal line, especially if you have the best selection. 
But it's still problematic. You're still going to have a lot of people there with you. Unless you need something urgently that's going to sell out, if you just want to buy things that uh, are still commonly available and just don't want to deal with the lines, come right before closing. I went to Trader Joe's today, right before they close at 9, no line. Went to the supermarket today. They don't even close at 9, they close at midnight. But uh, I, I went, I'm doing the show today, so I had to go before 9. Um, I wouldn't say no line, but there, was, uh, there wasn't an unusual line. It was kind of just looked like, uh, it was more busy than normally at 9 it would be, but it, was, it couldn't look like uh, what the line would be if I came at, at 7 or 6. Um, think of when people are not going to want to go. And you know when people usually don't want to go? Late. People hate doing things late. People don't like the idea of going to shop at the supermarket at 11 o'clock at night. So that's when you should go. People don't like going somewhere right before closing. They don't even like the stress of having to show up and do things quickly before it closes on them. People hate that idea. They like being early. They like showing up early and getting online and having the whole day to do what they need to do. And if they stand on a two-hour line, okay, they're on a two-hour line. That's just the way life is. It doesn't have to be. Now, if you're trying to buy something that is going to run out by closing time, then going near closing time might be a problem. So then you might want to either do the show up right when they open thing and just keep in mind, know where you're going, know exactly what you're getting, walk in briskly as soon as they open, go directly. You don't have to run. This isn't, you know, you're not, this isn't a sprint. This isn't a race, but you just walk briskly, know exactly where the stuff is that you're going to be looking for, take it, only get a few things at most, and walk to the front, and then you'll probably beat most of the checkout line kind of the same concept as the fireworks. You don't have to beat everybody, but you got to beat 95% of the people. But um, you, you may have to wait to get in, depending on how much people line up beforehand. You don't want to have to show up at 6 a.m. to line up for something that opens at 8 a.m. If your supermarket opens at something like 6, which a lot of them do, that's a good time to show up. Why? It's so early in the morning, people aren't going to want to go at 6. Eight, that's a different story. Six, I think you can probably get get in without much of a line. So uh, also find out for the store when they're getting things. When is your toilet paper coming in? When are your eggs coming in? It, it probably doesn't come every day. Find out the days it comes, then maybe show up if it opens at 6, show up at 6 a.m. for it. Uh, and again, if you don't need things that are running out, then go at uh, close to closing. Close to closing, there will be very little line. Another thing I can suggest is to go to less densely populated areas, provided that they're somewhat close to you. So something, a store that's serving an area with tons of apartments, with tons of dense population, there's going to be tons of demand, and uh, there may be lines anytime you go. What you're looking for are supermarkets that are in... uh, Middle class, upper middle class, and upper class areas that are all suburban, that are not super densely populated. That doesn't mean there's not some neighborhoods, but ones that aren't full of apartment buildings, and one where there's not a ton of people crammed together. One where it's more just kind of uh, residential houses, and that there aren't uh, a tremendous number of them. And uh, those are the type of areas where uh, you're going to want to go. And go to those stores, they are more likely to have things. 
for example, tonight I found eggs. I had to buy those six packs, but I found them uh, at at nine o'clock at night. Uh, so that's also think of places that might have these items that are not immediately that would come to mind. So think of what might be selling eggs that uh, is not the supermarket, is not Costco. Think of what might be selling toilet paper that is not what you traditionally think of that you'd go to for toilet paper under normal circumstances. So try things like that as well. You can try a few places, see what, what has some things in. And and don't be shy about buying a lot. Now, I, I'm not saying that buy everything they have in stock because uh, that's being a jerk. And I'm not saying that uh, if they have a limit that you should try to buy more than the limit. They just won't let you. But uh, don't feel like, oh, I'm contributing to the problem. I'm feeling guilty. Don't feel that way. Instead, think everybody's doing this whether I'm alive or I'm dead. The problem's not going to change. It's not going to get worse because of me. And I can't even say, well, if, because everybody's doing what I am, that's why it's bad. It doesn't matter what you do. Because you can't change everybody else. Everybody else will not change. So there's no point in you changing. Uh, think of it like this. You know, like with recycling, with separating your trash. Think if that didn't exist. And you were one of very, very few people to recycle. Could you make any kind of impact? No. You may feel good doing it, but you recycling would make zero impact if just about nobody was recycling. It's only when massive numbers of people are recycling that it makes a dent. So if there's no way to get massive numbers of people recycling, which you as an individual could not make happen, like uh, 40 years ago, if you were recycling, it would, it would have very, very little impact. If you cannot get massive numbers of people to go along with what you're doing, which most people cannot, unless it's already happening, then you are making just about no impact and there's pretty much no point. So I never like the statement of, well, what if everybody else does this? Or this is happening because everyone's doing this. You need to do your part. No, only if there's a mass movement to not do it anymore do you not do it. If you cannot influence everybody to stop, then there's no point to stop yourself. That's just common sense. So it may feel weird to buy a lot of toilet paper. It may feel weird to buy a lot of bottled water. It may feel weird to to, to, to buy a lot of eggs. But just do it. If you if you have access to it, do, just do it. Not, don't take everything. But take what you feel you will need for what time you feel you need it. And understand if you don't, the next person will. And they will. It's, it's a similar psychology that one would have if playing poker with a fish. And, the, and you get the idea the fish can't afford to lose the money. Let's say it's a guy who says he's playing with his rent money. Well, you could say, okay, I, I feel bad. I can't take his rent money. I'm just going to leave. Guess what happens if you leave? Another pro is going to take his money. If that guy shows up and says he's going to play poker with his rent money and he's, he's a huge fish, he's going to leave the table with no rent money. That's what's going to happen. doesn't matter if it goes to you or one of the other pros at the table. It's going to go to someone there because that guy has shown up and he's not going to leave until he's done playing, which is almost surely going to be when he's out of money. 
So it's one of these things that you're not going to convince all the other pros to leave and not take this guy's money. So if this guy has shown up and he's going to he's going to play, you you might as well just play because you're not you're not doing him any favors. When a pro leaves the table, it does not help the fish; it helps the other pros, and that's often overlooked. So same here. If if you choose not to buy something that is at the supermarket because you think oh, I don't want to contribute to the problem. You're helping others who are going to take too much. You're not helping those who really need it. Again, that doesn't mean you take everything or most things that you see in front of you, but it, it means don't feel guilty for taking more than you normally would if this wasn't happening. Imagine what a chump you'd feel like if you, like, like let's say some toilet paper becomes available. You go, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take that much. Toilet. I'm going to, I'm going to take uh, one twelve pack of toilet paper, even though I, I'm allowed to take more. I'm going to take one twelve pack, and I'm going to leave the rest. I'm going to be a good citizen. Imagine what a chump you'd feel like if you observe five minutes later a guy walking out with uh, with, with 15 packs of, uh, uh, of the 12 packs of toilet paper. He walked out with, with 15 of those. You'd feel like a moron. You'd say, wait, wait a minute. So I saved this. I didn't take more than one so this guy could get 15? And that's what's going to happen. So take what you feel you really need. And do it smart. And don't don't show up at the store at 2 p.m. on Saturday. That's good. You're going to have a tremendous line at 2 p.m. on Saturday. Don't go right after work. Go at, at smarter times. Either right when they open, especially if they open really early, like 6, or close to closing. And if you go right when they open, make sure you're going on the days when they are receiving the stuff that you need, which you can ask them about because they typically know. Those are uh, some pieces of advice from me regarding this. Don't just do what everybody else is doing. Don't just stand on the line that everybody else is standing on and go, that's just life in 2020. It doesn't have to be. You don't have to be a sheep. I'm not saying it's going to be as convenient as it was before all this, but it doesn't have to be as bad as it has been. Not if you're smart about it. Not if you think about what you do before you do it. Okay, so... Bitcoin crashed, and I believe there are two reasons for the Bitcoin that uh, has crashed in value, and unfortunately it hurt me. Uh, I'm often not holding that much Bitcoin, but this time I I was holding some because I just cashed out of a poker site. And uh, I cashed out when Bitcoin was 8,600-something, and my plan was to receive it and sell it. So I received it, and then I took a look. I, I, I didn't notice I received it until a few hours later. I looked, it had gone up a little bit, and it seemed to be on its way up. So I said, okay, cool, I'll just let it keep going up, and uh, I'll watch this. Now, I'm definitely going to sell it uh, well before 10000 because 10000 it always seems to crash before it gets there. But uh, yeah, at least if it gets to the mid-nines, I'll probably sell it at a profit there and be happy with it. So then it, it rose towards 9, and like I got a little nervous. Okay, maybe it's going to fall back, because sometimes it gets to 9,000 and it crashes. Nope, broke right through 9, went to 9,100. So I got a, a false sense of security going on. If it broke right past 9 and sat at 9,100 for a while, that this meant that it, it passed the 9,000 resistance point, and that uh, we're probably going to march up towards 10,000, but not quite get there. That was what I'd seen in the past. That's what seemed to be that was coming. And then something happened. No, not the coronavirus. That was happening too, but that wasn't dragging it down at the moment. 
what happened next was that a giant Bitcoin Ponzi scheme, which had taken place, was then having its assets dumped. The owner of the ill-gotten coin decided that they are going to dump onto the market. And they had a lot of coin to dump. So it was called the, the Ponzi Plus uh, the, the plus token scam. And uh, this happened in June of 2019. But they decided to dump the plus to- the, the Bitcoin they got from the plus token scam in March of 2020. And that was confirmed. That definitely was happening. So that, uh, unfortunately, and this is a Chinese-based scam, by the way, but unfortunately the Chinese people who were responsible for this plus token scam, they uh, decided to, to dump a lot of this in March of 2020. They had dumped some of it before, but a, a lot of it got dumped in, uh, starting on, uh, on March 7th. So every time Bitcoin was going up, once they started dumping it, every time it would go up, they'd flood the market with uh, with these Bitcoin they're trying to get rid of. And uh, they were basically slamming the market with sell orders. So this would depress the price. And then after they'd, they would uh, sell these Bitcoin, which was 13,000 Bitcoin worth of 210 million was being sold through uh, these uh, 13,000 Bitcoin they were obtained in this scam, which was uh, by far the the most... Well, uh, you know, they, they actually had sold more than this before, but this was the most they had sold in a short period of time, this, this 13,000. They're just dumping it all at once. And uh, the problem was when the price would start to move back up, then they'd slam it again. And every time the price would start to move back up, they would, they would keep slamming in sell orders which would keep depressing the price. Because it's, it's similar to the stock market. If, if there's more sell orders than buy orders, then the price tends to go down. And if the reverse happens, then uh, the price tends to go up. So it seemed like all the demand was for selling, and it kept depressing the price. And also, and of course, this happens because when there's a lot of sell orders, then people who want to sell will, will lower the price a little bit to sell behind those, to sell ahead of the sell orders. And then, then the others keep moving it down, and it's a vicious cycle. It keeps going down, down, down until this... Uh, the, the selling calms down, and then there's more buy orders, and then the reverse happens. So every time the price would start to recover, they would just keep jamming sell orders into there, and it would keep depressing the price. So this pushed the price all the way down into the uh, into the seven thousands from uh, ninety one hundred something. And I saw what was happening, and I said, okay, well, this is going to stop eventually, and then it's going to come back up. So whatever, let, let them keep pressing this, and then when, when all this nonsense is done, when they're done uh, dumping these ill-gotten coins, uh, then the price will return to what it was, probably. Well, the problem was, then there was all the panic about coronavirus, and the stock market was crashing. And while in the past... Bitcoin would tend to do well when there was financial uncertainty elsewhere. This was the exception because people saw Bitcoin now as a little bit different than before. Number one, it had just crashed 
because of the the plus token scam, which they and they didn't realize that's why it was crashing. A lot of people who had Bitcoin didn't realize that's why it was falling. So first they saw the value had just gone down, and second, people stopped believing in Bitcoin when they felt that times were going to be very tough. With so much uncertainty in the world right now with the coronavirus, people are like, you know what? Screw Bitcoin. I just, I just want to have cash. I, I, there's so much, so much craziness in the world. I want what seems familiar to me. I want cash. I, I want to feel more secure with cash. I don't want to have this crazy currency that's constantly going up and down so fast. Uh, this, this is no longer appealing to me. I want to feel safe. Who knows if I'll, if I'll lose my job? Who knows uh, what's going to happen to the economy? Who knows what's going to happen to my investments? Uh, screw this. I, I don't want to hold Bitcoin anymore. Not now. I want cash that I can count on. So people started to sell their Bitcoin. So between that and the continued dumping of the plus token Bitcoin that had been scammed, that really depressed the price. And it fell, and it fell, and it fell, and it got all the way down to like 3800 a tremendous drop in such a short time. March 7th, it was 9100 just a few days ago, less than a week later. It was down to 3800 a tremendous drop. It then recovered some and pushed its way back to where I thought it would push its way back to once it started. I didn't know what, I didn't know where the bottom was. I thought it could just keep falling, 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 but it pushed its way back to what seemed like to me the place it was going to go to and stop, 5000 Why? Because 5000 is kind of a round number and that's where it seems to be centering around. So, so it, it, it it gets to 5000 then it goes up to 5800 then it falls back to 5000 then it goes back up to 5600 then it falls back to 5000 so it's been doing this for the last few days uh, it's just spinning around in the 5000s right now it's 5200 not good for me my cash out was at 8600 and it was a fairly large cash out so i, I i've lost uh like uh about 3 eighths of my cash out which sucks here i win that money in poker and it just flies out the window. And I was so close to selling, too. I almost unloaded it when it hit 9K. I'd have felt like a genius if I did. So I just decided to say, screw it, I'm just going to hold it, and I, I assume it will get back there at some point. I think this is this is all going to die down. Everything. The plus token crap, the, the coronavirus crap. I, I think Bitcoin will rally back, as it always seems to. So while I'm not buying more, I'm not selling this. I, I just don't want to sell it at a loss. You know, and if I if it falls further and I lose more money, then whatever. But I, I think it's coming back, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sit on it. But that's why Bitcoin crashed. Is it was a combination of the plus token thing and people just wanted the familiar. And this is actually uh, that's common in human psychology when things are not going well, or things are scary, or things are uncertain. People just want to go back to normal. They want to go back to what seems like uh, something that's more predictable, something that's more expected. This is why often when young adults, or even sometimes middle-aged adults, when they're having a tough time in life, what do they sometimes do? They will go back and live with their parents. Because they remember when they were children, that their parents took care of them. Their parents they could always lean on and count on. Their parents uh, they can trust. Their parents love them unconditionally. 
and uh, so, so they'll sometimes go live with their parents, even if it's not about financial. Sometimes they, even if they have the money to go live on their own, um, they go back sometimes to a neighborhood they remember uh, where their parents still are, and they, they with their parents. Sometimes people will do that; they'll go back and live with their parents because it's familiar when when times can be tough. So that's uh, kind of what happened here. People said, "Let's go back to a time when." I stored my net worth in cash, not in, uh, or a lot of my net worth in cash, my liquid net worth. I stored it in cash rather than in uh, in Bitcoin. The stock sell-off, somewhat about that too. Seems so uncertain what's going to happen with the stock. Screw it, I don't want to wait till the next bad news comes out and ruins the market further. Screw it, I'm just getting out. This is also why uh, Joe Biden has increased appeal in recent times. Because what what does Joe Biden represent? Joe Biden represents a return to the Obama days of 2008 through 2016. Obama came in just after the big housing market crash and bank crash of 2008. Um, While he was in office, all of that improved, went away. Things started to appreciate again. The housing market started doing better. I'm not giving Obama credit for all these things. These, these were going to happen uh, regardless in a lot of cases. But it, it is true that life became a lot better, uh, at least financially, in the coming years as he was in office than it was uh, when, when he won his way into office in 2008. And so people remember those years, and many of them have a positive opinion of those years, and say, okay, well, yeah, up till now, I, w- I was you know, life wasn't bad under Trump. Yeah, the economy was great. Uh, not, uh, a lot of these predictions of terrible things that would happen under Trump, uh, none of this happened. Uh, everything seems fine. There's a lot of this uh, concern about him was much ado over nothing. Yeah, he's, he's, he says stupid things on Twitter, but who really cares? As long as my life is good, I'm happy with it. And then this comes, and people are like, oh crap! I I want to feel like I did in 2016 again. I want to go back to that. So in times of uncertainty, people want to kind of go back to the familiar. They want to go home to the familiar. When things are crappy, they want to change. Um, but if they, if they if they remember a familiar time, they want to go back to the familiar time that, that seemed better. So, uh, yeah, the Bitcoin thing is very frustrating. It had to be when I had to do a cash out, too. I just the cash out a few days later, I, I would have gotten the Bitcoin at this much cheaper price. In fact, I probably wouldn't have done the cash. I would have just held and waited. Sometimes I'm going to do a cash out and go, oh, Bitcoin's kind of volatile right now. I'm going to wait till it kind of stabilizes, then do the cash out. That's probably what I would have done. Okay. Uh, let's see what else we've got as far as this uh, coronavirus is concerned. I told you it'd be a long coronavirus topic. Okay, I want to talk about the U.S.'s response to this and Trump's response to this whole thing. And, of course, if you've listened to this show, you know that I'm a, I'm a conservative. And I, I'm, I'm going to try to approach this segment as unbiased as possible, but I won't claim that I can be completely unbiased because I can't. But at the same time, I, I see Trump's faults. I will criticize things he does that I don't agree with. So, hopefully, 
you can see this here in this segment that this isn't just a, a partisan segment to bash Democrats and, and praise Trump because it's not going to be that. Uh, there's been some mistakes on the part of Trump that there's no question. Uh, first of all, he was making too many statements along the way in the earlier days of the coronavirus that were too confident sounding, basically saying, don't worry about it. It's, uh, it, it's going to clear up. We're doing a great job. And then when it gets worse, it makes him look like a fool. Instead of standing aside and letting his experts do the talking, he, he couldn't resist talking about it himself because that's what he does. And that already was irritating people. People, they wanted the president to come out and say, look, here's what's really happening. It's not all pleasant, but here's what we're going to do to make it less unpleasant. Here's what we're going to do to fight this. Here's what we're going to do to bring the disruptions to your life uh, to where they're not as bad as they could be. But there's going to be disruptions. There's going to be some problems. Expect this is going to be an issue. And this is, you can even say, this is not an issue of our creation. This came from China and it's here now, and now we have to deal with it. And the, the problem is Trump only speaks in superlatives, and he loves to say things are tremendous, things are great, we're doing the best job, this, uh, this is all being handled, it's all going to be great. He doesn't have the ability when he speaks to, 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 to take kind of a middle ground of saying, I, I feel we're doing a good, a good job with the way we're containing this, and here's our plan, but, but there's going to be some problems. There's going to be some problems ahead. He doesn't have that ability to do. So along the way here, he uh, he made a lot of dumb statements, especially on Twitter, that later came back to bite him. And also were fueling Americans to feel unhappy about it. Now what about the thing you've been hearing, that Trump felt the coronavirus was a hoax and said it was a hoax? Well, there was a hoax here, but this wasn't from Trump. The, the, the hoax is actually from the media and a lot of the left. Trump didn't say that the coronavirus was a hoax. Trump was trying to say, he didn't say it very articulately, but he said that the hoax is the blaming of him. That it's, it's a democratic hoax to say this is his fault. That the media is not covering this fairly. He shouldn't have used the word hoax because this ends up being something that can be twisted. And even if you don't read it the right way, you can believe he's saying the coronavirus is a hoax. But go back and look at his words. I don't have them in front of me. You'll see clearly he wasn't saying the coronavirus is a hoax that was invented by the Democrats. He was saying the coverage of this is a hoax. The blaming of him for this being here or for this being a problem in this country is a hoax. That's what he was trying to say. Not that the virus itself is a hoax. But that hasn't stopped a lot of the media and a lot on the left from saying that Trump called it a hoax, which is very dishonest because they know the truth. Most of the people saying this know the truth, that he didn't say that even when they're corrected and shown how they were wrong. They keep saying it because it makes them look bad, and he did use the word hoax. Trump has been treated unfairly by the media who tries to look for anything they can jump on to make him look bad, including like this hoax thing, but that also doesn't mean that he's been handling it well. Two things can be and are true at once, that the media has been unfair to him, and he hasn't handled this all that well. Now, I want to say that no matter what he did, we would still be dealing with much of what we have right now. There is a myth that if a different president was in charge, 
that everything would be great now, that the coronavirus would not be an issue, that it wouldn't be spreading like it is, that things wouldn't be shut down, the economy would still be good, that this is all because of Trump's mishandling that we have all the problems we do. 100% false. 100% 100% false. The, the, this is going. To, what's going on right now is going to happen no matter what. It was going to get here. It was going to spread. We were going to have these shutdowns. This was all inevitable. The economy, the stock market was going to crash. The Bitcoin was going to crash. All these things would have happened anyway. So that's nothing Trump did has caused any of what we are currently seeing. Did he make some mistakes? Yes. Uh, the, back in 2018, disbanding this uh, pandemic response team. Not not as big of a deal as people think. But uh, still, um, it was a mistake. If they had that team in place, would we have been able to contain this and control this? No. This We'd still be dealing with a lot of what we're dealing now. But you should that, that's something you don't cut. In his defense, though, there... Uh, there hadn't been anything quite like this. And you may say, well, what about what about uh, the swine flu and SARS and MERS? Well, I'll get to that shortly. I'll, I'm going to compare this to other illnesses and explain to you why, why this one's different. So in his defense, um, something like this is really surprising a lot of people. And that's why this is so new to all of us. But he still shouldn't have cut it, and he wasn't even saving that much money by cutting it. It was a stupid thing to cut. With that said, I, I don't think it makes that much of a difference. Made a little difference, doesn't make a whole lot of difference. Uh, the, the testing kits that haven't been available, that, that there's been, it's been slow to get these testing kits there and people can't get tested well, uh, this is typical government. This would have happened under any president. I'm not saying it's good. I mean, it's, this is something that needs to be reformed. There has to be a, a better and quicker response. There has to be a, an ability to produce these testing kits quicker and distribute them quicker and come up with a standard protocol on, on who to test, who not to test, how to, how the tests become available. There's been a lot of complaints by people who, who go to the hospital or to urgent care with very clear coronavirus symptoms and for some reason just don't qualify for a test because they weren't in, uh, in, in uh, an infected area recently and, and they weren't allowed to get tested. A, a lot of nonsense like this has been happening. And much of this is because there's not a coordinated response. Some of this falls in the lap of the federal government. Some of this falls in the lap of local and state governments acting stupidly. So there doesn't need but to be. He got rid of the team that was supposed to be dealing with. Well, that this. was back in 2018, and, and way back, and, and weeks ago. Oh, we have beautiful tests. There's plenty of tests. He just gets up there and lies. Yes, he does. Full of shit. Well, yes, he gets up there and speaks, and that, as I was saying, that's a problem. Like he need, he needed to like not right, but not he do lies. any of this. He lies. The tests. We have millions of tests. How many tests? Well, they can't get tests. Yeah, well, there's right. There's a lot of it's things that are embarrassing. It is. These things shouldn't happen. And it's a lot of the a lot of these the criticism that he's gotten that's fair is is some of the things he said that are either just not true or he just uh, didn't really know and kind of just uh, took a guess at what the, the way the situation was and it was wrong. Like uh, it, it, he just shouldn't. He should be delegating this to the experts to speak about and and say little himself unless it's carefully prepared and researched and, and uh like like the address the statements he's made the two big uh, addresses he did this past week uh the first one was terrible and and, and had errors in it and uh um that that one was criticized and fairly the, the the more recent one that was yesterday that was more uh, reasonable and he brought out various uh, CEOs of, of corporations that are going to be helping deal with this and that that one the stock market jumped after that because people were 
much happier with that speech. So, but the, at least those type of speeches make sense why he's doing them, and those are especially the second one more carefully prepared. And th- that's what he should be doing. He shouldn't be just firing off the cuff tweets about this. It's one thing to fire off the cuff tweets making fun of Mike Bloomberg and calling him Mini Mike. People are used to that by now. But but th- this is something that's not, it's not a laughing matter. This is something where uh, he, he's not going to be a, get, be able to get out of this with. Uh, with comedy or, or, or aggressive tweets, yeah, yeah, this has to be handled very maturely and carefully. And, and he, this, this, that's definitely not his strong suit to handle anything maturely or carefully. So that's why we, we, we saw this, this, this type of crap coming out, and this has made people very upset. And, and I don't blame people for getting upset with that. And uh, uh, with that said, this, uh, there's been a lot of mistakes at the local and state level where just there, there's no – uh, where they're doing the wrong things, and it, yes, the, the federal government should be helping direct this, and that's that's a fail and fa- failure in the federal government's level. And, and yes, it, some of this does link back to the disbanding of that team in 2018, but that doesn't mean the local and state government should be clueless. They should they should at least act sensibly themselves, and many of them have not, and that's uh, and that's been overlooked. And I, I think that uh, to put the entire blame there. On the federal government, when the local and state governments are acting stupid, uh, is not fair either. You, it needs to be blamed uh, according to, to to what's really going on and, and who's really at fault, even if it's a fault that goes around in several directions. Uh, the, the a lot of this is still being learned as they're going along here. There's there's kind of the dueling interests of causing the least amount of disruption to life and also bringing down the number of cases that are developing here. And these are unfortunately on two different sides of the coin here. So the, the more you disrupt, probably the better you do at preventing the spread of this. But then you can also over-disrupt and really screw the economy badly. So you you have to do this intelligently, and it's not an easy thing to do. It's not a it's not easy to figure out what to shut down and what 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 to shut down, and what not to shut down. Uh, I I think that it is smart at this point to shut things down. I don't think it's hysteria. I think at this point you have to because of uh, the seriousness of the situation, and and provided they're telling the truth, you are seeing. Uh, good signs out of China and and South Korea that uh, where the spread is being contained somewhat by taking these measures, and uh, if you don't, it, it, it can just get out of control. And I so th- th- this is still being learned as it's going along because no one's experienced this before. So this is something that really is new, and it's nothing like the other ones which I'm going to explain shortly. The U.S. botched something today, and you may have seen some reports about this, like in Chicago, but there's passengers who are returning from other countries that are uh, U.S. citizens, so any U.S. citizen is allowed to return from whatever country they're in, and then they're carefully screened to make sure they're not bringing the coronavirus back. Now, that part's fine, but there was a mistake to funnel them through 13 airports. The 13 airports were chosen to receive these passengers. Well, the thought was, let's not spread them over so many different airports 
and infect all these different people with the coronavirus. Let's just let's concentrate them through 13 different airports. And this way, the rest of the Air Force will be unaffected. These people will not be passing through. A little problem, though. These Air Force do not have the capacity to take all these passengers in and screen them very thoroughly. So what is happening? There are tremendous, tremendous lines in some places like Chicago. To where lines are like six hours long. They're actually having to bring people water because people are like getting thirsty and can't drink. And they're stuck online for six hours and they can't leave. And there's concern. These are all the people coming back from other countries that there's probably a number of people with coronavirus in these lines and they're all trapped together. Guess what they're doing? They're probably spreading into each other. So now some of them that did not have it when they got online will leave the line with coronavirus and, it will not be showing yet, and then they'll go back out into society and infect people. That is not good. They're, they're probably creating a lot of new coronavirus cases through the concentration of these passengers through these 13 airports. So one of these things which which sounded good until you really think about it. So that was botched pretty badly. I want to compare this to the other... Uh, recent concern, health concerns for uh, infectious diseases and viruses because that's we've been hearing a lot about that. And I want to explain to you why this one's so much worse. So let's think about some others. We'll, we'll ignore the, the regular flu right now, which we have every year. We'll talk about that afterwards. But let's talk about ones that happened just out of nowhere where you'd hear about some kind of uh, new virus that people were scared of. And then it seemed these would pass, and we wouldn't even think much about them anymore. So how about SARS? SARS was happening in uh, from 2002 to 2004. It is actually also a coronavirus. It also came out of China. And it also it is a, it's a respiratory virus. Uh, disease and the death rate was actually higher than the current version of coronavirus so why didn't everything shut down why wasn't there this kind of panic were people just more sensible in the early 2000s than they are in 2020 is it because social media didn't exist well yes the lack of social media probably helped but that is not the reason. The big difference is that it didn't spread uh, anywhere nearly as easily. And there's a reason for that. You're both coronaviruses. So why was the SARS of uh, 2002 through 2004, why was that spreading so much less? Uh, there were only 8,100 cases worldwide. Only eight in the U.S. So even though the death rate was very high, nobody in the U.S. died, but 15% who got this worldwide died. 15%! People 60 and over, would you believe they had a 60% mortality rate? Or 55%, not 60 still pretty bad. You had a greater than even chance of dying if you were 60 or over and got SARS. 
Sounds much worse than this, right? But the problem of this one compared to SARS is that SARS was much harder to catch. The reason that it was easy to stop SARS from transmitting is that the symptoms became severe very quickly. So once it was known what SARS was and what it was doing to people, when someone would catch it, it would spread so quickly in the person's body and cause severe symptoms so quickly, you're like, oh, okay, that person has SARS, quarantine them. So there wasn't the thing where they're walking around in the population infecting everybody and then only realizing a while later that they have it. Here it would come on so quickly that they were able to get these people away and they wouldn't infect that many people. So that's why it was easy to contain. It was actually a much more serious illness once you got it. Again, 15%. People died. 55% over 60 died. It was said that the SARS virus of the 2000s didn't have the fitness to persist in the human population and died out. And again, it was because it was too easy to detect. Too easy to detect, too easy to isolate people, and that made it too hard to spread. Where things can spread the most easily is where people don't know they have it, and others who see them don't know they have it, and nobody knows to stay away from those infected people. Because the infected people themselves don't know they're sick. So that's the difference with SARS. What about the swine flu of 2009? Well, that one was the opposite. There were 60.8 million people infected with the H1N1 swine flu in 2009. million. So how come, with almost 61 people infected, more than uh, about 20% of the U.S. population at the time, how come that was not a bigger deal than this? Well, this was the opposite of SARS. This was a flu, and this had a very low mortality rate. In the U.S., the mortality rate of the swine flu was not 2%, not 0.2%, but it was actually less than that, much less. It was 0.02%. Two out of 10,000 people who got the swine flu died. Not two out of a hundred, not two out of a thousand, two out of ten thousand died. Well, that obviously uh, didn't scare people that badly. If, if there's something going around that's going to kill two out of ten thousand people, you think, okay, I'm probably not going to die from this. And keep in mind that uh, a lot of these people who died were ones who were already sick with other things or very old, so think about it. If this is mainly killing people who already have existing problems or who are very old, 
And even with that, two out of 10,000 people are dying. Are you afraid of getting it? No. Is there any kind of real panic about getting this? No. It was a news story. It was something to be concerned about, but that was about it. So even though almost 20% of people in the U.S. got it, the death rate was so low that it wasn't that much of a concern. By the way, 47% of children between 5 and 19 got the swine flu. 47%. So that uh, wasn't much to worry about. What about Ebola? Remember Ebola? That was more recent. That was from 2014 to 16. And that one was pretty deadly. The global death rate was 50% with 11,325 people dying. We lost Trader Risky somehow, but the the uh, this is a similar overall death number of the swine flu twelve thousand four hundred sixty nine. SARS only had seven hundred seventy four people dying and zero in the U.S. But this one, this uh, Ebola, had uh, eleven thousand three hundred twenty five people dying. I don't know how many were in the U.S. But uh, the thing was, it, it it's didn't affect many people, much like SARS. First of all, it wasn't that contagious. It mainly spread through bodily fluid, like sweat and blood. But uh, it wasn't something that you'd usually catch by just touching someone who had Ebola touched. Also, the symptoms were severe and quick. So again, much like SARS, they could quickly isolate those who were found to have it. So again, this was not a huge concern because it wasn't that easy to spread and when someone had it, you knew they had it. So as a result, it wasn't all that scary. Once you had it, it was pretty damn scary because half the people died, but it wasn't that easy to get and that's why uh, um, there were uh, 11,325 deaths. Even though that was uh, close to 50%. There was just not that uh, not that bad. By the way, uh, Trader Ruski has uh, texted me that he accidentally disconnected, but he's also really tired, so he's dropping out. That's fine. Okay, so now let's talk about the regular flu, the flu you're familiar with. It's nice known as the seasonal flu. That's it, it, a lot of people are saying the coronavirus, the current coronavirus, COVID nineteen is it's, it's it's just the flu. It's not it's not actually the flu, but it's similar to the flu. We're just we're just panicking because it's new. But hey, look, the flu kills old people and sick people. So does this. In fact, the flu kills way more people, both globally and in the U.S., than this coronavirus has. We're just familiar with it, so it doesn't alarm us. But uh, the flu is actually worse. Some people say. And they say, look, it's not only that, the flu kills kids. And this does not. Okay. How do you respond to that? Well, let's talk numbers here. First of all, yes, uh, the flu, first of all, does spread very easily. How many flu cases are there per year? Well, about 9% of the global population. That's a lot. And 
how about number of deaths that happen annually around the world, depending on the year, usually between uh, 300 and 650,000 deaths per year. It's a lot of deaths, right? Just from the flu. People who usually die from it, uh, elderly people or those with compromised immune systems and uh, sometimes uh, very young children. So why are we so concerned with COVID-19 if the flu is this bad and if it's happening every year? Is it just we've gotten used to it? No, there's a big difference. The death rate of the flu is around 0.1%, which is about one in a thousand. That's not as light of a death rate as uh, the swine flu, but it's still one in a thousand. That's still a pretty low death rate. And it mainly kills those who are old or already sick. So again, if you get it as a normal, healthy adult or even a healthy child who's not a tiny baby or a toddler, it does kill some little babies and sometimes even toddlers. But beyond that, uh, even young children like three, four years old are pretty safe from it. And uh, older children are safe from it. And adults are safe from it. I, think, I, I don't walk around in fear. I never have of getting the flu. I don't want it, but I'm not in fear it's going to kill me. If I was 80 years old, yeah, I'd, I'd fear the flu. But like at this age, I don't fear the flu. The reason I don't fear the flu, the reason you don't fear the flu probably, is because even with most of the deaths being elderly and already sick people, it still only kills one in a thousand. So even most of the elderly and sick people who get it survive. It's only one out of a thousand cases total, on average, that people are dying. So if you're not old and if you're not really sick already, then the flu is very unlikely to kill you and therefore you don't fear it. And that's what we've been dealing with our whole lives and that's why we're not that worried about the flu. You may say, well, wait a minute, what about the 1918 flu? Now, none of us were around for that. In fact, there's very few people alive today who can remember it because one must be at least 101 years old. And plus, you have to have been old enough to remember it. If you if you are 101, 102 years old, and if you were around during the 1918 Spanish flu, you wouldn't remember it if, unless you were at least four years old. So most people uh, don't remember it even if they are alive or were alive back in 1918. And, and the vast, vast, vast majority of today's population was not alive in 1918. I would highly doubt we've ever had a listener to this show that was alive in 1918. But that was a very terrible flu. There were over 50 million deaths. The death rate in the U.S. was about 2%, about 675,000 people, which was uh, pretty high because the U.S. population was much less at the time. There were 500 million cases globally. And globally, about 50 million people died. So globally, it was about 10, 10% death. And even in the U.S., it was 2% death, and 675,000 people died. And a lot of the people who died were otherwise healthy adults who were young or middle-aged. So why are we not afraid of that recurring? 
Well, it's because medicine was very poor back then. There was very uh, poor understanding of the flu, of how it spreads, of how to prevent its spread, how to treat it. And there were also no antibiotics to treat secondary bacterial infections, which was huge because that's a lot of times what ends up killing people is the flu then brings on secondary bacterial infections, which kill them. So there were no antibiotics to stop that. So if you got that, you were screwed back then. Medicine was incredibly immature in 1918. It just, I, I know it sounds like not super long ago. It sounds like a long time ago, but not like, it doesn't sound like four, the year 1400, but really medicine's main advancement has happened since then. In that, in that hundred years since then, that's when we've had our advancement in medicine, not so much before that. 1918 medicine sucked. And to show you how clueless people were, when giving you advice on how not to spread the flu in 1918, people were not advised to wash their hands. <laughs> that was not part of the advice. They, they were saying things like uh, to spray soap up your nose. <laughs> that, that was the advice given at the time. You had to get soap up your nose to clean out your nasal cavity. That's going to prevent the spread of the flu. They believed that then. That's, a, that's how... Medicine was in 1918. That's how science was in 1918. That's how the research was in 1918. They, they had no clue. The, the advancement of knowledge regarding viruses and infections since 1918, it's, it's incredibly different. It's incredibly different. There were, there were so many wrong beliefs then. There were so many things they didn't know. There were so many medications they didn't have. So you can't compare it. If that same flu showed up today... It would do nothing like it did in 1918. It was so bad because they had the inability to control it or prevent its spread. It just can't be compared. It's, it's apples and oranges. It's totally apples and oranges. Uh, from a poker standpoint, it would be like comparing the best player in... It's like a game of poker is invented. Like let's take, take uh, like Omaha. Let's say Omaha was uh, the, the the very first day Omaha was played. And you take the best player from the first day Omaha was played and you drop him at a table of good Omaha players today. What would happen to that person? They'd get clobbered. Why? Because so little was known about the game on the first day it was played and, and, and today now there's all these wizards who have been trained by these uh, these solver programs. So it's, it's, it's tremendously different. It, it's like that, but even more. So that's that's something you just can't compare. That's, that's you might as well ignore the 1918 flu. It was a totally different time. Medicine was incredibly immature then. But let's let's go back to so let's go back to the coronavirus COVID-19 that we're dealing with right now. The problem here is that it's a bad combination of the easily spreadability of like the swine flu where uh Look, the swine flu got 61 million people. So there's there's a fear that it could be like that, or maybe even worse, where it's just something that spreads really easily and that uh, the reason it can spread easily because there can be a long time where people uh, don't show symptoms or maybe even some people, well, not maybe, for sure, some people just don't show many symptoms. There are people who have the coronavirus, the current coronavirus, who don't show any symptoms at all and never will, including many children. Children especially are more likely to get it, and you'll see no sign they have it ever. 
So that spreads it much more. So this is not like Ebola. This is not like SARS where it's very clear someone has it and you get them away from everyone. This is something that can spread and it's pretty much believed to mostly spread through surfaces, not so much from uh, direct uh, contact of, uh, it's not about bodily fluids so much, it's not so much about uh, respiratory, like where someone sneezes and the droplets in the air get to you. That can happen too, but it's believed that this happens mainly through surfaces, which is the way things spread the most, because uh, there's only going to be so many people exchanging bodily fluids with you or, or sneezing on you. There's much more of where someone touches something, gets that object infected. You obviously can't see that object infected, and you touch that object yourself, and you get it. So that's the way things really, really spread. And if you can't see that people are that have it, that people are asymptomatic, then it can really spread fast, and it's very difficult to avoid. So it's a combination of that plus a mortality rate that is much higher than something like the swine flu or the seasonal flu. So it's it's a bad combination of both, of a fairly high mortality rate, not like SARS or Ebola, but a fairly high mortality rate of what we're seeing of... Uh, uh, the numbers have been all over the place, but, but some have said it's as high as 3%, even if it's not 3%, even if you want to say it's 1%, that's still way higher than 0.1% or 0.02%. Like 1% versus 0.1, that's 10 times more. 2% versus 0.1, that's 20 times more. So that that's a huge difference. So if we're seeing the spread more like, a, more like the flu, but a mortality rate 20 times higher, that can be a big problem. And if that mortality rate is also hitting people who are middle-aged and not just people who are older, and if there's these weird complications to it to where like the, the thing with the blood pressure medication is true, if that turns out to be true, and that's been killing people, who knows what other things there are like that? Like This is going to take time to figure out. So like imagine I got it. I was taking Losartan. I stopped, but let's say I, yeah, I was taking it before. I was taking it during the spread of this. I didn't catch the coronavirus, thankfully. But let's say I did. Let's say I kept playing a commerce and I got it there. And then my case gets really severe, and I'm like, what the hell? I'm 48 years old. How's this happening to me? And I'd have no clues because of the Losartan. And then maybe I die and then someone go, oh, that's why Todd died. It's because he was taking Losartan. Well, that, that doesn't help me then. I'm dead. So there's these weird things about it people don't understand also. The flu is very well understood. This is not understood well yet. It's not understood well while it's not killing kids. Not understood well why there's these weird factors where certain underlying health conditions and not others are so much worse. And this is also this also has a high mortality rate compared to things like the flu. So this is why it's a bad combination of something that spreads easily. A lot of people don't show symptoms, making it spread more easily. It seems to spread through surfaces that's uh, already been proven. So that's what's scaring people about it. That's why this is different. And that's why it's scary. And that's why none of these things, none of these other illnesses we've dealt with in recent decades compare. That's why the flu does not compare. So don't let anyone tell you this is just the flu. They're wrong. They're speaking from ignorance. Don't let them tell you the swine flu had more cases. Ignorance. Don't let them tell you SARS was more deadly. 
ignorance. These things are true, but the, but they don't know the whole picture. Once you get the whole picture, like I just told you, then it makes sense why this one is much more to be concerned about. And I hope you understand now. You don't believe me? Go take a look. Go take. There's a good. There's actually a good article on Healthline.com explaining everything here. If you go to Healthline. If you Google Healthline.com, uh, COVID nineteen compares to past outbreak outbreaks. Google that. Uh, you can actually type in COVID nineteen compares to past outbreaks. Space site colon Healthline.com. This article will come up, and you can read it. It, it breaks it down real well. And these are just cold hard facts with all the numbers. This, this isn't editorializing. This isn't written by a Democrat to make Republicans look bad or a Republican to make Democrats look bad. This is not. This is a political article with cold, hard numbers. You can compare and you can see why there's a reason to be worried about this. Should, be, should we be in absolute panic? No. I'll tell you why we shouldn't be in absolute panic. Because the chance of most of us dying from this is pretty low. Provided that you are not in the real danger zone of risk of being elderly or already very sick, then the mortality rate is going to be pretty low. Your chance of dying is probably low. There's things we don't know yet, like that weird thing with the Losartan, that, uh, that's kind of scary. You never know when the next thing will be found like that. But for most of us, it's not something where if we get it, we're like, oh, we're, we're dead. Like it's a, Really, we, we, could, we could infect the entire Poker Fraud Alert audience, and uh, it wouldn't be surprising if none of us died. Well, maybe the very oldest part of the audience would have a much better chance of dying, but let, let's say we infect the entire Poker Fraud Alert audience 65 or under. And really, the, the, we, we could all survive this, and it wouldn't be that surprising. But still... You might bring this home to your parents. You might bring this home to your grandparents. And you also might be one of the unlucky people who does die that isn't old. It's not only old people dying. It's just mostly old people dying. But it's, it's, it's less predictable in that way than the flu is. That's another thing in that uh, if you are healthy and middle-aged, the flu is very unlikely to kill you. Especially if you manage it right, if you get it, if you if you go get treatment, if if you uh, start developing secondary infections, if you get those treated, if you if you get the flu and then you handle it right, the chance of you dying from the flu as a middle-aged, healthy person is very, very, very small. But with this, it's a good deal higher. It's a good deal higher. It's enough higher to where it becomes a realistic possibility where, where the flu would be a complete fluke. So that's why I don't worry about the flu. I don't worry about the flu killing me right now. This, if I got it, I wouldn't say, okay, this is the death sentence. I'm, I'm a good chance I'm going to die here. But I also wouldn't say for sure I'm getting better here. No problem. I'd have this in the back of my mind. Like I might be one of the unlucky ones that can kill. And hey, if I was still on the little Sartan, uh, maybe the chances of that happening to me would be higher than I thought. So don't don't fall for some of the hype, the anti-hype, I shall say, of one saying that uh, this is nothing to worry about, and it's just like the flu. But also don't don't uh, subscribe to total panic just yet for the reasons I I described. And 
we are seeing numbers go down, at least the ones reported in places like China and South Korea. So maybe this will be contained, and when this is all over, we won't have that many deaths in the U.S. It is very possible that this will be over without that many deaths, and many people will look at it and go, ah, well, see, this is all nothing. It was like the flu. In fact, it's, it's much less than the flu. We had many more deaths this year from the flu than we ended up having from the coronavirus, but look at all the economic damage the coronavirus did and all the panic the coronavirus caused. But okay, but the panic's justified here, and in fact, the panic may drive us to take the right measures to prevent this from spreading as much as it otherwise could have. From a political standpoint, it's kind of sad because we're seeing this being politicized and we're seeing this politicized on both sides. And and I don't like this. We are seeing this where Republicans feel that they have to, they have to act like this isn't a big deal. Republicans have to say, oh, the Democrats are trying to say this is a big deal. They're trying to make it to cause panic. They're trying to do this so Joe Biden will win, so everyone blames it on Trump. They're trying to ruin the economy. Bill Maher, this idiot, says uh, he hopes – he told this – he said this before the coronavirus, but he said he said last year he hopes the uh, recession happens so Trump loses. It's a terrible thing to say. Of course, yeah, he, he makes so much money. His job's going to be safe either way. Of course, he can say that. So, yeah – Things like that feed into the belief by many on the right that this is really no big deal. This is just the flu, and it's the Democrats who are politicizing it and and whipping everyone up into a frenzy just to make Trump and the Republicans look bad. And that's the Democrats politicizing it, and they're definitely doing this. They're also politicizing this by jumping on every word Trump says and trying to make him look bad even when he's not really saying anything that bad, or when it, even if you want to say something is a mistake, it's trivial. I'll give you an example. When he did his speech and talked about the foreign virus, referring to the coronavirus, he said it was a foreign virus. Within three minutes of him completing the speech, the Cuomo brothers, Chris and Andrew, jumped all over this on CNN. Within three minutes, instead of analyzing everything he talked about, they were obsessing over the words foreign virus, saying that this was racist or xenophobic. I'm going, oh, this is where they go? This is the important thing to discuss here? With everything going on, you're going to talk about whether the term foreign virus is the right thing to say? Who cares? It's just a stupid thing to debate. It's such a stupid thing to focus on. It's such a stupid thing to jump on within three minutes of him completing the speech. It is a foreign virus. It's the truth. It didn't originate here. It originated in China, and it came here. It is a foreign virus. Did Trump say it because he was a racist? No, I think Trump said it because he's trying to make it look like this is not his fault or the U.S.'s fault. He he wants people to understand this is something that began elsewhere and came here, so it doesn't make him look as bad. But you know what? It's the truth. It is a foreign virus. If it it is the truth, it's that's what it is. If if that's what he's calling it, and that's what it is. It's not racist. It's not xenophobic. So Democrats jump on the foreign virus thing and they're going on and on about the foreign virus. Shut up. Who cares if he said foreign virus? That's not what we should be talking about. If you want to criticize Trump, criticize things that he has done wrong regarding the management of the situation. Not about the words foreign virus. That's an idiotic thing to obsess over. And they did. But... I'm so tired of hearing from fellow Republicans that this isn't a big deal, that this is just the flu, that this is being exaggerated, 
that this is being exaggerated on purpose to hurt Trump. I actually don't believe the coronavirus itself is being exaggerated. I don't think the panic that's happening is because Democrats or the media is trying to exaggerate this to hurt Trump. Anything like this that's unknown that comes around that's scary will always end up being exaggerated in the media and on social media and people will panic. That's just natural to happen. That's going to happen regardless of politics. So I don't believe that this is being exaggerated to hurt Trump. What's being exaggerated is how Trump's handling it. They're, they're, he's being criticized much more than he deserves to be criticized. I wish the criticism could just be fair and they could focus on the things he's actually done wrong and said wrong, not dumb things like about uh, foreign virus or, or blaming him for the stock market crash, which would have happened with or without him being president. But I, I hate it seems like some people on the right have a vested interest in trying to convince everybody that this is not a big deal. And all you're doing is a disservice to everybody when you say that because it causes this to spread more. It causes people to use less caution. It causes people to say, okay, this is no problem. I'm not going to worry about it. And, and then they end up getting it and dying or they end up getting it and giving it to their parents or grandparents and they die. And that's a, We've got to act responsibly with this and forget about politics. Forget about trying to make Trump look bad. Forget about trying to uh, defend this and make it look like it's nothing so so this way Trump looks better. No. Just come out with the facts and try to do what we can do to stop this from spreading as much and to get past this as soon as we can. And that's what we need to do. And be honest about what it is. Be honest about what it isn't. I've seen this politicized on both sides. And if, if you think it's only been politicized on one side, you're not watching. You're not, you're not being honest with yourself. I really encourage people to just check the numbers. Look at the real numbers. See why it's a big deal, but also see why it's not, it, it's not like if this was like spreading like it is, but it, but it had the deadliness of star, of SARS, we would be screwed. If this were to spread to 60 something million Americans, like the swine flu did, and kill half of them, that would be a disaster. (laughs) That would be a tremendous disaster. But it's not that. We know it's not going to have a 50% death rate. We we just have to try to stop it from spreading. It does have a much higher death rate than the flu does. Okay. Finally, this is the last thing I'm going to talk about with the coronavirus, and then we'll move on to a few other topics and be done. A lot of life is going to move online more than it already has during this epidemic. And some of this may actually have lasting impacts. Uh, There's no question that our life is more online before all this started than it already ever has been. People are constantly looking down at their phones. People are communicating online much more than they ever have before. They're using social media as a substitute for getting together in person. They're uh, texting and messaging rather than talking on the phone or meeting up in person. Business has a lot of remote meetings now done through uh, cyber meetings rather than actually getting together to meet. There's more and more people working from home. 
more and more online classes are becoming available. And I'm talking about before the coronavirus or this version of the coronavirus. I'm not talking about uh, what's being done now. People, of course, are using online for dating more than ever before. I did this back in the 80s. I was ahead of my time with that. But people are now doing this very commonly where it's most likely that someone new that you meet and start dating is someone you met online, where before that was kind of a niche. Now it's become the most common way to meet people. So, so much of life has moved online these days. In fact, there's been a lot of complaints that online has taken over. It's become a substitute for in-person interaction, that people don't know how to communicate anymore, that people are constantly distracted on their phones, and, and even when they are in person together, that it, it's ruining everything, and there's been a lot of complaints about it. But that has become the present. I guess the future is now with online interaction, and it's just going to increase over time. People are also watching sports and, and uh, general TV online a lot more than they used to. It's become a major form of entertainment as well, even entertainment that was traditionally on TV or in the movie theaters. But this is really moving things online quickly. A lot of colleges are shutting down regular classes and I have converted classes to online classes. There already were online classes in the past, but now at some colleges, everything's become an online class. People are having online meetings at work. People are working from home when possible, even at jobs where this wasn't allowed before. And socially, I have a feeling people will be spending a lot more time online. I've seen on the Poker Fraud Alert forum that I've seen a lot of names reading the forum and posting on the forum that had disappeared for a while. It looks like some people have come back because they have less going on socially with this coronavirus going on and with so many things shut down. So I think you're going to see more people on social media, more people on forums, which I never thought I'd say. That's temporarily. I'm not talking about long term. And you're going to see a lot more online classes, a lot more online working. And when this is all over, maybe even more online poker, I'm hoping. Well, when this is all over, when the coronavirus goes away and gets under control, some of this will move back. Like I think people will return socially to the way they were before this started. But I also think that some other things might be impacted permanently. I think we'll start seeing more online classes. If, if you go through a whole quarter at a college where every class is online and everything doesn't fall apart and people like it, you'll probably see a lot more online class offerings than you did before. This might be the real push to make more and more college classes online. You also might start seeing a lot more people being able to work at home. Employees who don't necessarily have to be there. Of course, ones that are customer-facing usually have to be there, but ones that are not customer-facing and ones that don't necessarily have to interact all that much with other uh, employees at the company, many of them might be allowed to work at home much more if, again, this lasts for a little while and everything seems fine. If productivity doesn't go down, if these employees are just as effective as they were when they were at the office, or maybe even more effective, maybe some companies will say, hmm, why didn't we do this before? Well, now that we were forced to do online working, or now that we, not actually forced, but we did it out of caution, 
because of this situation and it worked out, okay, now we'll actually do it. I mean, this, this happens many times in life that you're kind of pushed into having to do something you really don't want to have to do and then you actually like it better and say, okay, I'm going to keep doing it this way. Okay, this is what I'm going to do from now on. And that might happen with a lot of this online stuff, that more life will, more of life will move online, including some things that have been theorized for years will eventually move online, but just haven't, like online college. Online college has moved at a very slow pace, and it kind of makes sense if you think about it. Think of a, a college class. You're going to this giant lecture hall in many cases. You're listening to the professor talk. You're taking notes. You're not really interacting at all. You're just listening. And then you leave. Well, do you really need to be there for that? Couldn't you be at home watching uh, the professor? In fact, you could see the professor better if it's uh, if it's the camera with a close-up of the professor's face and, and with the blackboard he's writing on or whatever. Uh, you could do this just as easily, maybe even better at home, where it's more convenient. You don't have to get up and drive anywhere or walk anywhere. And uh, you've got your computer right there. It's easier to take notes. It's easier to see, easier to hear. There's no other distractions. I mean, there's a lot of arguments for why an online class could actually be better. Yeah, there are some classes that wouldn't really work online, but there's many that would. Or there's many that could be partially online. The classes that have like a, a lecture and then like a discussion section, maybe have the lecture online and the discussion section where you go in person. But I, I think there's a lot of room to increase the online courses given by colleges. And really, that could bring down the cost of college. The, the cost of college has gotten so insane, and that's another topic for a different show. But I will tell you, it has far outpaced inflation. Far outpaced inflation. And a lot of this is just gouging on the part of the colleges because they can get away with it. But wouldn't it be great if online classes could be taken and the cost could go way down and the colleges could no longer justify these insane costs that people have to pay. And uh, think it would make college so much more accessible to so many people. So this could be the start of something good. This could be one of the few good side effects to come of this. And same with working online. There are many jobs that could be done at home. And that, uh, yeah, and not only that, jobs that can be done at home, what this also allows is more flexible hours. So if you have stuff you have to do, let's say you have eight hours of work you have to do today, but you, you don't need to really interact with many people. Maybe you can do some of your job in the morning, some of it at night. You can just, you, you can, you can do other things during the day without, without uh, having to take time or, and take leave and, everything's much more flexible and you get the same amount of work done. You do, you work the same amount of time and you get the same amount done, but it's, it's more flexible in how you do it. Now it depends from position to position. And of course, customer facing positions, you can't have that. Everything can't move online, but a lot more can than currently is. And maybe this will be the start of that revolution. And, and, and that would be good. That would be something positive, And this might be, the start of that, if, if this is tried and works out. Okay. that That's all about the coronavirus. I'm tired of talking about it. <laughs> I'm tired of talking about it. I'm going to take a break. And, you know, I, I've, I've talked so much about 
all this stuff. <laughs> I hope I've told you some new things you didn't know before or got you thinking about some things which are things you didn't think about before. I hope I've provided some clarity here. If you disagree with anything I've said, you can feel free to text me, 775-372-8355. You can post on the radio thread on the forum. You can do a lot of these things. And I hope that I have just given you some clarity to all this stuff. Oh, I have a, a piece of news here especially for people on the forum who know this person. Uh, let's see here. I, I He can clarify this more, but I, I do have some breaking news regarding one of the Poker Fraud Alert listeners, a loyal listener to the show. Poker Fraud Alert listener FTP Jesus from Arizona has texted me that he is in quarantine. Well, I hope he's okay. He's around my age, I think slightly younger, and I know he's had a number of health problems over the years, like a lot more than you'd expect of someone of that age, way more health problems than I've had by a wide margin. So I hope he's okay. He's someone who I would be worried about, even despite being in his 40s. I hope he gets past this, and I hope if he's on any of these blood pressure meds, he quits them. I know he saw my post about it, but uh, yeah, it's too bad. I hope he get better. And he says he's in quarantine in Arizona. I have to, I'm guessing that they put him under quarantine. I'd like to hear from him what he means by that. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to take a break. And uh, then I will continue. We have a few more topics left, which have nothing to do with the coronavirus. This can't be an all-corona show. We have three other topics, none of them all that long, but uh, stuff that is going on this week that I think is worth talking about. Then we'll shut it down, and let's take a call here before we uh, take the break. Caller, you're on the air. Yeah, there's no breaks, bro. There's always a break. You know, I got, I got to take a break. It's uh, that happens. Come on, are you for real? The break is like three minutes. All right, I'll call back. Can I call back in three minutes? No, you can talk now. But I've got, to, I'm hearing something in the background. You no, have, I'll call. I don't want to say it. What I want to talk to myself. Usually, that's what I do. But <laughs> no, no, no. I'll stay on I'll and call, talk to you. I'll, I'll stay on and talk. I'll call back in ten minutes. Okay. Well, no, just. Uh, All right. I'll let you take a break. I thought you were like just kidding. What are you going to do? Play? What are you playing? No, no, Hero no, poker? no, no, I'm not playing anything. I, I take a break. I use a, a dry mouth rinse so my throat feels better and continue the show and uh, go to the bathroom, stuff like that. It takes like three minutes. Okay, so what do, you, do you want me to entertain for three minutes? No, 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 you can talk to me. I can wait before taking the break. Well, I'm not going to sit there and let you do scope and gargle, man, while I talk to you, man. I, I need some. No, 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 no. I'm not going to start that. I mean, I wait, I will... What time is it? Six in the morning, my time, man. I'm, I'm bad guy. I'm, I'm running from coronavirus or whatever. Okay, the fuck you're you're not understanding. I'm not going to take the break until I'm done with you. No, take the break and I'll call you back. All right, for fine. real. Okay. All right, man. Okay. All right, peace. <laughs> that was harder to communicate than it should have been. I just kept saying like. Okay, let's let's talk, and then I'll take the break. And he kept thinking I'm just going to leave him to talk by himself while I'm gargling uh, dry mouth rinse. No, that's not what I was talking about. Okay, 
Thank you, Eric Benzamokin, for all you do for the show. He probably would have offered money for the free roll tonight, but I didn't talk to him before the show. And I'll never ask for it. I'm, not, I'm never going to say, uh, Eric, give, give our show money for the free roll. That's not what I do. I just, if he offers, I take. I never ask him for anything. Uh, but uh, thank you for everything he does here. Hope he doesn't get the coronavirus. FTP Jesus messaging me saying that, yes, he is sick. He says, two-week order per the doctor at the ER. FTP Jesus, have you tested positive for the coronavirus, or is it just you are presumptive positive because of your symptoms? Ugh. That is too bad if uh, he's been tested positive. But I, I hope he gets better. He said they have no way to test because of lack of testing capability. Yeah, it's still that problem. But uh, he said uh, he suspected corona. Okay, so it's not 100% he has it, but he's under quarantine. Well, I hope he doesn't have it. I hope it's a false alarm. Okay, well, get better, FTP Jesus. I'm going to put on the Eric Benson-Mokin ad. I will be back in a few minutes. Bad guy will call in. We'll cover a few more topics. Then we'll be done for the week in this crazy week. Who knows what's going to happen next here in this crazy 2020 world. Okay, now most of you guys know that I'm very picky regarding which sponsors I take. If I don't believe in the product or service being offered, I don't take the ad. And that's why I lose money on the site every month, even though I'm a cheap Jew, and it kills me to send out that money every month knowing that it is not coming back in. But I'm really, really excited about this new Poker Fraud Alert sponsor because I feel he's providing a service to the poker community that they really, really need. Eric Bensamokin is an attorney and a longtime poker player who provides arbitration and mediation for poker and gambling-related disputes. Now, simply put, if someone owes you money or if they think you owe them money, he's a fully impartial third party you can trust to listen, understand, and decide who's right. The reason you can trust him is because Eric is a licensed attorney in the state of California and federally. And he's able to arbitrate and mediate for you no matter where you live. So you don't have to be in California. You can be anywhere, and he can arbitrate or mediate for you. What makes Eric perfect for this is the fact that he's an attorney bound by the rules and ethics of the state bar. And he's also a longtime poker player, so he understands the issues of our community. And at the same time, he's an outsider, and he, he's probably not likely to know anybody connected to your dispute. So you're not going to have to worry that he's friends with a guy that you're disputing with, or even friends of a friend. He's really an outsider to the community who plays poker for fun, but knows the community really well. It's perfect, and he's a licensed attorney. You can't do better than that. This means you will get a completely impartial decision from a qualified attorney who understands everything. And I'll be honest, if I had a poker-related money dispute with someone, Eric is the exact type of arbitrator or mediator that I would be looking for. Take down his email address, eric at eblawfirm.us. That's eric at eblawfirm.us. If you feel you're being scammed or if someone owes you money or if someone's accusing you of owing them money, just send Eric an email. It's not going to cost you anything. It's not going to hurt you. Just send him an email, and he'll tell you what he thinks of the whole situation, and then he can go from there. Eric can perform both arbitration, where he decides who's right, and mediation, where he helps both of you figure out your own agreement. Keep the email address around, even if you don't have a dispute at the moment, because you never know when one will come up, and Eric is exactly the man you need for the job. That's eric at eblawfirm.us. That's attorney Eric Benzamokin, eric at eblawfirm.us. Okay, so bad guy, you can call back in if you want. If you're listening, call in. 
Like, why don't we just call him? I'm just going to call him back. Let's be proactive here. The party you are trying to reach does not accept calls from numbers with caller ID blocked. Well, come on. Who are you hiding from, bad guy? Doesn't accept calls from caller ID blocked. Come on. Come on, bad guy. Take all comers here. I can't even unblock the caller ID. The radio phone number just doesn't have caller ID. It just doesn't show caller ID. I can't even control that. I'll have to wait for him to call me. Here we go. I had to ask him about this. Bad guy, why are you uh, not taking? Why aren't you don't taking calls? Don't me for that, man. You do that, right? You don't want TK to pimp calling. Well, no, I do it on this show because uh, I, I get a lot of prank calls. But why do you do okay, it? Okay, first off, I didn't know that was on this phone. To be honest with you, when you, I heard you play that, and I just called you right back. I don't even know how to do that. I mean, I remember back in the day you could hit like star six something, but I didn't even know that was on this phone for real. I'm not even kidding you. You blocked the number. What? I don't want no one. So you want to block numbers calling you just at your house? Yeah, I'd let him call. Yeah, sure. What if I called you at your house? I'd answer. If you called at the block number, I'd answer. There you'd be. <laughs> well, I didn't even know that was on here, I swear to God, but I heard it. So what's up? Well, I've been doing this show for about uh, five hours. I still got a few more topics left. I, I, I can't believe you were doing it when I like tuned in. I knew you were doing it tonight because you like push it back every day. Yeah, well, man, you were in the hospital and everything. I for for I, I was kind of an outpatient. I was there for a few hours, but I just had to check something. I had to check that. Uh, Better than six weeks when I was in there, I got my stomach cut open, bro. I didn't even tell you that story. No, but what, what, story what what happened? Why 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 did you get your stomach? We're cut all open? gonna die now. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. What's going on around here, bro? Well, what's going we can't on? Can't gamble anymore. I know it's 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 been tough on gamblers. The sports is gone. The uh, the poker's going away. It's tough. I know. It's just crazy, bro. We ain't never seen nothing like this. No, and you can't even you can't even enjoy the sports. You forget the gambling part. You can't enjoy the sports without the gambling. The sports is gone too. Right. Well, they all go hand in hand, man. I don't know what we're gonna do, but screw that. I know. You think this is serious or what? I heard you talking about there at the end. Yeah, it's it. Well, it, I, mean, I, I heard say, you. I mean, like you like make it sound real bad. Like the one in a thousand thing, like that's pretty bad. That one thing you said, like fifty fifty would die, but no one got it. <laughs> well, yeah, but this is this is not going to be like that for sure. It's not going to be a fifty percent death rate. What, what I'm saying here is no, that we, I know that, but we, we've got we've got a combo of something that's like it looks like it's as transmissible as the flu, but is like twenty to thirty times more deadly. That's the problem. Uh, but but on the other side, people who are not old or already really sick are not likely to die from it so that's where most of us are safe from it as long as we don't give this to somebody else uh like like uh, i know grandma rosa is no longer with us but well, she i'm gonna would... say so. no hey grandma rosa she died from that shit and then going to the old person I'm, i should sue them but no lie though i was in like a sheath today and i didn't go in and i seen like 30 people touch a door handle bro and then i seen at least 10 come out this is no lie and no one's washing their hands. They're eating shit. No one gives a shit right now. Until they, like, like what they're doing is right here, like, canceling everything. Because I'm not kidding. I was like, these people are nuts. And my kids came out of there with the mom. I said, you, and she has, like, a pop in her hand or something. My kids have the little treats. I said, yo, you're all washing your hands. Like, no one pays attention, bro. I'm telling you. Like, young kids are going in there. It's no joke. Well, young kids, no, yeah, that's, that's the problem. Young kids never pay attention, and they just spread right, it. But, but they, they, right, but that'll, then they'll give it to me, and then I'll give it to 
immaculate, and then what the hell? Immaculate seventy four. She don't look it, but she is. Right. So that's the problem. See, that's that's what you got to worry about. So I'm always in better shape than me, man. Like if I get it and she gets it, I'm probably the one dying. Well, you know, the, no lie. Well, no, the sad thing is here. Even though you would think that she's actually the one much more dangerous, just be it's getting the old people, and that's even the old people who are in good shape. No, I know, but she's in better shape than me. Bro. But that, that doesn't. I mean, I'm it, not even kidding. My that doesn't matter as much. That old. With this, it doesn't matter as much as you think. With this, just the pure age is a very big factor, and that's why, like the kids, the kids are just not dying from it, no matter what. Right. Well, they cancel my kids in school too. I, I know. I read on that you said kids don't get. Co- what virus on Friday? Like they had them go Friday. Yeah, my kids and they canceled it now for the next like two weeks. Wait, week. and the weird thing, I get a call Thursday night saying, "Okay, we're canceling your kid's school, but not tomorrow. Your kid should come tomorrow. We're just starting Monday." I'm like, okay, what that? Yeah, that's make much weird, sense. man. They didn't call until Friday after the kids were already in school and they were already coming home. That's when they did it here. But you, you know what I got to do though? Gonna do, bro? We're gonna die, bro. Well, we're all gonna die eventually. <laughs> no, I, I don't think we're gonna die. I think it's very like. Seriously, man, you can't even get, I mean, toilet paper and stuff, you can't even get canned food if you want. Like, if I want to make tomato sauce, I can't even get, like, to make homemade sauce. I'm not talking ragu. I make homemade sauce, man. I don't, make, I don't use ragu, man. You can't even get canned tomatoes around here. Yeah, no, it's happening everywhere where a lot of things are disappearing. So I'm telling you, ask the store when stuff's coming in, and then show up, like, right in the morning when they open, or, or also... You know what the stores start doing around here, bro? Like, the ones that stayed open 24 hours now, they're saying they close early. Like, they close at 10 o'clock, so they they say they sanitize. They're just restocking the place. That's what they're doing. And then they open up at 7.30 now. They, they they have, like, 7.30 to 10 o'clock, like, the 24 hours. And this is... Listen, there's just two cases now in Allegheny County. Washington County, which is right next to me also, had the first case yesterday. Now, two cases came out today here... Whatever. What's up with West Virginia? I'm going to move to West Virginia, man. I'm not far from there. They have no cases. Well, they don't have they, they don't have any that are known. <laughs> no, there probably are cases. They just don't know. See, there's a lot of people who have they it don't and don't know yet. They're hillbillies. <laughs> but I'm not, no lie. Like, I could spit on West Virginia like if I go up the street a little bit. Not, I mean, I go a little bit, but... But they, but that was the only state today that had zero cases. Am I right or wrong? Yeah, but that's that doesn't mean much. It's just they haven't found any. I'm gonna yet. ask you something because you're the smartest guy I know, other than Sonatine, who's nuts. I mean, <laughs> I think you're smarter than him, but he's like Democrat for sure, and you're a Republican. Do you think this is serious for real? Like, you think this is gonna go? I, like, I think it think? has. I, like, I think like they're. I think it has the potential. You gotta come on. You gotta come on record. I, right I'm now. trying to say it. I, I think it has the potential to be serious. I think it's important to take it seriously now and prevent the spread. And that it's going to that that there is a real death rate here, which is not catastrophic, but but high enough to kill a lot of people. So that's why they have to bring the rate down. Uh, they have to they bring the rate of people catching it down as much as they can and, and hope that it, I like it goes away. I like you said la- on last week's show. I didn't listen to it live, but I listened to you talk last week, and you said about the 1% thing. Like, you don't want a 1% chance of dying. No, you don't. Like, the way you explained that was really good, man. Like, it, like, made me a little bit scared. Well, no, but don't be. See, but you, see, you don't have a 1% chance of dying because you, you're not, you're no, not old. You said the way you, you know what you said last week? Do you remember what you said? Yeah, I, I know what I said about the 1%. I, I, say, I said that uh, 1%, uh, like a 1% chance of dying, uh, 1% of something else happening doesn't sound that bad. Right. But when it comes to dying, because that's so terrible, that's the worst possible thing, that, that then that gets very scary. And then that chance gets too high for your for comfort. No, I, that was maybe go get toilet paper and stuff, bro. I'm not even kidding you. Like at first, I'm like, come on, man, this ain't gonna happen. I, mean, I did think it was gonna happen, but I didn't think it was gonna happen. Then, you know, 
I don't know what the hell's going to go on. Did you read that shit in Illinois? That, like, the one lady like said no gasoline, no alcohol. No, Did I you read I, that thing. No, I don't know what you're talking. You gotta about. go read that, bro. You, I, I thought you'd be on. T- it's, it's pretty crazy. There's there's so much news about this. Thing. It's it's so hard to keep up with everything happening. There's so many different things happening yeah. in so many different places. Things are changing so quickly. And and uh, like I prepare for the show, and then information changes since and, I last read but something. The one thing you know they need to be like you said tonight. I think you said this at the end. When I, I was listening on the call. Listen, I know why. You said because I'm in a bunker now, man. I'm not getting this shit. <laughs> you said like they used to be like like you said like. They come out and say one thing, and then like ten minutes later, it's like, "Hey, the bars are going to be closed down." The cas- like the casinos are closed down tomorrow at nine a.m. Here, yeah, that's like, every, like they said over two hundred and fifty people. And not, but like ten minutes before that, they were just like, "Oh well, the schools are filled." And I'm not even by Philadelphia, and then it just just be just say, "Yo, we're closing everything down." Am I right or wrong? Yeah, well, but just be straight up, man. Why do they keep just? I don't know. I think that causes more panic. No, they're just trying to figure out what to close versus what not to close. This is all new territory for everybody. I understand the confusion of what they should and shouldn't do because they don't have really a, a good model for what to do. There was no, we haven't had anything like this in the in the well, past. It's uncharted territory. It is, bro. I mean. It is nowadays. Am I right or wrong? This no, is it is. It's, it's unsure for anybody who's who's alive right now. They have not dealt with this before because no. this one has a combination of spreading easily and a death rate that's like actually over one percent, where everything else is zero point and something. And you got percent. Facebook and, and Instagram and everything else. So I mean, it, it, this is just nuts. Yeah, that whips up the hyster- I, I that whips up the hysteria too. That's, that's, hey, yo, I'm a scammer, right? Get the scammer tar out. I'm I'm ready to scam somebody. <laughs> well, you should. You're too late. You should have bought all the toilet paper. You could be selling it now. I got. I know. I should. I gotta. I gotta call one step. <laughs> no, that's not what I even call to talk about, man. I just call just to call, man. No, it's good to hear from you. We haven't heard from the bad guy. I just in a want while. to make sure you're doing good, brother. Yeah, I'm okay right now. Everything's all right now. I, I've the, been smoking, doing. I might need him in a couple of days because I'm. Gonna, I'm gonna scam somebody. Here. Okay. Well, no, he's 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 fine too, as far as I know. I've I, I've been texting with him. He's uh, he doesn't have the coronavirus. All you can do now is drink. You don't even drink. How many? Listen, let me tell you something. Here's a good thing you need to know. And good calling that uh, high blood pressure medicine. But you know, my I have high blood pressure too, but I never did. But after drinking for thirty years, you got to get high blood pressure. But my shit wasn't on the list. Oh, good. Start, my shit starts with a name, man. I don't even know what it's called. Is, is it say. is it amlodipine? But, yeah, that's what it okay, is. Okay, that one's that's safe. Exactly what it that is. one's safe. I take that too. That's yeah, it. I know. That's what I have, man. I'm not kidding you. My the one time I got my blood pressure taken, my doctor asked me if I was licking salt sticks. I said, No, I'm just drinking beer. Well, but, I, no, I have good news lie, for you here. Like, like I was, I was like, yes, man, I'm good. No, I don't even take it though. I wasn't taking it. Well, here, I, I have, I have so good news safe, for you. Man. Don't be taking that blood pressure medicine, bro. What the, does that do, man? Like, speeds it up? No, 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 no. Let me let me explain a few things here. First of all, it's not because you're drinking. I mean, it's maybe partially, but the no. I'm saying the blood pressure medicine. If you were taking the ones that are on the list, like, what oh, yeah, does it yeah, do yeah, yeah, if you get yeah, that virus? Yeah, just stop. Just stop taking it. Just stop taking it. It doesn't do nothing. High blood pressure doesn't mean nothing. Well, it does unless if it, unless it's really really high, you can have high blood pressure for a few months and it's not going to do anything. You don't want to have this for years, but for a few months, my it's fine. blood pressure. If I go in the hospital for a couple of days after they get me, like, but well, it's only happened a couple of times. But my high, I go on the fucking thing. They think I'm having a stroke. Yeah, that's not a lie. Well, yeah, some but, people I mean, sometimes your blood pressure can spike up. Right if it, now, man, it's not about the bad guy. It's about fucking like everybody got to stay safe, man. Everybody on PFA, fuck it. If we're gonna get if one guy got, we're all getting it. 
<laughs> I'm drunk, bro. By the way, yeah, I can tell. I can. I, can, I was about to ask yeah, you how I much am. you've been drinking. But tonight. only on beer. I don't drink. I don't drink hard liquor anymore. Okay. So how drunk can I be to be up at six in the morning on fucking Bud Light? I'm yeah. like Post Malone, this bitch. Yeah, that's pretty bad. <laughs> I know it's fucking horrible. He's tripping on stage, puking. He probably's giving everybody canaris or whatever the fuck it's called, Coronas. I kid around, motherfucker. I mean, you don't even laugh, man. I mean, like, you know I'm saying it wrong on purpose. Tell a friend's all over me right now. What is he saying? What is he saying? I can't speak English. Oh. <laughs> I mean, that's what he's saying. Well, it is, it's, it's six in the morning. Have, have you been up on the betting form? Have you been up We're all night? Die. Have you been up all night? I've been up on. What you, no, I, I just woke up. Well, I'm you could have. I don't know. I've been up all night. Maybe, like, maybe you woke up and couldn't sleep. With you. I don't sleep, bro. I got like fucking. I think I have. I'm fucked up in the head. There's something wrong with me. I don't sleep. And I don't even drink like I used to. I'm not even kidding you. I can't sleep. Well, how much do you and sleep I, on average I got every night? Fucking Ativan to Xanax to fucking. I, I guess I got to get on Ambien. There's no way. If I get on Ambien, I'll be driving a car to your house. From how, Pennsylvania. How much with do you co- sleep with coronavirus? How much do you sleep every day on average? Bro, about two hours. I'm not even kidding you. My kids wake me up at fucking seven thirty in the morning. I, sometimes I don't go to bed. I, I, this is a true story. The other night, I watched a nine eleven movie and then I watched Goodfellas. It was six thirty in the morning. My kid was down here jumping on me at seven thirty, and I just stay up the rest of the day. Nothing like like it's and no drinking, nothing. I have insomnia, no doubt. I'm not even kidding you. That's like a torture thing in like the military, ain't it? If you don't sleep, well, it, it, they look, torture it, you with that. Having insomnia can be very tough to deal Bro, with. I gotta, it's, I it's gotta very find bets, man. The Russian league. I don't know what time it starts. So I'm up all night. <laughs> the Russian league starts. <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. You. No, honest to God, all kidding aside. Bro, I can't sleep, man. I, I just don't sleep. Well, you should get that looked Wait, into. I'm not that drunk, man. I'm, I'm kidding around. When, when this all when this all goes, listen. I'm when not this, drinking right now. But when this I all passes sleep. by, you need to get this looked into and figure out why you can't sleep. See if you can do something about that. No, they they looked into it, man. They give me stuff. Uh, Ambien don't even work. Benadryl is the best thing for me, but that don't work anymore unless I drink like 20 beers. I mm. mean, it's just weird. I don't sleep. So I'm going to be dead before you're going to have a tribute show to me if everybody doesn't die from the coronavirus. Make sure you play my fucking TK the pimp fucking thing, bro. Yeah, I will. Play uh, if, if you die, I you promise better. I'll play that. I will play that if you die, I promise you. But I want to meet you before I die. Well, you got to come to... I can actually get a plane ticket now. I can afford it, right? It's cheap. Yeah, that's true. Well, you can come out west, and we can meet at some point. Do you want to meet me now or after the, after the outbreak's done? I don't care. I'll meet you now. But you, you, can, bring, you can bring Josie, too. <laughs> you know I don't have any diseases, bro. I don't go anywhere. You can bring Josie. Stay in the house. Go get Josie. Bring her, too. No, 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 no. Whoa. <laughs> you want to get coronavirus, man? Are you serious? That, no. <laughs> you, you know, you always don't cease to get me in trouble, you <laughs> I don't even talk to that girl anymore. Are you nuts? I haven't talked to her in a while either. Is she married to some guy named Tommy? I think so. She's with some guy now. I don't know. I haven't really checked very His carefully. name is the same as mine. Hmm. <laughs> I love you, bro. Okay, thank you, bad guy. I'm, I'm glad to hear from you. It's been a while. Well, I know. What do you want me to say? Well, you want me to give you a pick or something? No, I no. More. No, there's not much to say now. Well, okay, I, I, I got well, well, to finish the show, though. You know, bad guy, I got to finish the show because it's, it's uh, 3.20 in the morning. I know. Well, hey, I love you like a brother, man. Stay safe, for real. Okay, you too. Thank Everybody you, on PFA, stay safe. I love you guys. Bye. Bye. A bad guy 23 check-in.
We haven't heard from him in a while. And I'd wondered what happened to bad guy, and here he is. He posts on the forum sometimes. Here's a, a message from the 509. Druff, this is Poyak1999. Update from Washington State. All schools canceled until April 24th. I hoping this, I'm hoping this pushes legislators to allow online poker and gambling here in Washington. Yeah, Washington's been very hard line about online poker for many years. Maybe this will. Uh, I, I hope that online poker can maybe get a revival thanks to that. Maybe people will go, crap, maybe we don't want to play live poker anymore. But I enjoy live poker, too. I enjoy them both. I'm one of these uh, rare people who enjoys them both. There's the online people who just hate playing live, and then there's the live people who hate playing online. I, I enjoy both. Before all this started, I was doing both. I was playing a bunch of nights online, then I'd go drive to commerce, then I'd go play online. Like, I was doing both. Now it's only one of them I'm doing. Okay, let's move to our next topic, which is Phil Galfond. Yes, another Phil Galfond topic, another Galfond challenge topic and he's doing well he's doing what people would not expect and that is crushing Vinny Vidi since returning since his break since coming back and everyone's saying Phil why don't you just quit you can't beat this guy he's passed you you're not a great player compared to the great players of 2020 Phil why don't you give it up you're a has-been and Galfon says, nope, I'm coming back in March. I'm going to play Vanny Vitti. I'm going to try to win some of the money back. My chance of coming out ahead here is very, very low. But uh, I'm, I'm going to play. I've got my head clear. I'm going to play. And he came back and just started winning. And it's become pretty consistent to where now it really looks like that Galfond uh, can hang with him and may even be a favorite against him, which I never thought I would say. And this whole thing is just bizarre. And it, it raises a lot of questions. A lot of questions. And if you ignore these questions, then you're not being realistic. So Galfond's low point when he took his break was after he lost uh, 102,593 euro and he was down about 900,000 euro and then he quit for the remainder of February and paid 18,000 euro in penalty to take that extra break as agreed upon before they started playing. Then he returned and immediately crushed Vinny Vidi for 183,481 euro. Then Vinny won 21,571 euro in the next session. Then Galfond came back and won uh, 27,198 euro, but this was after starting off really, really well again and chunking most of that win back off. However, he finished ahead. Then the next session, he finished up 26,018 euro. So here in his return at that point, he was already uh, three and one as far as winning sessions. Uh, One really big win, two kind of small to moderate wins, and one small to moderate loss. So he he already was uh, doing much better. And people are going, wow, that's a big difference from going 112 and two in your first 15 matches. 
Some people say, okay, maybe maybe he's doing better. Maybe this is, is going much better. So uh, then he had another big session. Then he went on March 9th, he went, uh, he won uh, almost 93,000 euro and f- was four and one since the break and had brought his overall loss down to 592,000, which sounds like a lot, but look how much he got back. He got back over 300,000 euro in just five matches. And he started to look like it might be possible for him to get back to even. Well, he, he pretty much tied the next match, going uh, winning uh, 3,800 euro, which at the stake they were playing 100-200 blind. Uh, that's pretty much even, so we'll call that one a tie. So he's 4-1-1. One, and one. and uh, then he had a setback. Then Veni Vidi beat him for 88,000 euro. So people wondered, okay, did Phil have his little run? Is he going to start getting beat? So Phil was then 4-2-1. and one. Still a good deal ahead overall, though, because of that first big win. However, then on March 12th, Galfond won 23,000 euro. So another 20-something thousand euro for Phil. He's up uh, to 5-2-1 and one in the eight matches since returning. Again, huge difference between 1-12 and 1, where he looked like he couldn't do anything right. And then he ended up winning 139,000 euro. On March 14th. Now he is less than 500,000 euro behind. He's 494,601 euro behind. And now he has booked two wins that were well in excess of 100,000 euro. They have currently played 15,864 hands. They have a little bit more than 9,000 hands to go. At this rate... Phil could easily come back and beat Veni Vidi in what would be a shocking comeback, given the way he was starting. He has 9,000 hands to do it. He's gotten back in about, uh, what was it, 5,000 hands, a little more than 5,000 hands. He's gotten back almost half of what he was down, and he's got 9,000 left. Veni Vidi, number one, has to be not confident anymore. He's now... Uh, what looks like a two six and one. I, I stopped counting here. Two six and one, two seven and one since uh, restarting. After being twelve one and one, or twelve one and two. So now he he he's lost back almost half of what he won, and it seems like now the norm is for Galfon to beat him. So how did this change in such a short time? The break wasn't that long. What was it, two weeks or something? So what what changed? How, how did Galfond go from just getting his ass beat to everyone watching just said he's getting outplayed? How does he go from that to looking like he's the favorite in, in, in any given match that's coming up? So there's been various theories being thrown around. Theory number one, Galfond was just running bad, that he just had an incredible streak of bad luck, and now he's running well. Uh, theory number two, that Galfon is actually the better player and now is just running better, that he was just running horrible before and is now running maybe a little better than expectation, but that uh, if you made everything even as far as how they ran, that uh, Galfon's actually the better player and it, we just didn't realize that because of how horribly he was running, which then was leading to some bad play. 
Theory number three. Galfond studied Vanni Vitti's play style and came up with a good strategy to counter him, maybe with the assistance of friends that helped him study. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. That's what he did. Theory number four. Galfond is being ghosted by friends who are giving him assistance as to what to do. Maybe some great modern PLO players. Galfond was more of a 2010-type PLO player. More modern PLO players. Maybe there's some that are ghosting Galfond and helping him out. And maybe Galfond is doing this because uh, in order to save face, and also he's got a training site, which maybe he doesn't want to have its image destroyed if he were to get beat so hard. So some are saying, what What if he is ghosting? There's, that's, there's those who are claiming that's what's going on. Theory number five, and I'm not saying I believe this, but theory number five, there is some fixing going on. Remember, this is on Galfon's run at once poker site. So what if either he succumbed to the temptation to rig the match or to superuse, or what if the match is being rigged for him without his knowledge by a programmer who wants him to succeed in order to keep his own job? Someone who has a vested interest in seeing Galfond win. What if one of the other investors in the site convinced one of the programmers to do this without Galfond even knowing about it? What if Galfond is too honest to cheat? But what if people are cheating on his behalf and he doesn't know it? He just thinks he's running better. That's theory number five. Something has turned around here. But theory number six is Phil Galfond's using some kind of solver in the background. Perhaps because Galfond suspects that Venny Vitti is using a solver in the background. I actually once did that. <laughs> not in poker, not for any real money. But I was once playing uh, Words with Friends on Yahoo many, many, many years ago. And uh, there was this girl who was, she challenged me in it and I played her and she, she was like just some white trash girl from the Midwest who didn't seem very well educated and she was just crushing me with these amazing words she was coming up with. And I was going, how could she be this smart? I, I don't believe it. Just like in my conversations with her, she seems nothing like this. This She's got to be using a cheap program. And I asked her, I said, are you sure you're not using an assistance program? She said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm just a, I'm just a word buff. I'm just, uh, and I said, well, how do you know this obscure medical term? Oh, I'm just a medical buff. I'm like, okay, this, this, she's so, so lying. Like, why, why challenge me to a game and then cheat? Where there's no, there's no, no, you don't win anything. She's just trying to show off or something. It was so weird. So I said, no, screw her. I'm going to see if such a program to cheat exists. And sure enough, I found a cheating program for that exact game we were playing. So I downloaded the program and used it back on her program, and then then we're running about even. And she's going, what, are you using a cheating program now? I said, no, 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 I'm just a word buff. <laughs> so maybe, maybe Galifond was like, maybe he analyzed this with friends, and they're like, you know what, Venny Vitti's using a solver. He's using a program to assist himself. You're, you're gonna, That's why you're getting crushed so badly. Look, you, you've got to do it too. Now, I've I've seen people say that the solvers can't run in real time because the decision tree for most of the hand is, is just too large and, and it can't compute fast enough of what to do. Maybe there are some solvers out there that, that can do it, or at least can do some limited solving. 
So maybe he is using some kind of assistance in the background with a, a program that does this with the justification that he's become convinced that Venny Vitti is doing it and rather than accusing him of this and trying to find proof he's doing it. Maybe Galfon's like, you know what, F it. I'm convinced he's doing it. I'm just going to do it too. So those are the theories. I don't know. I'm not going to guess at this one. I'm not even going to guess at it. Maybe this is just Galfon studying his ass off and learning how to adjust to the guy. It could be that. Maybe he's making a great comeback and this is something he deserves a lot of credit for. Maybe he's just getting lucky. Maybe before he was getting unlucky. Maybe it's both. Maybe he is the better player, it turns out. Maybe Vanny Vitti is the better player, just getting super unlucky. I don't know. This is so weird because it was like two different phases. One where Vanny Vitti couldn't do anything wrong, just crushing him. And now, except for that one session where Vanny Vitti uh, won the 88K, for the most part, it looks like Galfon can't do anything wrong. I, I don't know. Galfon has all the momentum. And if he really completes this and, and comes back and beats Venny Vitti, this is going to create a great story. However, as I said before, the fact that this is raising questions is a problem. The fact that people think maybe he's ghosting, maybe he's super using, maybe, maybe uh, uh, someone's rigging this for him. This is exactly what he doesn't want. This is why I thought it was such a foolish way to promote his site. He should have played this on another site and then promoted his site at the same time. He could even say, hey, I run run at once poker, please check it out. Uh, we're not playing on there just for fairness reasons, just just uh, for good optics. But uh, he could even say, hey, if you if you want to come play with me now on Run at Once, I'll be there. I, I, there's a lot of ways he could have done it without playing on his own site. I see why he wants to play on his own site to promote the site. But the problem, as I've said in the past, if the only way that he comes away positive on this as far as from a promotional standpoint is if he beats his opponents by a little bit. And what I meant by that is not where he gets way down and comes back, but more like where they're kind of trading back and forth or who's ahead, but no one's really ahead of the other. And Phil barely beats the guy at the end. Then it doesn't look rigged. And then it still looks like he's a great player. But if he totally crushes the guy or if he gets way down and comes all the way back, then it could look like the whole thing's rigged. And if he gets his ass beat, then it doesn't look rigged, but it looks like uh, he sucks now. So none of this is good for him. No way it can end really looks good. Once he got this far down, he's either going to look like a, a chump who got crushed by a modern player, and he's a has-been, or if he has this huge comeback, people are going to start suspecting something was going on here that wasn't fair. So this is a bad way to market the site. And it's it's still struggling. It's still not doing that well. Yeah, the traffic's increased a little bit, but it needs to increase so much that a small traffic increase is not going to do much. They still have never peaked more than uh, 275 players in in 24 hours, according to Poker Scout. They still typically have about 110 players on average. That's not what they're looking for. They're looking to make PokerStars numbers. PokerStars has 7,000 people on average. It's a hell of a lot more than 110. Take the number three site, GG Poker. At least they've got 2,000 players on average. That's like 19 times the players. That's what he's looking for. He's not looking for 110 people on it. It really hasn't increased very much. And they're also promoting an incomplete site with no tournaments, with no sit-and-goes, with uh, just... It's an incomplete site. It's just such a strange thing they're doing to promote it. So yeah, this match is interesting. That's why I talk about it every week. But it, it, the whole thing is not a good promotional opportunity. 
Phil just wants to play these players for fun, then great. But as far as promoting the site, I don't see it. But okay, good for him for coming back. And I will keep watching, and I will keep reporting on it. If you were expecting me to come out and say, oh, Phil's a cheater, there's something going on here, no, I'm not going to say that. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. And as I said, if there is cheating, it could even be happening without him knowing. There's other people with their hands in this. That's why it just shouldn't be on his site. And if it wasn't on his site, if it's on a neutral site, we wouldn't have to discuss this crap. The only thing he could be doing that would be dishonest would be ghosting. But at least that's not computer assistance in any way. All right. Ken Strauss. Remember that name? Remember the guy who pulled down his pants during the main event? Remember this? I'm always blind. Look, look, I'm blind, everybody. You want to take my pants down? I'm all in blind. <laughs> you remember him, and he... He just degraded from there. He went to a different casino, went to the Luxor, and stood up on a craps table, also pulled down his pants that same day. And then he kept returning to casinos where he had gotten trespassed from, and he got, he, he eventually got he, he got arrested a bunch of times, but the one that really got him in trouble was when he made this weird tweet about how casinos are going to be destroyed that had him banned and that was considered terrorist threats. So uh, then he was sent to a mental hospital, and uh, I sadly didn't save all these tweets. I saved some of them, but I'll, I'll get to in a second what... Uh, what is the current status with this? Why I'm bringing this up again? Now, the big tweet that got him in trouble was on July 27th when he said, uh, "Shooting." He, he tweeted, "Shootings are taking place all over Las Vegas. Please leave me alone, Venetian. I have no place to go currently, and all casinos that have me banned will be destroyed effective immediately. And Rio, get my belongings together immediately. When the president of the United States declares I'm safe, I'm going." So he, he just did a lot of really weird things, and. Uh, there's even a weird charge that he tried to lure an eight an eight year old boy up to his room, though he claimed it wasn't sexual that he was just trying to save the boy from uh, something bad that was going to happen to him. In October, he was found incompetent to stand trial and forced into a psych hospital, and then he was sent to a mental health facility near Reno. Well, the most recent story is that Ken Strauss, who had uh, no access to Twitter all this time, has been found to have privated his Twitter to where you can no longer see anything he tweeted in the past unless you already were following him, which means he must be out because he's accessing his Twitter. So that's uh, interesting news. We haven't heard anything else about him. Now, I have access to his Twitter because he did uh, allow me to follow him at the time because there was, it was not protected at the time. So if you had followed him, you were automatically able to follow him. There's a lot of tweets missing, including those ones that got him in trouble. Though it says that they were uh, removed for violating the rules of Twitter. But he has still not tweeted since July 24th. He's just since protected his account, 
which happened somewhat recently. So he must have done this unless he had someone do it for him. But presumably he's out of the mental hospital, and it's been a while since October, so maybe he's finally better. Just wanted to let you know. Uh, he's listed as he's in Las Vegas is where he lives, so who knows? He may be <laughs> showing up at casinos again and causing trouble. Maybe they got him on the right medication. Maybe he's acting normally again. It, it did seem like he, he was living a normal life prior to this whole meltdown in July of 2019. So we will see. Just wanted to give you an update on that story. If you want to give a river phone call here, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. If you had some phone calls already tonight. Otherwise, we will get to our final topic, and then we will shut this down. Downtown Las Vegas was hit with a cyber attack that ended up affecting the slot machines. This isn't something you'd expect. You'd think that a cyber attack might affect their customer records or something like that. You wouldn't expect that it would affect uh, the slot machines, but it did. There's actually a lot more to casinos than it appears on the casino floor. Because how do machines communicate with the main casino? For example, when it prints out a voucher, how does the casino know to redeem that voucher? How can they uh, validate this voucher? How do they know you don't just print one at home? Well, the way they do is because the machine prints the voucher, and at the same time, the machine messages the casino that it has printed this voucher and to expect you to come redeem it. And if it does not receive that message, then you can't redeem the voucher. That's how they prevent people from counterfeiting vouchers. And also, these machines will sometimes communicate with each other when there's a jackpot involved, where several machines are part of that jackpot, or several casinos are part of that jackpot, they have to communicate with each other. So there's a number of systems involved that you don't really think about that are attached to slot machines or other machines in the casino. So what happened was downtown, uh, towards the end of February, they started having a problem where uh, these machines were having trouble printing vouchers. And it appeared that they were having network issues. And what would happen is when these issues would occur, the machines would have a blue screen of death, which would make them inoperable. Someone described it as rows upon rows of slot machines were left with blue screens. And they had to take them out of service. Basically, the slot machines were unable to print vouchers, which made them unusable. And they couldn't figure out why this was happening, just that the slot machines were having some kind of communication problem. On February 27th, the Four Queens Hotel downtown put up signs that their computer systems were down and that only cash would be accepted. And out-of-order messages were all over slot machines. And uh, then this same issue started to occur in Binion's, which used to own the World Series. It turned out that this was a cyber attack, that someone was attacking the networks of these two casinos. It's not sure why. And that uh, this was disrupting the communications of the machines. And uh, therefore, they were unable to print the vouchers. And they had to take many machines out of service until they, they fixed the whole thing. 
And uh, in one case, not in this particular case, but uh, in the last few years, there, there was a situation, I'm not sure which casino, but that uh, there was a, a hacking involved where the personal details of slot machine players was being transmitted unencrypted over an internet network that was accessible to the public and people were able to sniff that data and grab this information. Now, they couldn't do anything with it, but they could receive the information. They could see how much people won, how much people lost, the, how much, how many points they earned, just everything. Anything that was being sent from the machine to the casino, they were able to intercept because it was not sent encrypted and it was sent over a public network, like I'm guessing just the public Wi-Fi. I guess they were trying to be simple and cheap and not set up a separate network for the machines than the public Wi-Fi. They probably just had it all off on the same network. And uh, and, and then people connected to the public Wi-Fi were probably able to just uh, monitor the traffic through it. And, and uh, wow, look at this. Personal info of slot machine players and info about what they've been playing. So I'm not sure where this happened, but that was reported in this article. And uh, this was finally discovered by a security researcher named Dylan Wheeler, and he contacted the FBI about this vulnerability. And uh, Dylan Wheeler said that the a hacker who's looking to target a casino, the hardest part of it is getting access to their network. Once he's, they're in their network, and if the networks aren't segregated then then he can interact with all kinds of machines and screw things up or even just uh, do DDoS attacks, all kinds of things they can do from within the network to really screw things and, and possibly uh, modify things if he can get even more access. So the, the, what they really need to prevent is anyone getting access to the networks themselves that will really cut down on the vulnerability. And, and by the way, from what, I, well not, from what I know about all this, that's it's very true. So uh, it's not clear if this cyber attack was uh, done from within the network or was done from outside. That is, I'm not sure if someone showed up there physically and intercepted the uh, network, such as getting on their public Wi-Fi and getting into their network, or if uh, someone was doing this remotely and could just hammer them remotely with a DDoS attack and stop it. But uh that's what was going on at the Four Queens and at Binion's, and that's why many machines were out for uh, several days in late February and early March. By the way, both of these casinos have the same owner called TLC Casino Enterprises. However, they will not comment about this. They've been asked to comment. They will not, uh, despite the fact that this has been in the Las Vegas Review Journal. And... Uh, they still will not comment on it. So that's... Uh, and then the people who had money stuck in there that couldn't cash out, they, they in some cases they had to wait more than an hour for slot techs to get over there and cash them out because uh, so this happened to so many people at once. So they just had to sit and sit and sit and they couldn't just leave because they had money in the machine. It's not a nightmare. You try to cash out of the machine and it won't let you. I've had it before, like the ticket won't print due to some physical malfunction. And yeah, it's it's been really frustrating when I can hit the button for service and nobody comes and I can't leave the machine to go get someone because I'll be leaving all my credits there and like uh, I, I can't go anywhere. I'm like, hello, someone come here, take cash out of the machine for me. Thank you. And sometimes there's no one around and it's, it's really, really frustrating. 
I can imagine with this, you're just waiting because tons of people have the same problem at the same time. It shows you how vulnerable these things really are. Sometimes when you don't even think about it. Okay, that's it. That is all for tonight. Thank you for listening to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. We will do a show again next week. And I'm sure we'll have much more information about the coronavirus. This won't be a coronavirus show every week. At some point, I will bring down the amount of corona talk we have. I, I want to cover other things, but this, there's not much to cover this week other than this. There, there's not much going on because of all the casinos shutting down and, and all these poker rooms shutting down. So, like, what are we going to talk about? This is the news recently. This won't make for the best listening when people listen in the archives, like, years from now. Because eventually all this runs on our streaming reruns on the Call to Listen line. And on the radio page, there's something constantly running on Poker Fraud Alert, even when we're not live. We run reruns. It picks random reruns going back eight years. So there will be people listening to this in 2024 going, I don't want to hear about the coronavirus, which has been gone for years. What a boring show. But we're doing the show for today, not for people years from now listening to old episodes. 775-372-8355 if you want to text me at any time before, during, or after the live show. And I thank everybody for all the interaction tonight. Got a lot of texts, got a number of phone calls. I'll work on fixing the incoming calls with Skype if I can. I'm not sure what's causing this, but when Trader Ruski is on with me, I'm having a real hard time taking other calls now. I might be able to revert to a, a slightly older version of Skype. I can't go way back to when Skype was actually good, but I, maybe I can go back, I don't know, a month or so. See if I can do that. In fact, it fixes the problem. I'll have to experiment with it. And I'll try to do that in the coming week. And uh, Skype was also having trouble making outgoing calls tonight, where uh, at least at those casinos, or when I tried to call Windover, it just not. It seems like it's not in the cards to call Windover because uh, we had our phone problems and all that. Of course, if you're listening to the archives, it's probably gone because it was, it was just we tried to call and they couldn't hear me, so I'm just cutting it out of the show. So if you hear some reference to that, that's what happened. Trust me, it was not entertaining. <laughs> all right, that's all. It's almost 4 a.m. here in Los Angeles, and I'm just kind of done. Let's hope the coronavirus goes away soon. I'm tired of it already. Good night, everybody. Stay safe and shalom.